Hello and welcome. I'm Trumpet Man, and you're listening to the 40 Card College Podcast, a podcast about advancing your limited game with your first-time drafter or a trophy master. So today, on a very special episode of the podcast, we're going to be diving deep into every common and uncommon in March of the Machine with none other than Sirkovitz. I was able to join his magic numbers, and the following recording is from a live stream on Sirkovitz's channel, and I hope you enjoy. Also, shout out to Adam Tier and Above patron Marius. Everyone, hope you enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to Magic Numbers. This is episode 74, and this time we're doing the full set review, and I'm doing it not alone, but with Trumpetman. If you don't know who Trumpetman is, then you're missing out uh, because he's running an excellent podcast called uh, 40 Card College. And also was a guest on a couple of other podcasts, including uh, um, Limited Level Ups. And uh, I have to say, 40 Card College is one of my favorites currently. So uh, that's why we teamed up, because I needed someone who is in the know to carry me through the set review, because I knew that all by myself, it would have been a botched job. So um, uh, there we are, teaming up and trying to figure out what's going to be good in this format before uh, we got the chance to play with the cards. So I knew... I see we're already butchering it. That's fine. But thank you, Sirkovitz, for having me on here. Uh, and I did the production. will be one set review all by myself. And that was, you know, six hours. And by the end, I had no voice. So I figure if we team up, there's a small chance we both have our voices by the end. So I'm very excited about that. Alternatively, we can do 12 hours and then we both lose our voices. Love it. <laughs> also, I will be awake in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So. Without further ado, let's go to the uh, set review rules. Uh, first of all, we decided to evaluate cards based on the previous set game and hand win rates. And this is to say that when we look at a card, we're thinking, okay, what's going to be uh, the win rate of that card across the format? And this makes it slightly different than most set reviews because most set reviews try to evaluate the card in vacuum. Uh, and does a better or worse job at it. And we might as well do a better or worse job at trying to uh, estimate the format. The big difference between it is that we're trying to evaluate what people are going to do with the card, not only how good the card is. I, I gave several cards that I think are good lower grades because I somehow predict that people are going to do a bad job playing them and putting them in decks that they don't, don't have business in being. Uh, and I'm sure that Neil did the same. Um, the only problem I had with this one is that when you look at the sets, their win rates are slightly different in general. So um, what could we do to uh, make them standardized? And what I did was I normalized them so that the average win rate of each set was going to be around 50%, which is uh, neat in one way that I also can say what was the absolutely best card uh, in the last uh, set since mid. Uh, because I have the list of them normalized to 50%. So obviously the one that's going to be on top of there is going to be the best card, uh, the highest win rate card of all, of all the cards. Before you ask, uh, the answer is uh, Sanctuary Warden was actually the best card, the biggest bomb in the uh, uh, in the last format. So um, that's how we're going to grade them. And based on this normalization, we assign certain percentage uh, 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 brackets as, as grades. And that's what we're going to um, evaluate our cards on. And maybe we can do it one by one. So I do the first one, and then you do the second one. So we rest our voices perfectly. So the grade A plus is going to be the absolute uh, ultimate bombs. 
Only eight cards since mid fit in that bracket. That's the win rate of over 60% in the normalized table, which will be probably around 67 if you don't normalize it. And examples of cards that fit in this bracket was Miglos, Mace Crusher from the uh, last set, or Shieldred, the Apocalypse. At least one of them, because one of them was actually in the A grade, the other one was in the A plus, because there were two printings of them in the last six sets. All right. So for A's, these are the win rates for 58 to 60% in the normalized data. Examples are Fable of the Mirror Breaker, of course, Absolute Crazy Bomb, Siege Veteran. So we're seeing that in Brothers War and both being at rare, you get some pretty uh, insane ones in A's, but they're still pretty uncommon. Only 21 cards since mid. So then we have A minus, uh, that's cards between 55 and 58% win rate. There were 77 of those cards, and examples of them were Thrun, uh, Breaker of Silence from the last set, and there was the single common in the A bracket, uh, which was Inspiring Overseer, uh, clocking in at something over 55% win rate by normalized, which is absolutely meant for a common, but there it is. For B pluses, these are the 53 and to 55% range. Examples from one would be Rebel Salvo, the red removal spell, and Evolving Adaptive, the one one that grows. And, uh, you know, B pluses, if we're looking at it, these are just the really hyper-efficient cards that maybe don't single-handedly win the game, but they can kind of make it like what the game is about if they provide enough, you know, value or tempo quick enough. Uh, just a question from a listener. I'm confused by the win rates. Um... Average for 17 lenses around 55-4%. Are you guys weighing to 50%? Yes, we are weighing to 50%. That's why those win rates are lower than you would expect. Because to compare all those sets with different win rates, we sort of cluster them together at 50% medium win rate um, uh, for the 17 lens users. Um, okay. So Bs will be really, really strong cards. Uh, between 52.5 and 53.5. These are the cards that you will never cut from your deck. Uh, you will always want to play them. Actually, most of them will be good reasons to start playing the color. And examples are Imperial Oath and Reckless Stormseeker. And then the B minuses, 51.5 to 52.5% win rate. Examples uh, from Neon Dynasty, we have Kumano faces Kakazan. So just a lot of value for a one drop. You, these are the types of cards that are like, pretty efficient uh, and kind of start to draw you into the color, but they're not, you know, bombs. They're still in that B range. Also, either Channeler from Dominar United, the uh, Mana War, plus a million other abilities that you can choose from. Yeah. Um, then the next grade is C+, and these are going to be solid playables, cards that you are going to happy to have in your deck. Um, and main difference is well, except for the win rate, but you can also see in the data that here you will start to have commons as being dominant force. Like in all the previous tiers, it was mainly rares and uncommons. Here, this is the first tier when commons are actually the uh, highest number group of cards uh, in that category. There's 270 of them, and they're between 50 and 51.5%. Um, these are the good commons, the like better half of them, let's say. Um, and examples are Echo Inspector, Infectious Bite. So, you know, Cards you're not like jumping from joy to get, but uh, definitely happy to have you in your deck. And then we have the C grades. Uh, so this is sort of the bread and butter of limited. And I think used to be like, if it's a C, we thought, well, it wasn't very good. 
But no, in fact, C is sort of the what you kind of expect a lot of your limited deck to make up, and they sort of coalesce to kind of be the driving force of your lanes uh, to you know help you win the game. But of course, they're not you know busted; they're they're C commons most of the time. Uh, these have win rates of forty nine to fifty percent. Examples are Phalanx Vanguard, the two two Vigilance from Brothers War, and you, it sort of exemplifies right. It used to if you just have a two two for two. That's not going to be a C anymore because we're expecting more from our cards. But if you have enough abilities, then it kind of starts to be in that C range. And then Glamour's Outlaw, the uh, Grixis 4-5 from Streets of New Capenna, and one of my personal favorite cards from that set. I was wondering why that one ended up on this slide, but now I know. Uh, C- minuses are the cards that are either slightly under par but still playable, like uh, for example, Air Marshal on the list, uh, that's 48 to 49% win rate. Uh, or cards that are probably overplayed in situations where they shouldn't be, but they can be good in some small subset of the games. But um, as a general rule, they, they need higher synergy to be functional, and people put them in the incorrect decks, which lowers their win rate. And here the example will be Icor Plate Golem um, uh, from, uh, from one. Uh, that was probably played slightly too much with decks that didn't have enough oil synergies that dropped the win rate because it was pretty good when you had a lot of oil. For D pluses, these are the cards that they're, they start to be kind of situational. You can put them in your deck, but you hope you don't have to, or um, you're including them because they have sort of hyper synergy where they're in a specific lane. So examples of these is Rotten Reunion from um, Midnight Hunt where you know you can play that if you have enough zombie payoffs maybe your siege zombie you start to tap a bunch of your zombies and it's working otherwise the card's pretty bad or bring the ending here from one the counter spell if you can get corrupted hey it's great but if you can't probably don't want to put it in your deck also hell of an art from rotten union um then we have these these are between 45 and 47 percent win rate these are the cards that you're probably quite unhappy to have in your deck or at least you should aim at not having any of them, uh, depending on which seat are you in. Um, examples are Gift of Wrath, uh, an aura from uh, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. Uh, that card was very middling. Um, or Goring Warplow, also another creature that just didn't hit the mark uh, in Brothers War. Um, it has 300 cards in that category since mid. And then we have the D minuses. Uh, so these are the cards where, like, they technically can make your deck, but you're really unhappy about it. Um, you know, they're not quite unplayable. But we have two examples from Brothers War, Gixian Skull Flayer, uh, where it required a bunch of effort to start getting counters on it, um, or Goblin Firebomb. It's like super horrible clunky removal, where if you have literally no other way to interact, you're like, well, I guess I got to play this card, but uh, I'm really unhappy about it being in my deck in the first place. So those are D-minuses. And the last category, quite small, but quite substantial. And um, uh, these are cards with win rate under 42%. Um, there were 88 cards since mid that fulfilled this category. The examples would be the Grass Unstoppable Juggernaut, 8 mana. That's a bit too much for having uh, impact on the game. Or Goblin Char Belcher, a card that people tried to play and make it great, but uh, it just never was because very often you'll spend 7 mana to do nothing. And that's not what you want to do in this game. Uh, now, of note, this is a category when uh, commons are, again, not common, which is sort of a testament to how good the commons are in the last uh, years. There were very, very few F-grade commons. Most of those cards in this category were uncommon, rare, and higher. So um, 
the design has changed quite a lot and that's why we end up with decent and working decks in the rest last years because there's just no dead unplayable commons ever again even the situational one that we play maybe not as much and we will see that during the review they try to make them in such a way that uh, you can put them in your best of one deck and they have some kind of emergency rescue fail state um, that is uh, working well. All right. I hope that the next slide is uh, the first evaluation. Now, yes, we start with signposts and our order in the signposts is slightly random. But one thing that we want to give you is A, we give the grades from from the get-go we're going to talk about the cards when you know our grades so we spoil the surprise there for you b we uh, arrange those rares in two orders that are competing with each other first of all if the cards are graded equally by both of us we put them first there is not much discussion about those cards because we agree um the longer we go in each color category the more discrepancy in the grading will be and hopefully we're going to get some more interesting uh, uh well, discussions. topic points, yeah, yeah, exactly. And also, like, uh, in the cards where we agree, only one of us is going to tell why they think that this card is a particular grade. As we start diverging, we're going to maybe have a bit of a, a defense on why do you think this is like this and not like the others. And the second order is from the cheapest cards to the more expensive ones, basically. All right. Do you want to start with the Marshall of Zalfir? Yeah, sure. So um, I guess for those... Uh, seeing this on the video version, they can already see the grades. Um, but what we'll do, should we just read the grades up front because of that for the podcaster listeners too? I guess we could do that too. So yeah. Marshall of Zelfir, uh, this card we both rated B. It's white and a blue for the, a white a white and a blue mana for the uh, white blue signpost in common. Uh, it's a 2-2 human knight. And it says other knights you control get plus one, plus one. And it also has the activated ability, uh, white and a blue and tap it to tap another target creature. Uh, so if we think about like these bees pulling you into a color, uh, it's very clear what white blue wants to be about in the set. It's a knight, you wanna have other knights. And then also this attack ability allows you to basically keep being aggressive because that's kind of what these, this white blue pair wants to be. But also if you know you happen to be a, a little bit behind, you can go ahead and use the ability to just kind of stay in the game uh, and, until you can deploy more knights. So we both kind of put it as a B for that reason. Yep, I totally agree with that. Um, next one is Invasion of Xerex. Uh, this is a, a battle. Um, it costs four mana, two white and blue. Um, as every, I'm going to read the first battle rule um, because it's the first one we're doing. I'm not going to. We're not going to do it for the other ones. But uh, as Siege enters, choose an opponent to protect it. You and other uh, players can attack it when it's defeated. Exile it then cast it transform. So first of all, you cast it, you control it all the time, but you select the player to defend it. They have to defend it. You can attack it. It has X life uh, and you can see how much life each of them has in the bottom corner. And then uh, once this number goes to zero, it, um, it exiles and then you cast the backside of that spell, um, of, of that permanent um, uh, separately. So think about it. Uh, if someone defeats a battle, you can counter the thing that comes after uh, after it, which is important to know. And it usually has an ability on the first side um, that does something that is 
in most cases slightly overcosted. And on the backside, it has either a permanent or a spell, sometimes a planeswalker, sometimes a sorcery, there's some equipment, uh, so different things. And, and then you, you defeat it and you basically can cast the backside for free. So you got this extra value from the, uh, from the spell that you otherwise wouldn't. Um, so Invasion of Xerex is uh, two white blue for a battle siege with four defense counters when it enters the battlefield. And when it enters the battlefield, you return up to one target creature to its owner hand. So uh, that's basically an unsummon on the stick. Then if you defeat it, it flips into a flying creature that has power and toughness equal to the number of creatures you control. So at minimum, it's a 1-1, um, uh, but obviously there is no ceiling. If you have infinite creatures, it will be infinite, infinite. Um, I gave it a B minus and so did uh, Neil. Um, I think it's a good battle in a way that it enables you to flipping it very uh, easily once you play it. You can imagine situations that uh, an opponent leaves one blocker behind, you play the Invasion of Xerex, uh, you bounce the blocker, you attack with your creatures into the battle, and you gain, uh, a, let's say, a 3-3 flyer or a 4-4 flyer, depending on how many creatures you had. Uh, so uh, I think that this is because it's easier to flip and because it, I think, plays well with the uh, theme of the color combination and because people will, not have, will, will basically have it very difficult to put it in the wrong deck because that's what blue-white seems to be doing, tempo kind of aggressive kind of gameplay. Um, I think that the card will have a high win rate, so I gave it a B minus. All right, our next one is another battle. This is uh, black-red for uh, a battle at Uncommon, uh, and it says when. In oh, sorry, I should name. I should probably tell you what the card is. Uh, invasion of Asgul. <laughs> so, Invasion of Asgul. When it enters the battlefield, target player sacrifices a creature, a planeswalker, and loses one life. It has four defense. Uh, and then the backside is Ashen Reaper. It's a zombie elemental and it has menace. Um, it's a two one. And it says at the beginning of your end step, put a plus one plus one counter on Ashen Reaper. If a permanent was put into a graveyard from the battlefield this turn. Uh, so we both gave it a C plus. Um, it didn't quite reach that B level because while it does kind of have some of the same play patterns as the last battle, you can't really have that much control because your opponent gets to sacrifice whatever they want. So maybe if they have a tapped creature, they sacrifice that. You don't have the attacks to set it up. Um, additionally, while it is very cheap, that's kind of the developing stage of the game. So you're not going to get that much value. You know, you play it on turn two. Maybe you get your opponent's two drop most of the time. So you're pretty even on exchanges there. And then after you go through the hoops of attacking it later on, you get a 2-1 Menace, maybe a 3-2 uh, immediately. So, I mean, the card's not bad. It it will kind of pull its weight uh, in sort of this color pair being kind of black-red aggressive, but it's nothing uh, substantial. And I think we're going to see uh, a lot of this where, exactly as Sirkovitz was saying, when the battle helps you kind of flip it on its own, those battles are often going to be kind of in the B range at least. Um, because it will be much easier to flip them. If that's not the case, usually they're going to be more like in the C range, or some of them are actually just quite bad. So we'll see more of that as we go along. Uh, yep. Okay, so um, the next is a signpost uncommon for the Is It Joyful Storm Sculptor. That's a three blue and a red creature, human shaman. When it enters the battlefield, create two one one blue and red elemental creature tokens. Whenever you cast a spell that has Convoke, Joyful Storm Sculptor deals one damage to each opponent and each battle they protect. It's an interesting card. Um, five mana for four or five power across three bodies, which 
goes well with the blue reds convoke theme. So in this set, uh, blue's main mechanic is convoke. So you can tap creatures to help casting spells. Interestingly enough, uh, a good number of those spells uh, are instants. So you can basically sit with your board open. At the end of their turn, you can tap several creatures and cast a spell for free. Uh, and you can use the mana to cast other spells that uh, will allow you to survive uh, that don't have Convoke. Uh, this card looks nice. I don't know exactly how good this um, archetype is going to be. But in the end, it's a 5 mana, 4-5, uh, even with those three bodies. I don't think it's going to be much higher than uh, a C plus in my estimation. But still, a good card that you definitely want to play. It might turn out to be better if um, if we actually uh, if the archetype itself is going to be stronger than I perceive. And that's basically it. All right. For the Boros signpost on common here, we have Invasion of Kylem. So, you know, I'm getting to read all these double-sided cards. Warboards for me. It's uh, two red-white. Uh, and it says, when Invasion of Kylem enters the battlefield, up to two target creatures each get plus two plus zero oh, and gain Vigilance and Haste until end of turn. And it has five defense. On the back side, you've got Valor's Reach Tag Team, which is a sorcery, and it says create two, three, two red and white warrior creature tokens with whenever this creature and at least one other creature token attack. Put a plus one, plus one counter on this creature. So really kind of an interesting one here. Um, first off, having five defenses higher than we've seen in the other cards. Uh, so it's a little bit harder to flip. It's a little bit on, more on the expensive side. You kind of already have to have a board for it to do anything, right? Because you're trying to pump up your creatures to be able to attack past, which theoretically should help you flip the Invasion of Kylum. The problem is the card doesn't give any defense. So if the board is kind of at parity anyways, you play this, you're still at parity and you can't punch through necessarily unless it enables really good attacks. But then maybe your opponent's still trading with you because you don't have any defense there. Um, and so it's not really helping you to flip the invasion unless you have, you know, evasive creatures in play already. The vigilance and haste is nice as well. Although how often are you going to play something and this in the same turn to take advantage of the haste? Probably not too often. Now the backside is very real, right? Getting basically four mana to eventually put th two, three twos in play that when they both attack, they both become four threes immediately. And then as the game goes on, it might get better than that is pretty incredible. So if you ever, you know, you're curving out two drop, three drop, and your opponent's, you know, first play was a three drop, um, then they're going to be in a lot of trouble here because you might flip it very quickly and you're just going to steamroll your opponent from there. But that's kind of um, more of the win more scenario. So all that said, putting it together, we both rated this a C minus. Uh, oh, here we have our first uh, slight differences. Uh, this is the Invasion of Ergamon. That's the Gruul one. It costs red and a green. It's a battle siege with five defense. When Invasion of Ergamon enters the battlefield, create a treasure token. Then you may discard a card if you do draw a card. And it flips if you get rid of those five defense counters into a 3-4 trample creature. And when Truga Cliff Charger, which is the name of it, enters the battlefield, you may discard a card. If you do search your library for a land or battle card, reveal it, put it into your hand, and then shuffle. Now, I gave this card a C+. But um, actually, I think it's a pretty decent card. I mean, my, my argument is that the first half is basically the first, the, the poorer version, the poor, poor person's version of the first two chapter of uh, Fable of the Mirror Breaker. You get a treasure, you discard a card and draw a card. So that's basically what the uh, Kikijiki Saga does. Then if you flip it, you flip it to a 3-4 Trampler. And if you flip it uh, with some plan in hand, 
Um, you can also discard a, a land and get a battle, which is useful because the gruel theme is actually attacking battles. So you want to get as many of those battles in your deck as possible. And also your creatures are particularly equipped well to uh, deal with battles because they get variety of bonuses when attacking a battle. So you want uh, to have more battles on the board because your creatures will be stronger and you can uh, increase your board, get those extra uh, extra values. I think it's a pretty solid card. Um, Neil gave it a B plus, B minus, and I think that this is uh, difference is by a whisker really. And I would I, I would be very easily convinced that it's also a B minus. Yeah, so it's it's just exactly what you're saying here. The only thing, the only reason I rated it a little higher was I think the treasure token is a lot because it accelerates you to get ahead to be able to actually flip the battle. So when we talk about, you know, it enabling those attacks, like, for example, there's a four mana uh, red. I believe it's a common. Um, it's a, like a four, three menace. But if it attacks a battle, you double its power. So you could play that on turn three. They can't really block at the following turn. So maybe on turn four, you could flip this battle and suddenly you have like a four, three menace and a three, four trample and your opponent's like, this sucks. And then you win. So... I could see that happening. I could definitely see that happening. I mean, this card is obviously going to be one of the cards that will have a much stronger opening hand win rate um, because if you play it on turn two, that's actually a pretty strong play. Um, right. All right. So our next, we have uh, a the blue-green signpost uncommon. It's Invasion of Pyrulia. And it says, whenever uh, this enters the battlefield, scry three, then reveal the top card of your library. If it's a land or double face card, draw a card. So usually you're going to get a, the card back immediately. It has four defense. And then the backside uh, is Gargantuan Slabhorn. It's a 4-4 beast with Trample and Ward 2. And it says other transform permanents you control have Trample and Ward 2. So that signpost pointing to like you want to transform as much stuff as possible and have all these crazy transformations. Now it is kind of interesting because if that's the theme and you have like one slot per pack for the transform cards, it means every draft has a set number of the 24 transform cards. So how many of you of those are you actually going to end up with um, having that theme be much more at the uncommon level? It's a little bit suspect for me. Um, that being said, um, you know, this is a two mana card again, eventually turning into a four, four it, trample War two is a huge creature. You do get the card back immediately. Um, it doesn't really help you flip it. Um, so again, if I think about maybe not being quite in the B range for that, um, but we had a little bit of a discrepancy here. I gave this a C plus because I think, um, it's just going to pay you off eventually to be able to get this creature. Maybe blue has some flying to be able to attack the battle. Zirkvit said C, I think we're probably saying similar things here. Yeah, I think that, yeah, uh, I mean, also battles are counted, I think, as transformed uh, on the backside. Yeah, yeah. So this will give your other transformed battles. Uh, but also there are transformed creatures, like normal transformed creatures. And the green has quite a number also of those incubate tokens. So I think that there's more that it will give the bonuses to. I'm just undermining my own argument here. I think that it's just... I don't know how well equipped the blue-green deck is going to be in attacking a battle. And I think that two mana for Scrying 3, which I would say... It's a good effect, and then drawing a card uh, probably good 80% of the time. I don't know if that's just enough for that. So the next one we have is Invasion of New Capena. Uh, that costs white and black, is a battle, uh, has four defense, and when Invasion of New Capena enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice an artifact or creature. When you do, exile target artifact or creature an opponent controls. So uh, that's... Um, basically the same as the thing from was it midnight hunt that had flashback uh yeah yeah yeah. that card was nice 
exactly the, the um, right of this or yeah. that yeah <laughs> yeah right of something that uh, that that's my knowledge of the card oblivion right of oh oblivion. rights of oblivion there we go um i think that first of all let's let's not look at the backside but first of all uh this archetype wants to sacrifice things there's plenty of cards that have synergies when you sacrifice something there's plenty of cards that are very good sacrifice fodder and then it has only four defense when you flip it uh, it becomes an equipment that has equip one and it's a very strange equipment i have to say it's like one of the weirdest equipment that i've ever seen it has whenever equipped creature attacks put a plus one plus one counter on that creature and each other creature you control that shares a creature type with it now, obviously, the shtick of white-black is Phyrexians, and uh, you want to play it in the deck that is heavy in Phyrexians, but it might mean that you equip it for one on any creature that you control, attack, and all your creatures get permanent bonuses, so it's not really dependent on Holy Frazzle Cannon to be destroyed. Those counters will stay on them, and of course, the more times you attack, the, the more it, um, uh, the more it um, uh, snowballs. I gave it a B, I think... Uh, the ability to kill anything is a really strong one. Uh, your ability to generate multiple bodies, also the ability to sacrifice artifacts where you can actually sacrifice an incubate uh, token before you uh, flip it. Um, and those incubate tokens tokens are added to many things for, for relatively cheap price um, is a neat thing. And also the ability of the equipment, if you have a heavy uh, heavily Phyrexian deck, is going to be good. And because this is a card exactly in the color of the most Phyrexians, people are going to be prevented from putting it in the wrong deck very often. And that's why I think the win rate is going to be relatively high on this one. Yeah, I think you might be right on that one. I'm being, I was slightly lower. I hadn't really considered as much the angle of maybe you're not losing as much as your opponent. Obviously, if you have a weaker creature you're sacrificing, then, you know, you get their big bomb. But if you had like an incubate one just sitting there, then you're almost kind of getting like um, a one for zero, right? That flips into something real. I was a little bit lower on the backside just because it is slow, even though it's powerful, because you have to wait a whole nother turn cycle to do anything because it only works on attacks. But if you have enough, you know, Phyrexians, even if you're only getting the one counter, like that is a very powerful effect. So, I mean, for two mana, I mean, this could easily be a B, um, but it's definitely a really, really strong card. All right. Our next, we have a uh, another. We, so every there's two sign post uh, uncommons in every color. I believe this one is the another one of the red, white, signpost on commons it's a mirror shield hoplite it's a 2-2 human soldier it has vigilance and it says whenever a creature you control becomes the target of a backup ability copy that ability you may choose new targets for the copy this ability triggers only once each turn so in classic awkward fashion we actually haven't re read any cards with backup yet um but backup is an ability in this set uh it's kind of a really cool weird new ability that allows you to copy the abilities of a creature for a single turn. Um, so maybe we can go to a card with backup just so I can... Uh... I'm just going to scroll through uh, to, to see something with backup in the in, from the future. Yeah, so back ah, here, for example, there's a white common later, Sigil the Sentinel. It's a three mana, two, two, but it has backup one. And so backup reads, when this creature enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature if that's another creature, it gains the following ability till end of turn. So everything that follows the backup ability, another creature can get it temporarily, or you could just put the counter on the creature as it comes in, uh, and it just obviously boosts it because it has a plus one, plus one counter. So all the backup abilities 
are the creature's always going to look a little bit weaker because it's coming with a plus one plus one counter attached but also they change the way that combat is going to happen on that turn because they're going to grant all of their abilities to whatever other creature um, and so it's really this interesting like dynamic gameplay because you can go on to any creature on your side so i'm very excited for that um so in the example of sigiled sentinel its back ability grants the vigilance to something else i mean that's not going to be incredible but if we go back to our red white signpost on common on you it, are copying on it, on it on it there we go <laughs> you are copying the entire ability uh, and you can choose new targets for the copy so at a minimum um at least my understanding of how this works is that uh you know both those creatures are going to have plus one plus one counter so yeah. if you are you know curving this into a backup creature on the next turn those creatures are already pretty much at rate because they come with that counter and now suddenly you're getting an extra one um so this card just seems like it can snowball incredibly quickly and again we have these like red white you know de facto aggro strategies which have been the best if not you know the top three best a color pair over the last several sets and, and part of the reason it's it's if you put red and white cards together they tend to just be really deep commons at or deep roster at common uh and it always just kind of works and this seems like it's not going to be hard because there's a ton of backup even at common uh itself so i'm pretty high on the mirror shield hoplite i gave it a b for that reason and secrets you were saying b minus i mean I, you think the card is good too but i mean i i i i after rethinking, I'm pretty sure that your grade is probably closer to the truth. I think that at least in the first weeks, Red White is going to be one of the stronger decks because backup is a very easy to understand mechanic, uh, also pretty powerful one, and also fits best of one as well because it's pretty aggressive. And also, lots of things have vigilance as well, so it plays well with defending battles, attacking battles. So yeah, I mean, um, I really like Mirror Shield Hoplite. I gave it a B minus, but. You know, the difference between B minus and B in our grading is very, very minor. So it's just like a one percentage point difference between the win rates of the normalized things that we decided to. Um, okay, so here we have another battle. This time I have to read a lot of words. Invasion of Moag, that's two green-white for a battle siege. It has five defense. When it enters the battlefield, you put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. And if you... If you win the battle, you get a 3-3 creature with Ward 2 that has, at the beginning of your end step, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. Now, first of all, there is a white, green, hello, Mr. Cat, what, why are you bothering me? Please go away. Thank you. Um, white, green uh, has a theme of plus one, plus one counter. So putting a plus one, plus one counter on uh, a creature, uh, can mean much more than, uh, than than it says on the tin, because there are some cards that put additional counters, uh, there are some cards that get bonuses from the counters, and so on and so on. So first of all, the first ability of the battle is quite strong. Second of all, the first ability of the battle uh, lets you win it, because your creatures become bigger, so it opens new attacks, it, it helps you to uh, deal this five damage to the battle. And the backside is really strong, because when you think about it, it's a version of Luminarch Aspirant, um, neatly put on the uh, end step because uh, you won't get it active probably before your attacks uh, on the first turn it flips because you probably will flip it because of attacking. Uh, so it instantly gives you one extra counter, which again can mean multiple counters depending on what creatures you have on board uh, in this um, archetype. So I put it on a B, you put it on a B minus. I think that these are again very close grades and I don't think that there is a much difference in how we see the card. 
Yeah, not too much difference. I mean, I think you're probably closer to the truth. It's probably more like a B. Um, if we think about the card, it's like busted at parity and ahead, right? Because you instantly flip it and you probably win that game, which probably means it probably should be a B. I think you're probably right. Uh, these types of cards, I'm a little bit worried about some of the battles in the aspect, like if you're already losing and then you can't attack as well. Like you could imagine your opponent has a couple creatures and like you play this and you have like one creature. You, there you'd much just rather have like any creature to add to the board because you get a counter, but you can't even really attack. And if you aren't able to flip some of these battles to the backside, I think it's just something we've never played with battles before. So anytime we have a new card type, we have to kind of envision how it's going to work. Like when we first were on Lorwyn and the Planeswalkers were first printed, we're like, this is wild, like what's going on? And obviously we can use some of that knowledge to apply that to battles. Um, but if your opponent is able to set up the defenses, we are not able to flip the battles. Obviously they get a ton worse, but it, it I mean... We'll talk about it much more over the course of time when we think about battles and how they're going to play out. But you do kind of have to play a little bit more defensively anyways, because if your opponent slams a battle and then instantly flips it, you're massively behind. And if that ends up being the case, boards are going to stall out more, which is actually going to make this card a lot better. So I do agree kind of where you're saying, like, if the board is often at parity, this is a B and then it pulls you ahead. Um, but it's just a, a lot going on in terms of how we think about how this is all going to, uh, you know, work. So really cool card. Sorry, that was a lot of words for not having much to say. <laughs> well, now you can say a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So our next one is uh, the next red-green signpost. It's Rampaging Geoderm. Uh, it's a 3-3 dinosaur beast and has Trample and Haste. Uh, and it says whenever you attack, target attacking creature gets plus one, plus one until in a turn. If it's an attacking a battle put a plus one plus one counter on it instead um i mean this card just comes down and hits really hard it also can uh put the counter on itself um and so you know if you didn't have good attacks before this is almost always going to give them to you and i'm, I'm thinking my grade is too low right now but i gave it a b minus uh you gave it a b uh Sirkovitz. i think you're probably right actually on this one because i'm imagining the other red green uncommon into this one where it oh, had God, five defense that's a and then dream. You, you ramp it out ramp this out on turn uh three and then you attack it you put a counter and then if it's attacking a battle, so you put another counter, it instantly flips, and now you have a 5-5 five, five, trample haste and a 3-4 that you discard a card and you go get your other battle because you were in the red-green lane. No one else wanted these battles. And, well, that's disgusting. Yeah, I've actually <laughs> I started thinking because I also have the skeleton stream coming up, and I'm pretty sure that the red-green, if it has enough this battle-killing synergies, you can actually splash some battles out of the... Uh, out of those oh, treasure oh, oh. I misread the card. Hold on. Um, it gets plus one plus one, but if it's attacking a battle, you get a counter yeah, on yeah. it instead. Yeah, yeah. Not two counters. Okay, never mind. Never mind. Um, yeah, no, I, I think this card's probably closer to B minus then. I well, I, I, read I, still, it. I still think I still think if, if if you play it right, you get an instantly a four-four haste, and that's I mean it's yeah, that's still busted. That's that's busted. And the fact that you can distribute those counters across other creatures, you can grow something smaller. I think it's it's going to be pretty, pretty strong. Uh, okay, I have Halo Forager, uh, one blue-black, uh, creature fairy rogue, three-one flying. That's a good stat line already for me. That's like a C-plus on its own um, as a three-one flyer uh, for three. Mana requirement is slightly high, but it has another ability. When Halo Forager enters the battlefield, you may pay X. When you do, you may cast target instant or sorcery card with mana value X from a graveyard, which means any graveyard, uh, with mana value X Oh, uh, yeah, without paying its mana cost. 
if that spell would be put into a graveyard, exile it instead. Now, this has two things going on for it. Like, first of all, it's a good creature on raid. It's evasive, so it can help you win some battles as well, because it won't be blocked that easily. Um, if you draw it in a late game, you can play it for seven mana, and you can get like a four mana spell out of the graveyard uh, for free. So you draw it, you cast it for, for the totality of, uh, of, of how much it costs, which is a good deal. And also, uh, blue-black has this sub-theme of milling you and the opponent. So it means it will be pretty good in filling those graveyards, because the main problem with cards like this is very often you have them, you have enough mana, but there's just nothing in the graveyards that you might be able to play. Because you will probably mill you and the opponent a couple of times, you have at least some selection of what you want to play for it. I gave it a B minus. Uh, you gave it a B. I think that these are, again, very similar grades. There is no discussion that the card is going to be decent. Yeah, my only quick word of note, we don't have to belabor it too long, is that uh, I think just flying makes cards a little bit better in the set because of the existence of battles. So that's really all. Agreed. All right, our next one, Sculpted Perfection, another white-black signpost in common. This is two white-black for an enchantment. It says, when Sculpted Perfection enters the battlefield, incubate two. Uh, so this is our first instance of incubate. It says, create an incubator token with two plus one plus one counters on it, and it has two to transform this artifact. It transforms into a zero-zero Perfection artifact creature. So this comes in. It makes an artifact token. Uh, it puts two counters on it. When you pay two at some point in the game, it flips over. You have a two-two. Ah, there's more. So this enchantment says Phyrexians you control get plus one, plus one. So really that 2-2 two, is going to become a 3-3. Three, three. Um, and so the whole trick with these uh, incubate tokens is if you have enough time, you can sort of amass this army and win sort of this sort of grindy long game uh, with it. And so there's this whole kind of cycle of these Phyrexian enchantments, which is kind of cool. That being said, it's a lot of mana because you're paying four mana up front for kind of nothing unless you already have some Phyrexians in play. And so for that reason, I gave this a C. You gave it a C plus, but it's probably just like depending on the board states how good this card is. Yeah, I think that uh, I, I like how you sn snuck in the amass the army into the sentence. Very well done. Very well done. Different mechanic, different set, but same uh, same idea with the uh, incubators. Um, I put it on C plus mainly because it is a two color card, so I think it more often than not will be put in the correct deck because there are just the density of Phyrexians in white and black is higher. And then people uh, will have less possibility of misplaying it by putting it in a deck with four Phyrexians. And I think that, yes, you, you have a good point of the card not doing much if you don't have the creatures on board. But if you do a you know, two-drop uh, Phyrexian, three-drop Phyrexian, this, and then flip, then it works sort of like the Invasion of Moab that stays on board and, and pumps your cards that uh, appear on the board slightly later, which I think is a decent ability. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because you're going to have those games where this card is going to be like a B, B plus level card. And then you're going to have those games where you have nothing in play and it's going to be like a D or D minus. So uh, going to huge variance on this one. Okay. Um, Invasion of Lorwyn. Uh, that's a four black green uh, battle with five defense. So six mana, that's quite a lot. So it better do something useful. Uh, when Invasion of Lorwyn enters the battlefield, destroy target non-elf creature and opponent controls with power X or less, where X is the number of lands you control. Hopefully, unless they have some weird Galta or whatnot, uh, this can kill almost any creature uh, that is on board. I actually didn't do stats how many elves we have in the set, but uh, I don't think that many. Um, and if you manage to uh, get the five defense, 
um, it becomes a winnowing forces, which is um, an XX creature and power and toughness of this creature are each equal to the number of lands you control. So basically, if you flip it, you get a really big but really dumb beast uh, that doesn't do much. So um, it's easily chumpable, but the size of it will be probably 7788, which makes it something that you need to uh, reckon with. And against some colors, there is not so much to the removal that can deal with something with seven toughness. So that's uh, worth to know that if you manage to flip it against some decks, that's uh, almost a one game. I gave it a B minus, you gave it a B. Again, we're sort of oscillating around the same grade, and I think that uh, the changes between uh, whether it's a B minus or B will slightly depend on the power of the archetype itself. Yeah, pretty much black green is always kind of like it does something, something good. And in this case, we'll see. Um, I just imagine like those scenarios where it's like you're going to get a six, six or seven, seven right away. Like six, six ravenous chupacabra is, seems completely bananas. But well, six, sometimes six, ravenous chupacabra opponent gains five. But but uh, that's that's always not always going to be the case. All right, our next signpost on common. We're really starting to uh, kind of diverge here. We disagree on this one a little bit, but it'll be interesting to see. Uh, this is a green white one. Uh, it says it's caused green and white for botanical brawler. It's a zero zero elemental warrior. It has trample, but it comes into play with two plus one plus one counters. So a two mana two two trample. But it says whenever one or more plus one plus one counters are put on another permanent you control. If it's the first time plus one plus one counters have been put on that permanent this turn, put a plus one plus one counter on Botanical Brawler. Um, so this one's really interesting because uh, in the right curve out scenarios, the card is incredibly powerful, um, but it only kind of grows itself. So a lot of these cards where we saw a lot of flexibility for them to be really powerful uh, is kind of what lends it to being some of, somewhat of that better grade. Um, I was sort of saying here, this is a C plus. You were saying B. I can imagine scenarios where, and it's probably not that hard to put together, where you play this, maybe you play a backup creature, you put the counter on the backup creature itself, it's going to put a counter on the botanical brawler, and then all of a sudden you have a two-mana 3-3. Three, three. But I think a two-mana 3-3 three, three trample, while being very good, requires a lot of setup cost in the sense that you do actually have to do that. And um, we're sort of past the point where that itself is maybe being at the B level. However, if you do a couple things uh, and you get this to be a 4-4 four, four or bigger for two-mana, it's actually pretty incredible. And green-white might be this type of uh, strategy where you are trying to sort of just build the board and not trade. Uh, because if you get the creatures to start to be big enough, then your opponent can't attack you. And uh, if you kind of just build out the board, you have more time to build up the counters and eventually just the, it's insurmountable. So I almost see this more as, well, it costs two mana and you want to get the ball rolling. It's much more of like this mid-range thing, which goes with the invasion of Moag, which was the other green-white flip thing and puts all the counters everywhere. And if you put counters everywhere, then you're also going to be putting them on the Botanical Brawler. But you can't necessarily combo off with it because it is limited to that once per turn. So there's a lot of restrictions. Uh, if you jump through all those hoops, this card can be incredible. Sometimes it's going to be a two-mana 2-2, two -two, which is obviously very bad. That would be like a, a D-plus level card. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know where the truth lies here, but you were thinking maybe this will be a B. Was it for those like when it goes well kind of situations? I've, I have to. I have to admit. I have to confess. I am an. I love my counters. Uh, plus one, plus one counter synergy cards in white, blue. I mean, white, green. I mean, I. It's my. It's my. It's my personal hobby to build rubbish decks with. Um, uh, with with plus one, plus one counters and pride Malkin always somehow. Um. But this card, this card has slightly more to it, I think. Like, for example, it 
does it only once a turn for each permanent that gets a plus one plus one count. Yeah, yeah I misread. Uh, I think old timer pointed out. You're right. Um, so, my bad. So it does make it better. So if you have three creatures, you play an in invasion of Moab. It will get two additional plus one plus one counters. I think that also like a dream curve out of botanical brawler on turn two into botanical brawler on turn three is uh, in, into something that puts counters and with backup uh, is going to be is going to be somewhat achievable. Um, so yeah, I think that the card has explosive potential. I think that on its own, it is supported because there is plenty of cards that uh, work with it. There is, again, the invasion that we showed. There is the uh, uh, seed core card that uh, gives four plus one plus one counter that you can distribute as you want. Um, there is, again, uh, it says permanent, so incubate um, uh, tokens also count for that. And there's some of them in white and some of them in green, which will be able to uh, sort of pivot from Phyrexian into plus one, plus one counters. I think all in all, it's also a cheap card, which is always good because you want to have explosive starts relatively early. Um, and I gave it a B, probably it's a B minus or something, but I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that the card is going to be relatively strong because I think that the archetype is supported. Yeah, you convinced me. I'll come up to B minus on that. All right. Uh, I have Stormcore Rager. Uh, it's one black red. Ogre Warrior 2-2, two, two, uh, one mana and sacrifice another creature or artifact, plus put a plus one plus one counter on Stormcrow Rager and draw a card, activate only as a sorcery. Now, this card, yes, the activation as a sorcery is a bit annoying, but being able to sacrifice whatever you want and uh, draw a card uh, in a deck that will generate a lot of stuff that can be easily sacrificed, because I think Raptus has a lot of sacrifice outlets and a lot of generators of um, of cheap value. Um, and lots of cards that can generate multiple rectangles, multiple pieces of cardboard on your board. I think that it's just going to be enough to make this card pretty decent. I put it at B-, you put it at C. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it plays out as a C+, but it will slightly depend on how strong the archetype is. And I think that uh, this is what, hangs, what, what, what it hangs on um, uh, in balance. Yeah, I put it this at C because I think I just made the mistake of, you know, overrating cards with effects, especially after Fractal B1, because I think, you know, a three mana 2-2 two -two these days is just a horrible card. Now, obviously, this is much better than a three mana 2-2 two -two because it has all these abilities, it can grow, it does all these other things, but you need extra mana for it, you need a board state where you want to grow it. You need random, you know, artifacts and creatures lying around, which we've talked about, like that's going to build up over time. So that can work. Um, and so I think you can put a lot of work in to get it to that C plus level. But I think it's difficult because you have to have the draft go a certain way. Uh, there's a threat and effect in the format, but it's uncommon, which makes me kind of more hesitant about this card. Um, although if there's enough, you know, of that support, the threat in itself might be a pretty good card uh, in red black. And uh, I just think you know, these types of cards, like if this came in, if it was a three mana three, three with this ability, suddenly now we're talking and I wouldn't have been shocked if it was, cause they're really pushing uh, the power and toughness these days. Um, but I, I also think you're right that you can build sort of these decks where you um, can generate a lot of value. Like if you can play the uh, card we'll talk about later, which brings multiple cards back from the graveyard and you're sacrificing it. And there's like a drain package where multiple cards are, making your opponent lose two life, you gain two life, and you rinse, repeat, and you're... Like, this card could be a whole engine. I just think it's almost more of an enchantment than a creature, and because mm -hmm. of that, I sort of have it at the C level. 
I always hated when they put a good enchantment effect on the creature because then it just becomes so much they can easier kill it. to kill. <laughs> um, but also, I mean, I would say that this card, I wouldn't treat it as a curve out turn three play. I would treat it more like a five drop that uh, I want to build up to it, play it on turn five, and then get a couple of cards instantly from the stuff that I don't want to use anymore. True, yeah. yeah. Um, All right, I have the next one here. It's a blue-green signpost. It's Mutagen Connoisseur. It's one green blue for a zero five Vidalcan mutant. It has flying and vigilance, and it gets plus one plus zero oh for each transformed permanent you control. Um, so we did talk about, you know, there's the incubator or incubation Phyrexian uh, tokens. We have also the entire flip sheet. Um, but again, I, I don't think this card is incredible because it's a lot of work to give it any power at all, which is really just a no-no. That's just pretty bad. But it also is really hard to kill. Having five toughness means it can block all day and it has vigilance. So once you do start to give it power, if your opponent doesn't have flyers, you can attack a block pretty safely with this card. Even getting it to two power is pretty nice because your opponent can't attack with a swarm of two twos. Um, and being able to vigilance, I think, as, as a mechanic is the best it's ever been, right? Because you can attack and you can defend your battles uh, in this set and so if you get this to be a two five which i think if the whole color pair is looking to do that you're getting a pretty good deal out of this card and so that's why i gave it a c plus you know you gave this a c minus circuits which i can respect because i don't think the card's incredible um and it does require work for that reason um but I, again i kind of give that bonus for the flying the vigilance i think these keywords are just fantastic so but yeah not not an incredible card by any means so yeah, I mean, I'm, maybe I was a bit burned by the white-blue archetype from one when the signpost uncommon was really similar, but one mana more expensive, which is important, but also much easier to make it into high power. And still, I think I th you 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 were always feeling that this fake fake security when you played it and you had this five toughness creature, but somehow opponents always managed to kill multiple copies of it in one turn uh, when I was playing them. So that's maybe why I'm burned a bit by that. Um, but yeah, five toughness is good, uh, not my style of deck. And I think that those decks are going to be also pretty hard to play, I think. And because of that, I'm betting on the win rate of the card being slightly lower because, um, again, we're judging it based on where we predict the win rate is going to be, not how strong the card we're predicting it to be. So it has to take into account the mistakes that people are going to be making with those kind of cards. And that's why yeah. I put minus. Yeah. And you also bring up a good, well, you kind of bring up this good point that like the card itself doesn't actually contribute to being able to build out the board. Because if you think of battles, if you play a battle and this is an 05 at the time, it's not going to attack into the battle. So you kind of need to already have some transformations to be able to take advantage of the fact that it's a flying attacker for the battles. So maybe it's a little bit more than I was giving it credit for. And you might be, it might be more like a C. We'll see. Okay. Uh, Oh, that, that's, that, that's the biggest uh, difference that we have. Um, invasion of Kaladesh. Blue-red for battle. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 one, one colorless top their artifact creature token with flying. It has four defense. And it flips into uh, a vehicle that is flying. Its power is equal to the number of artifacts you control. So at least one and maybe two when you have the top -ter. And it has crew one. Uh, you gave it B minus, I gave it a D plus. Okay, so I'm going to first do uh, my part. I think that A, blue and red don't have a lot of incubate um, uh, ability. And 
the rest of the artifacts are sort of rubbish in the set unless you go like super high rarity. So this at best will be like a one four two four flyer. I'm not impressed by that. And uh, playing two mana with colors that are you know like it's a higher requirement um, to get a one one thopter is just not enough for me. So I think that this card is going to be playing relatively poorly because you won't be living the dream of of, of having this like six four uh, attacker for example unless you play it in some kind of really weird deck, which will happen rarely, which would mean that the win rate of it is going to be more or as, as a two mana thing that if you invest some attacks into it, will flip into a, a one four vehicle with crew one. Yeah, I think that, that all makes sense. And I agree with you, the biggest strike against this is not really what blue red is doing, right? Blue red is much more on the like convoking side of things i think where it's you're getting the creatures out and you're trying to have tokens and things so while this is a token and helps with the convoke plan the artifacts i agree they're kind of bad in the set but maybe some of the bad ones do actually end up being good enough if you have this plus some other effects in blue and red we'll see about that but i also think that if you can get the first flyer in play then this already starts to kind of chip away at the damage. Um, so you could imagine by maybe turn five, this could flip. And then it plays defense incredibly well because you have the four four defense, you know, flyer versus other things. Um, but if you have, you know, some random backup cards where you turn the flyer now into a 2-2 two -two and it's already sitting in play, that's kind of nice. You can also use it for the blue-red convoke theme. So you're not really overpaying for the 1-1 one -one flyer that much. Um, and it just kind of sits there and eventually maybe you get this star four. Um, I just think you're getting a pretty good deal for two mana out of the card. Like you're again, you're getting a lot of pieces of cardboard for not very much. Now, are any of those single pieces of cardboard that particularly good? Maybe not. Um, but I think again, like having that flying, having all these abilities is kind of nice. And I think if you just, I think I'm not thinking this card as being like ever going to be a six, four flyer or whatever, but if it, if you keep the thought during play and it's a two, four, like that's super good for two mana, um, but it's it's not a super fast flip and it's not really a game plan all on its own. It's just like a good magic card. Yeah, yeah. Again, another thing that I think might be problematic for blue red is how to flip it, and and yeah. like I'm worried that blue red might be playing a plan when when you are able to flip it, you might as well kill the opponent and, and save yourself the effort because um, you're probably I, I what how I see blue red in this format so far is this is a deck that starts pretty defensively plays lots of those convoke control spells starts accruing card value and overwhelms with the value uh, later in the game and then i don't just know if you care enough for um um for doing this however on the defense i think that there there might be a plan that involves actually making the ether wing uh, i just looked through all the artifacts in the set there might be a plan of making the Etherwing um, a, a big threat, and that's equipping the Thopter with the Boomstick and making treasure every turn and having bazillion artifacts, actually. Because yeah. the bo Boomstick itself is an artifact. It makes treasure every turn. It's sort of like the... Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I think there's some game plans around it. Um, something that I think we won't... We'll... We'll talk about much more extensively later too, though. Is that yeah, exactly. There's yeah, a yeah. lot I mean, of there, there are some things. Yeah, there's some potential for splashing in this format. Now, splashing a blue red two mana card is kind of weird, 
But I think if you did have this card in a deck that had a lot of the like Phyrexian incubation tokens, like if you were playing like green, blue, and you had a lot of those and you wanted the flyer to be able to eventually like turn into like this huge threat. I think there's different ways to make the flyer work. I, I will say the one awkward thing about this is it makes a legendary vehicle and you really want as many uh, artifacts as possible. So if you collect a lot of these, you get a lot of the thopters and <laughs> you can't even flip um, your Aether Wing, which is kind of awkward. But uh, I guess Bad. you just let it sit and play and don't attack it until you're ready for if the first one dies. Exactly. Okay, let's move to the next. Is this one mine? <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. Really I think so. Uh, yeah, yeah. This okay. Is uh, Elvish Ratkeeper is a green black uncommon. Uh, it's one black green for a 3-3 three, three, uh, Phyrexian Elf. And it says when it enters the battlefield, incubate two. And you can bait five to transform target incubator token you control. Double the number of plus one, plus one counters on it. Uh, so I just think you're getting a lot of stats for this card. And that's basically the reason for my grade. I gave it a B. You gave it a C plus. Um, it's nice that the three, three for three, you can just use that, you know, game piece and trade it off free willy nilly and then eventually get your two, two from the incubate. If the game is going longer and you don't have good attacks and, but your opponent also doesn't, then I think the activated ability of paying five to start doubling up all those, uh, counters, starts to go somewhere notably there are some like incubate three and fours as well um and you could also maybe build like this sort of three or four color where you're splashing some of the uh incubate enchantment rare like uh rares and uncommons sort of as a payoff in your green black deck i could sort of see that being all in on that and then suddenly you know you flip your incubate four into an eight eight off this card and like that's actually worth paying five mana for whereas most of the rest of the time you're just like i'm not really going to use that ability i'm just going to flip it for the two mana um but i see this more as like obviously a mid-range controlling card but if we also take that from the other green black signpost where green black maybe is a little bit slower you don't mind trading off this card going to the late game and then somehow just again overwhelming your opponent with you know sheer number of creatures even if it takes you longer to set up that board yeah i mean when i was evaluating that i was struggling between c plus and b minus uh, i thought about it for actually quite some time went with the c plus mainly because of my maybe prediction that black green is not going to be that strong it's not going to mm -hmm. be weak or anything or i don't predict it to be a bad archetype but i don't think it's going to be like the, one of the top archetypes and that's why i downshifted it a bit to c plus but i fully agree with your evaluation of what the card does and i there are even some incubate five things in green um that are not that expensive so you can actually curve this one into a incubate five spell and in on turn five you can basically swing with a 10 10 if you if, if that's your jam so uh, a minus no 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 <laughs> I think I, I I still think I am in between C plus and B minus uh, in in the grading that we have here. So yeah, still a good card. Um, Lazdeb Convert. Um, this is a Demir one, one blue and black battle siege for defense. When Invasion of Amonkhet enters the battlefield, each player mills three cards, then each opponent discards a card, and you draw a card. This is a formation campaign on a stick, basically. Well, this information campaign was already on a stick. Um, you get to use it one time. And if you flip it, you get a 4-4 zombie. And you may have Lazatip Convert enter the battlefield as a copy of any creature card in a graveyard, except it's a 4-4 black zombie in addition to its other types. Um, 
So I always like this information campaign. The fact that opponent discards you draw is a good two for one already at its base rate. The mill three for each player also plays well with your other signpost uncommon, which fills nice the graveyards. Also, it plays well with itself because if you fill it with something that is a really strong card with strong abilities, you can copy it and um, get it in a zombie form as a four four. So let's say you flip even a flyer. You flip a flyer, you can get a 4-4 flyer when you flip it, which is a pretty good thing. Um, if you flip something with an even power, more powerful uh, ability, go for it. So I think that it will be slightly dependent how many good targets for copying uh, you will have in your own deck because you don't want to fully count on your opponent. Um, and obviously, these have to be static abilities, not ETB, because... Uh, Oh no, they will. They will enter as a copy. So even if you have like a strong ETB creature, you can basically get the ETB trigger out of it. So if you mill a bomb that has ETB draw brainstorm and or whatever, you 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 get it. And I think that this is just enough for this card to um, to be on a B level because it's a natural two for one, and the upside of uh, flipping it is pretty high. Yeah, the fact that you can get a three for one probably means like it can't be any worse than a B. Uh, minus which which is what you had it at so probably it's out of the c range which i you know we got a c plus there i was just thinking it kind of doesn't help contributing with the flip at all and yes it's a two for one on the surface but it just kind of sits there but maybe that's enough in the set and i was also a little bit worried where if you're kind of just setting it up at some point you never really want to play this on turn three even though if you just need to smooth out your hand that's kind of what you want to do where there's a lot of dealer battles where they're like two mana and they help kind of have those smoothing mechanics by three i really want to be like getting on board to set up attacking the battles rather than sort of doing that in and of itself. And so maybe you would play it later, but then the discard draw, I don't, all that being said, I mean, you can't deny the, the sheer card advantage that this card presents. So I'm happy with B minus with it. I just think that it might be a little bit more awkward than it looks. It might be that Dimir will suck. And then, uh, then the card will then have it's a lower window. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's still we've probably a C. I mean, let's not get it, but um, yeah, but yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the card itself is strong. Let's see how Demir will play out, and maybe Demir wants to play more evasive, so it doesn't really need the invasion to clear the path because you clear the path yourself by playing evasive creatures. So maybe that's the the secret of it. Let's start with Surge of Salvation. Surge of Salvation, one mana, one white, uh, instant. You and the permanents you control gain hexproof until end of turn. Prevent all damage that black and red and or red sources would deal to creatures you control this turn. That's a set in this, that's a, how is it called? Cycle in this format uh, of cards that host the uh, opposing colors. Um, this one is looking pretty decent. Uh, you gain hexproof, your, your uh, permanents gain hexproof. So even if someone doesn't play red and black, it can counter uh, a removal spell or it can counter a discard spell aimed at you. Uh, but in some situations, if you play against black and red opponents, you can very much change the outcome of uh, a combat situation. However, this type of card will also be at some parts of the game completely dead. You won't be able to do anything with it, and you will feel like you're mulliganed yourself to six naturally. So uh, there is a drawback of playing this card. I gave it a C, you gave it a C. I think we agree that the card is situational. I think playable in the main deck, but uh, you probably shouldn't pick it too highly. In best of one, at least. Yeah, absolutely. Agree on all that. Let's move on. Our next one is Angelic Intervention. Uh, one and a white for an instant at common. It says target creature or planeswalker you control gains protection from colorless or from the color of your choice until in a turn. If it's a creature, 
put a plus one plus one counter on it. Um, and so anything that gives protection and also giving that counter lets you help win a combat, but also beef up your creature moving forward in the game. These are the types of combat tricks, which um, it's not just a one-time effect, but also it is cheap enough where you're going to be able to kind of actually hold up this maybe in response to a removal spell on the opponent's turn. Or if you have all your mana untapped and you're attacking your opponent, you're helping to win a combat. Um, but then also continue to attack on the next turns. It's a lot like Feet of Resistance, um, very, very similar card. Um, and so we both gave it a C plus. We're thinking, hey, not really going to be in that B range, but um, these types of combat tricks historically, unless they had keyword soup, um, were kind of at the C plus level. Not quite as good as maybe Gaia's Gift or Take Up the Shield from similar past sets, but um, not that much worse. I mean, arguably, it's going to be also the plus one plus one counter synergy. Absolutely. In some cases. Yeah, and uh, green-white, it'll be even better. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I think it's a great card. I'm going to be playing the hell out of it. And um, yeah. There you go. She made her guest appearance. Carefully planned it uh, when I was not looking. Um, okay, next card. Uh, Realm Breaker's Grasp. One and a white for enchantment aura. Enchant artifact or creature. Enchanted permanent can't attack or block, and its activated abilities can be activated unless they are mana abilities. So uh, it's an arrest that is a better arrest uh, and cheaper arrest. So technically a great card. Um, couple of knocks against it. I'm not a big fan of pacifism effects. I still gave it a C plus, which is very, uh, which means I have high hopes for that card because normally I will put my pacifism effect at C minus C. So I think this is a good one. A couple of knocks against it is that there is a main deckable enchantment removal in this format, um, uh, which makes it slightly weaker. And also there's some bounce, there's some um, sacrifice synergies, but still uh, against some deck, it's going to be as good as a removal spell for two mana, which is great. And against some deck, it's going to be a big nuisance for them, which is just enough for me to give it a C plus. Yeah, definitely agree on that. We did see planar disruption in the last set being getting to that B minus range, but it also could deal with planeswalkers, which were big problems in the set. This one doesn't really necessarily deal with like battles or other things or not all your problems. So C plus. Next up, we have Sunder the Gateway. One and white for uh, sorcery at common. Choose one. Destroy target non-token artifact or enchantment opponent controls and incubate two. So this is the answer to the card we just talked about. Or incubate two, then transform an incubator token you control. Uh, a lot going on in this card. Uh, having those main deck answers to artifacts enchantments, super nice. Um, some of the really powerful battles transform into these enchantments, which can take over the game. So being able to answer that is pretty fantastic. Or also, you know, of course, artifacts taking over the game. Now it does say non-token, so you're not going to be able to kill like an, a giant Phyrexian with this card, but it does do different things, and then playing on the fraction side of things it's kind of cool that you could like incubate two and if you had like you know an incubate four token sitting around you could flip that one and suddenly you know attack for four with your sunder the gateway all in all i mean that just adds up to a c we both agree on that um it just does a lot of little things really nicely and you'll be happy to have it in your white decks that's basically should be a g guards invitational card i mean it's a vanilla tutu that can do other things when situation is just right no, I think I, I totally agree with that. It's just a solid card uh, because it has this failsafe and the upside is there. Uh, we'll see exactly how the format plays out, how important those artifacts and enchantments are going to be because you can also kill the other incubate uh, tokens. 
Um, next we have uh, Sword Sworn Cavalier, one and white for human knight, three one, and it has first strike as long as another knight entered the battlefield under your control this turn. I think that I give it a C. I might be swayed very quickly, at least in the early days of the format, that this is actually a C plus in some decks. Uh, because a 3-1 is a decent body. I always like this stat. I, I prefer 2-mana 3-1 from a 3-mana 3-2 anytime. Um, giving it first strike makes uh, decisions for the opponent very bad. So imagine that you played this one on turn 2. On turn 3, you play the 3-mana battle that makes a 2-2 Vigilant Knight. This one gets the first strike. You attack the battle. I can guarantee you that opponent doesn't have blockers that can withstand the 3-1 first striker. So they either chump or they let you deal three damage and may bring you closer to uh, flipping the battle and giving your creature an anthem, which is a great start. And I think there's going to be plenty of other stars that uh, this can push damage very early. And even in the late game, it becomes a non, an important card. The only problem with it, and I think that that's why the great is a C in my case, is that this card is just not so great defensively. And maybe there's also a couple of ways of hosing X1 creatures. Yeah, I don't really, I agree with everything you said there. The only thing I'll add is like, I think sitting C in the middle is nice because we talk about grading it based on what we think will reflect in the 17 land data. I do think it probably will be like a C plus in white blue because you have all these knight synergies. But when every time it gets played in like a white green deck randomly or a white black deck that wants Phyrexians or whatever else, then you're going to be like, it's going to bring the win rate down. So I think overall we end at a C, but just know that it definitely, you want to play into those synergies otherwise card just isn't that good yeah also i mean caveat for those that didn't watch from the start uh c's in our book are actually not a not bad cards some really de decent playable is a c all right uh next we have invasion of Belanon. two and a white for uh battle uh, it's uncommon and when invasion of Belanon enters the battlefield create a two two white and blue knight creature token with vigilance and it has defense five so pairs really nice with the knight we just talked about has that curve out secret business mentioned uh on the back side if you defeat those five defense points you get Belanon war anthem it's an enchantment that says creatures you control get plus one plus one so super busted if you have you know a nice curve out and turn all your creatures even bigger for the rest of the game uh for that reason we gave it that b minus grade um now uh, three mana, two, two vigilance is below rate these days. So I think you do need to build with that in mind or have a lot of night synergies for this card to really excel. Uh, because if you can't flip the card reliably, it's actually like really quite bad. So you want to be thinking like, where are my spots? Can I hold off on playing this to surprise do like a battle and flip my whole team or flip, sorry, flip the battle to the backside and pump my whole team. Um, so it, it it's going to have some interesting gameplay scenario some games or you know you curve out and you flip it and that's pretty obvious uh but b minus for this one we're saying yeah i totally agree i i love the art i love the theme and that's basically it um next one is invasion of dominaria so i also will have a lot to read two and a white five defense battle siege when it enters the battlefield you gain four life and draw a card and it flips into a sarah angel well, Sarah Faithkeeper, but it's a 4-4 four, four Flying Vigilance Angel, so basically a Sarah Angel. Um, I gave it a C plus. I think that this these two invasions are a perfect example of two completely different styles in uh, invasion. So this one, for me, is a card that is a very good card in a controlling deck. 
You gain some life, you draw a card. You probably don't want to curve out with this thing. You want to play it slightly later in the game. Um, you accrue some uh, advantage. Maybe you have a couple of evasive threats that can nibble on it uh, um, and bring it down to zero. You got the Sarah Angel, and that can be your win con, basically. And because you gained four life and you drew a card, you gain time to do stuff that you want to be doing in your deck, which is playing the long game because you have some bombs, because you have controlling elements in it and stuff like that. I gave it a C plus. I think it can be pretty solid. Um, not as good as the previous one, I think, but um, and not played in the same deck. That's for sure. I wouldn't put it in my knight's deck. I would put it in my some kind of uh, maybe red, white, blue control of some sorts, if that exists, or something like that. Yeah, it seems like a white-black card, maybe, or mm. one of those like splishy splash decks where they are slower, and maybe you're playing like some green-based slow deck that you just happen to splash this and then flip it that way. Though it is kind of funny, if you're playing white-black, you invade D Dominaria with the Phyrexians, but then the Sarah Angel comes to join your side. That That's kind of messed up. Uh, Flavor-wise. <laughs> Cosmic Hawk asks, uh, do they ever give different grades? So we arrange the cards by the grades, and the first cards we're reading, we agree on them. And then the, the further we go in each color, the more they uh, um, they go different ways. Um, okay. All right. So our next one, scroll shift. Two and a white for an instant common. Exile to one target artifact, creature, or enchantment you control, then return it to the battlefield under its owner's control, and most importantly, draw a card. Uh, so we get a flicker effect, but it is expensive. And so maybe you could save a creature, but I find anytime you have these combat tricks or like save a creature trick for three mana, it's very, very difficult to hold up uh, three mana to be able to do that. Um, now, if if you do get very tricksy and you had like a flipped battle that turns into a creature and then you turn it back to the battle side and you can kind of get more value off of that, you could do some pretty like wacky, crazy things with the scroll shift. That being said, at the end of the day, we just both gave it a D because it, while it has some cool synergies, it's just clunky as hell. And so uh, not much more to say about that. Um, yeah, I gave it a D because I, um, I, I I think that the card will have a potential deck around it. And it's going to be a strong deck. There is like there is a four mana green creature that incubates five. And flipping that, it's a zero one that incubates five. So um, basically, blinking this is great because you get another 5-5 five, five out of it. And there are a couple of other things that do similar things. Um, and that's going to be great with those. I just think that this is a type of a card that people will be jamming in their decks and that will lower its uh, win rate. So yeah, I think that it's a good card in a very specific niche deck that has very powerful ETB effects, and you blink for that. Uh, this deck will come together once every 50 to 100 drafts. So maybe you will draft it once in a format. And most of the time, the card is going to be misplayed, which is going to lower its win rate. Well said. Uh, seal from existence. I have the easy one. Um, one white, white enchantment with ward three. When sealed from existence enters the battlefield, exile target, non-land permanent, and opponent controls until seal from existence leaves the battlefield. So it's an oblivion ring with ward three, which means that they will have to pay probably at least five mana to get rid of it, which in lots of cases, was not going to be worth the effort, which means it's basically a permanent removal for three mana. In my book, since this can deal with any type of permanent, maybe except for battle, no, any permanent, uh, it's a B. That's it. Very good on rate. Does everything done. 
Yeah, uh, I just kind of want to show it a shout out a point of comparison in the past, like ossification is at that B level. So this card is very similar to that costs one mana more, but it has the ward three protection built in. So it's pretty much going to be the same type of card. Next up, we have Seraph of New Capenna, uh, two and a white for a two two angel soldier at uncommon. It, of course, has flying. So we're getting a wind drake, but it also has four and a fraction black mana to transform it. Um, and you can only do this as sorcery. So you could pay four and two life or four and a black to turn it into Seraph of New Phyrexia, which is a 3-3 three, three Phyrexian Angel on the back. It also has flying, of course. And whenever it attacks, you may sacrifice another creature artifact. If you do, Seraph of New Phyrexia gets plus two, plus one until end of turn. So it turns into this kind of like Fallen Angel type card when you can attack with it. Um, we both gave this card a C. I think it, you just need a lot for your Windrakes these days um in general like a windrake i kind of put it at like a d plus level so that's why you know it's not a d plus we're at a c because it does have that upside uh and the thing is though it's just a lot of mana to be able to flip you you have to kind of choose your spots with this card also it's a sorcery if it ever gets interrupted like it gets you know removed or bounced or whatever after you've done all that work you've sort of invested a lot into this card so i think on these transform cards you got to be careful with them because if you spend you know seven eight nine mana over the course of a few turns with some of these and it does get answered like you better have gotten some good work in with it while it was hitting and that certainly <laughs> can be the case now obviously the normal play pattern with this card is going to be it's going to be kind of like in play it's going to be pecking away you land a battle um and then maybe the next turn or you know on a previous turn you flipped it you play the battle and then you attack sacrifice when you have a clean attack and the five damage from this right away might flip the battle immediately and it works very nice with that um but also you kind of need to be in more of an aggressive color pair which i don't necessarily think white black is although it does have the whole sacrifice synergies going on so if you have a bunch of incubate tokens maybe you sacrifice some of those to just kill your opponent very quickly it does a lot of small things um and if you play the card well and think about sort of the trajectory of the game do you have time to transform it you can make the c work um but also a lot of times it's just not going to be enough yeah just uh, one comment whenever i see those new transform with phyrexian mana costs i just see four i don't see the other part i just like in my head it's already it costs four to flip although you can pay five if you want to but yeah i mean it's a c i i, I i'm i'm gonna play it probably in some decks i'm not gonna be super happy to do it it's gonna be fine sigil sentinel two and a white Creature Human Knight, backup one, Vigilance. Elegant, simple. We talked about this card when we gave the example of what backup does uh, in the multicolor part of the uh, review. I think it's a very neat card. I gave it a C plus and you agreed with it. It has Knight synergies. It has plus one, plus one counter synergies. It is a Vigilant card, which allows you to attack battles and defend on the backswing at the same time. Uh, neat, simple, and, and good, I think. Yeah, let's try not to talk about that one too long. I do want to just quickly point out, I think like the three mana three threes with upside, that is kind of the C plus now. Whereas we need a lot more for like two mana two twos these days. But like three three is just like great stats still. So that's all. Next up, we have Zelfirin Lancer. Speaking of three threes with great stats, this is two and a white for a three three human knight at uncommon. And whenever another knight enters the battlefield in your control, Zelfirin Lancer gets plus one, plus one and gains vigilance until end of turn. Of course, I was kind of burying the lead here. It's not a three mana three three. It's a three mana four four, which, hey, even better. Um, that is a rate monster, right? You play this and you have your knight. And also it doesn't trigger once per turn. Like if you get two knights into play, 
maybe with uh, a four mana knight that brings along a buddy. You might be attacking with a five five here. Uh, so we both gave this a B minus. I mean, it just has stats. And I think one of my big mistakes in the one review was uh, I underrated. There was the three three menace for three, the furnace punisher. And it basically was just, that's all it was. Three, three minutes for three. I was like, yeah, how good is that really? It was nice, right? Just having big creatures counts for a lot these days. And so I'm not going to make the same mistake. B minus for this one. Yeah, I totally agree with it. It's a, this card is going to be menacing if you are starting the game. Because bashing with the 5-5 five, five or a 4-4 four, four vigilant thing, especially when there are battles involved, is going to be amazing. And if there is face involved, that's also pretty menacing. So yeah. All right, now we go to the cards where we have slight disagreement. So we uh, uh, we changed the uh, grade. We we have different grade by 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 half a point or one third of a point, whatever, by one grade. And the first one is Enduring Bond Warden. White for a human scout. It's a zero one, but it has backup one. And it has also an ability when this creature dies, put its counters on target creature you control. So you can basically play it as a one drop. It's a one, two. And when it dies, it's plus one, plus one counter will go on something else. Or you can play it as a zero one and put this one counter on something else to maybe enable attacks, to maybe enable flipping of the uh, battle. Or offer a trade where you know that part of that trade will be that you're going to get back this plus one, plus one counter uh, on something else. Again, this is going to have much more significant synergies in the counters uh, deck um, than in anything else, I think. But it has some abilities uh, that are relevant. It's a one drop, I think, pretty serviceable. I gave it a C. You gave it a C minus. I think it's going to play like a C. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with my grade here. Yeah, I'll come up on it um, for you. I think the only bad place for it is probably in white-blue. Because I was thinking about more of the color pairs, and and the more we think about the set and talk about it, it's like obviously we get better at the grading as we go along, because um, we had all these written ahead of time. And in fact, of course, we had them written down before we even checked each other's notes on anything to keep things fair. Um, I will say, I think in you know white red, if you have some of the backup enablers, this is a backup creature. Although the O one body is a little bit finicky. In white black, I think this being a sacrifice enabler where you can actually use the backup ability to good effect, where you can get a good clean attack in and then maybe, you know, sacrifice your 2 2, which is now a 3 3 for some benefit, and then move the counter because it still has the backup. Like you can engineer some pretty tricky situations with it. And then I think in white green, it's just a clearly good card. Um, so it only having one bad home across the four white color pairs is pretty nice. So I'll join you on C on this one. Um, but I, the reason I originally said C minus is that I think this card can be played uh, incorrectly a lot of times because as a one, two, it's not very, very much going on with it unless you have convoke kind of going on. So it's the type of one drop you actually often don't want to play in turn one, which is kind of weird, um, unless you just need to. And because the backup ability is only temporary, right? Where, you know, yes, you give the plus one, plus one counter. But then that creature dying to move that counter only triggers on that first turn. And then if it goes away, you no longer have that ability sticking around. It's mostly just a one mana. You're giving a plus one, plus one counter somewhere. And you have this little kind of trinkety card sitting around. All that being said, I do think you're right. I think it is a C. Um, but it's just like a very nuanced, tricky one drop going mm -hmm. on here. I see also Lucius Anius has a good point that you can actually put the first plus one, plus one counter on an incubated uh, Phyrexian. And this one already has some plus one, plus one counters. So if you manage to get attack with this one or make a trade, then you get like three counters to move on something else that improves it quite significantly. There's also the one drop in black that you can combine it with where you back up 
this and it gains an ability to sacrifice it to draw a card and you can put a counter on this sacrifice it to draw a card move the counter somewhere else and and and, and pass the buck like this so it's it's going to be very finicky and i think it's going to be leading to some very interesting uh, place and i yeah I, I don't think that this card will have like a big there won't be a situation when it feels terrible to draw it basically All right, our next one we have slight disagreement on is Tarkir Dune Shaper. Single white mana for a 1-2 dog warrior at Commune, Common, uh, and it has four and a fraction green to transform it. Um, and what does it transform into? It becomes a burnished Dune Stomper, which is a 4-3 trample, fraction dog warrior. So a one mana, one, two, it kind of sits there, maybe does some things, maybe convokes, does all this, um, you know, nonsense. And eventually you can pay four mana and turn it into a four, three trample, um, pay some life, but, you know, you're beating down pretty well. The thing about it is, again, it's a lot of mana to turn it into that four, three trample. Now, it does kind of have haste because, uh, you know, it's already in play, right? Where before, you know, if you have the four or five mana sitting around, you get your four, three trample going. But I don't also know how synergistic is that. It's not at night. It doesn't play with counters anywhere other than maybe it does well getting the counters. It kind of could be something you could sacrifice. Now, it's nice with Convoke, but Convoke isn't always going to be what's going on in white anyways. Um, all in all, it's like it just seems like a fine card. So I gave it a C, but I don't know any like clear direction you want to go with this card. So NCAA in the chat says it's going to be a B- minus at least. Now, NCAA is known for hot takes, but also those hot takes are pretty often right. I also didn't read it's a dog, so if I knew it's a dog, I would have given it uh, a, a half a grade uh, up uh, anyway. So I think C is is pretty decent. Um, I'd give it a C minus because I I see that a one two for one is maybe not as impactful in this set because this set has slightly bigger butts than normal sets, and uh, the one is not as threatening as it might seem. Um, and Five mana to transform or four mana and two life to transform is again um, something that is useful, but it flips into something with three toughness. And I think that for me, the main thing that I didn't like about it is the three toughness that the opponent knows is coming. So you will spend some mana to flip it, and there is plenty of uh, good removal that can deal three damage. Uh, that was one of the uh, uh, knockbacks against the card of the head. Oh, my turn. Aerial boost. One and a white instant. It has convoke. Um, instant with convoke is good, but maybe this one is not particularly good because uh, it's a combat trick, so you can't do it end of turn. Most, oh, you can, but why? Why would you? Um, target creature gets plus two, plus two, and gains flying until end of turn. I think that this is a okay combat trick. The convoke can make it surprising uh, in blocks and dealing with opposing flyers but it has some offensive potential in being able to send something in the air and kill a battle uh, if the opponent does not have anything with reach or is flying and i think that this is the main thing i'm going to be trying to use it i know there's this there's at least several of the white battles uh, or white containing battles that you want to flip uh, uh, offensively and i think that sending one creature in the air and wasting a card to flip a battle is going to be beneficial at some stage. That's why I give it a C minus. Okay, I agree with all of that. The reason I gave it a D plus instead was I disagree with the last statement. I don't think it'll be worth a card usually to be able to kill a battle. 
And so if that's where we're on the difference in that grade. And also, I think there's a lot of um, just a lot better tricks in the set. Like there's actually quite a few of them. Some of them are quite good. We've already seen uh, the one we said was a C plus the uh, like tick ups in the shield variant or whatever. Um, but OK, <laughs> white combat trick. Play it when you need it. Next, we have Norn's Inquisitor. One and a white for a 1-1 for actually knighted uncommon. When it enters the battlefield, incubate two. And whenever a permanent you control transforms into a fraction, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Um, now, this is pretty clunky, right? Because you're paying two mana for a 1-1 one, one up front. Don't love that. But you do get that 2-2. Two, two, and if you uh, flip it the next turn immediately, you're getting a 3-3 three, three for two mana on turn three. And that's actually a really good deal because you have that extra one mana to do something with it. Uh, and it works for everything moving forward, too, because this axe is kind of a lord for all your Phyrexians. It's a Phyrexian itself. Again, it's two pieces of cardboard. Maybe you flip some things, and obviously you want to play it maybe in white-black, where you have a lot of Phyrexians and sacrifice things. You could sacrifice this when it's no longer useful because it's just a 1-1. One, one. So just a lot going on with this card for all those reasons. And I gave it a B-. minus. Um, I gave it a C+, plus mainly because I considered the failsafe. Like, I... Imagine it in my head like this, that I pay two mana, I get a 1-1. One, one. I pay another two mana, I get a 3-3. Three, three. That's basically a split version of, of a classic common, a 3-3 three, three that comes home with a 1-1. One, one. Now, of course, the 1-1 one, one has additional ability, and if I manage to flip several other permanents, I'm in the money for that one. The question is, what are the odds that the opponent is not going to focus their removal on the Norns Inquisitor as early as possible? Because the earlier they kill it, the... Um, the less benefit I'm getting. Because if they kill it on the first turn after it comes into play, I'm left with a 2-2 two -two incubate token that I need to still pay mana to flip. Uh, Aren't you really and... happy with that, though? If it's a lightning rod, these types of cards, like, isn't that, like, I'm happy. With, like I'm, limited I'm, being good, where they're like, answer this, or, like, I'm going to accrue value over the whole game? I'm happy. I'm, I'm C-plus happy. Okay. Well, I'm B-minus happy. And oh, let's also just point out briefly that any of those random creatures uh, that have the transform abilities do transform into fractions. So they're also going to get the counters too. That which is, is nice. true. It's my turn. Yeah. 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 Your turn. Sunblessed guardian one and a white for a two, two human cleric. And it has five and Phyrexian red transform sunblessed guardian activate only as a sorcery. So five mana and two life, or six mana and one of them has to be red. And then it flips into Furnace Blessed Conqueror. That's a creature, Phyrex and Cleric. Whenever Furnace Blessed Conqueror attacks, create a tapped and attacking token that is a copy of it. Put a plus one, plus one counter on that token for each plus one, plus one counter on Furnace Blessed Conqueror. Sacrifice that token at the beginning of the next end step. That's a mouthful. What it happens is basically... If it's flipped, you attack with it, it creates another 3-3. Three, three. Unless you had a counter on it, which means that it creates a 4-4. Four, four. Or if you have two counters on it, it creates a 5-5. Five, five. The problem with me for this card is that it's a vanilla 2-2 two, two when you play it. It doesn't have any other ability, doesn't have first strike, doesn't have vigilance, doesn't have flying, doesn't whatever, whatever. Um, which makes it pretty mild. And it stays this vanilla creature for a long time uh, because it takes 5 or 6 mana to flip it. So it doesn't have any impact on board when you play it early. Uh, and then when you flip it, if you had some plus one, plus one counters on it, it's fine because you have uh, 
quite a lot of power and toughness out of it. But you know, you, you paid six mana to transform it, so you better it better bring something. Um, and because this power and toughness is split across multiple bodies, you deal with the Sunless Guardian, and the, it takes away all of it. So it basically can be single blocked by a three three or a two two, and um, and 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 you lose uh, a three three or a four four, and you lose the the whole power of this card while you invest so much mana in it. And also, it has counter synergies, but it's it's technically a white red card, which means that it's best in the color that doesn't have counter synergies that much. Yeah, I just think that the I agree with everything you're saying, and I think the backside is kind of nice, but it's just a two mana two two for most of the game, which again I think is just like a D plus level card. So basically, I'm coming up from D plus because I'm acknowledging that the backside is powerful, but I don't really want to rumble with the two two that much because I traded off, and then all it was was a two two, which is fine. I don't need to expect that much more from my two drop, but also the backside, while being good, I mean you get to duplicate it if it's just a three three. All they have to do is trade with the original, right? The yeah. the copy will get through once, and then this is gone. So yeah, I think we're great. saying the same. It's just like yeah. I evaluated on a C because I think I I I, I admit that there's there is a minor amount of synergies. It's like, pretty nice with backup, right? Of course, you get the counters yeah. on it, and you're yeah. you know attacking with all that. But it's also kind of like all your eggs are in this because you're incentivized like pile on the counters, and then if they do deal with this, it's like you're kind of getting double punished for doing so. Yeah, maybe. card seems okay. Let, we'll see how it plays out. I, I'm pretty sure, yeah, it's going to be in that bracket that we described somewhere in the main bulk of the C playable plus. but not exciting cards. <laughs> Between them. <laughs> Our next card is Friction Awakening. It's two and a white for an enchantment and uncommon. When it enters the battlefield, incubate four and Frections you control have Vigilance. Woo, we got a whammy here, don't we? Um, so for three mana, incubating four is a lot. Now, of course, you get nothing up front other than maybe a creature gets Vigilance. Maybe you get an attack and block in the same turn. That's sweet. Um, but I kind of was thinking of this more as the, what happens when you play this with five mana? Because in that spot, you're curving out. You know, you played a different three drop on three. And then on turn five, you play this and you have the extra two mana. And maybe a couple other creatures, like I said, have Vigilance at that point, uh, which is kind of nice. But like uh, five mana, four, four with a ton of upside that also enables all the other synergies with the Phyrexians uh, incubating and whatever other Phyrexian you have. I think like we get these enchantment lords here that give these extra abilities. I had mentioned how I think flying gets like the biggest boost in this set overall, but I actually think like vigilance is one of the mechanics that gets one of the biggest boosts boost relative to uh, limited in general. Like here, being able to attack and block is huge at being able to protect your own battles while attacking your opponent's battles. All that being said, I gave it a B because I think this card is going to be pretty sweet. Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, I would like to see how much of the Phyrexian Tron can you assemble during the drafts and get those extra small bonuses to, that will boost your creatures quite greatly. Uh, and how good is that kind of combination of cards going to be? Because we saw already the plus one, plus one. There's a Vigilance, there's a Reach one. There's a couple of others, I think. So uh, it's interesting. I evaluated exactly like you said as a five mana four for vigilance that has uh, some additional bonuses uh, incorporated in it. And I graded it B minus, but I think it's um, it's it's just so close in our grading systems between B minus and B that uh, it can be either depending on the strength of the archetype. Mm -hmm. oh. Okay, um, here we have 
Another card that we have a slight difference in, uh, Phyrexian Sensor, two and a white creature, Phyrexian Wizard. Each player can't cast more than one non-Phyrexian spell each turn, and non-Phyrexian creatures enter the battlefield tapped. And it's a 3-3. Three, three. And for me, it's a 3-3 three, three with a huge upside if you put it in the right deck. That's why I gave it a B-, minus because double spelling is super important in the Modern Limited, and if you switch the uh, ability to double spell for your opponent off, and you can still perfectly finally double spell because you have a right density of Phyrexian creatures, and uh, you can play as many Phyrexian, Phyrexian spell as you can, and also one non-Phyrexian spell. Um, so uh, yeah, that's pretty decent. Uh, and also the fact that the non-Phyrexian creatures enter the battlefield tapped, is going to make your race much easier in that kind of deck. I mean, I think that the card is mainly, should be mainly white, black. Maybe there are some kind of white, green Phyrexian kind of decks, but uh, I think it's going to be very strong in those decks. And I think that people will sort of realize that you want to have a right density of Phyrexians and play it accordingly, and that will bring it to be minus. You might be thinking that they will put it as a vanilla 3 3. Um, and maybe play it in the decks that they shouldn't, and it will drop the win rate. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking when I graded it. And I was sort of taking it in the aggregate rather than being as like only being played in probably like white black. Um, I think in white black, you're right, where it's like it's always working for you, but not always like it's kind of punishing your opponent, but never punishes you. I think in those circumstances, I agree, like totally D minus on board. And it has good stats. Um, I'm just a little bit concerned that like you don't always necessarily have control over it like because sometimes it's great but sometimes it's literally just a three mana three three and so like that's just not that impressive well, worst case scenario it's a three mana three three that also makes your creatures enter the battlefield tapped oh nice yeah just the classic f um but i think overall i mean i don't know the way you described it, i was like yeah i think you're right with b minus and then like the more i talked about when it, it kind of does balance it out so maybe i, I think i'll stick with my c plus um but i think if you build around this card it's going to perform well Okay, our next one is Bolas Linger. Three and a white for a 2-2 Cat Soldier at common. It has backup one, so again, put the counter on itself or another creature. If you put on the other creature, that creature gets, whenever this creature attacks this turn, tap target artifact or creature an opponent controls. And of course, this creature has that permanently. Uh, I'm a huge fan of backup overall because I think it gives a lot of flexibility and usually you're not paying a ton for uh, the rate where like here, you're basically getting a hill giant, but you can move around one of the one one to wherever you need it and the fact that suddenly this can come out of nowhere and enable attacks where your opponent's not expecting it because one more thing is tapped than they thought uh is pretty nice um but also you do need to uh really consider paying for that as i say this i think i probably graded this card a little harshly i said c minus and i think you said c i think it probably is closer to c than c minus uh, when we think about this because you're trying to always get to keep pressure going because your opponent's always going to try to keep you from attacking them with battles but also just like winning races etc and this is going to play pretty nicely in most spots i will say like the one thing holding it back is four mana for the creature sizing itself right only being a three three overall is pretty small but it is a pretty powerful effect yeah so actually, I, I like c on it actually i that but then i then i definitely agree because that's what i what grade i gave it uh I wonder if they're trying to pun us into thinking that Bolas is coming back because it's a bonus, Bolas linger. 
Who knows? Well, With Leonin Bola, puns. right? This is a Leonin throwing a Bola, and it taps things. This is a callback. But there's Bolas hidden in it, you see? Oh, I see. Bolas. Well, what's a Linger? We, we, we Is Lingering linger. Souls coming back? We must Maybe. linger on this thought. No more. Please move on. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, again, I, I agree with what you said about the card. Um, golden scale aeronaut, four and a white for a two-three dwarf pilot. It has backup one, and it has flying. So five mana, two-three flyer that can send something into the air, or um, a three-four flyer for five, which is not exciting stat line. You gave it a D plus. I gave it a C minus. I think we mean exactly the same. This card is like below rate. Probably I should lower it to D plus. Actually, I think this card kind of looks like it's that one aeronaut cavalry from uh, Brothers War, but that was a three four already, and then gave the counter. So like totally different ball game. And I think if this card like jumped something in the air and like, oh, you're a flyer now. Hey, awesome. Then I agree. It's like it would be in the C camp. But the fact that you get the one-time shot at the flying, maybe that's enough to flip the battle and it was worth the card. But you're left with a two-three flyer massively overcosted. So that's kind of why it's in the D range for me. Okay, our next one: Infected Defector. That's a fun one to say. Four and a white for a four-three Phyrexian Knight at common, and when it dies, incubate three. So pretty simple card. I just think it's a lot of value where it's going to be a two-for-one a lot of time. Now, obviously, in, in, you have to pay a lot of mana to get this kind of. Uh, underpowered card into play and then eventually get uh three three when you invest the mana on the friction um but that being said like that's i think something some decks will be interested in um and and it kind of plays well in any style of deck right because in the aggro decks it lets you keep pressuring the mid-range deck is a classic mid-range card and it kind of in the controlling decks um it allows you to trade but still have things i think it's probably worse than like the control decks because you already get so much value from other places you just want to protect your life total you don't want to lose your board so this kind of fix better i think is like kind of more of the top end that decks, the decks let you just keep attacking um but all in all i mean that's just a role player it's gonna kind of be fine like in any deck because it's a fraction it's a knight it does all these things it can be in whatever deck it has plus one plus one counters and sacrifice things and it knights and blah 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 i see <laughs> c for me you said c minus yeah just like i think that for for the controlling deck that you mentioned i think it's a bit too small ball because it's like yeah it will trade with something uh they can play around it quite uh, efficiently i think if they uh, do free toughness is again something that i'm watching because i think that the inflection part in terms of toughness power is at four in this format so uh that's my problem with it and uh yeah aggressively it's a five mana four three that's not powerful enough that part's true <laughs> Um, okay, here we have a card where we have a big disagreement. I think after hindsight, um, maybe I should upgrade it to C+, but it's Core Halberd. White for equipment, equipped creature gets plus one, plus one, and has vigilance, equip one. It's a short sword with a big upside. Um, and um, I like the card. I'm going to play a lot of it. I gave it a C. Possibly should have given it C plus, but I think also that equipment, based on how we grade the cards, which means how we predict people are going to play it, I think that those cards also get very often uh, played incorrectly, and therefore uh, they are going to have a slightly lower win rate. And I think that here I gave this C grade not because of the strength I perceive of the card, but of how it's going to play out in some decks where people put it in places where it shouldn't be played in. Yeah, this is probably one of my like hottest takes for the set, but I think this card is like one of the most 
pushed commons like for equipment that we've seen in a really long time now obviously it doesn't come with a body so it has all the inherent problems with equipment traditionally like you do need the creatures to back it up but like basically every card practically in the set is like a creature or a battle that turns into a creature or like just there's a million creatures right i've talked about how i think vigilance is huge in this format and if you attack and make it bigger your opponent has to deal with it either on attacks or blocks right the the biggest way to get around equipment is to never trade with the creature that has equipment on it because then they're just accruing value over time but when a creature has vigilance there's nothing you can do about it you have to engage on that access with the card it's also incredibly cheap so i think this card is actually going to be a lot closer to bone splitter levels than not and so that's why it's like super hot take and i think it's gonna be like amazing in the white decks a b minus for a common is like pretty aggressive but i'm gonna stand by it fair all right not a b minus here we got alabaster host sanctifier one and white for a two two fraction cleric a common has lifelink now, um, this these cards have always kind of overperformed. The 2-2 lifelink have always been pretty good. Um, this set, I think, um, board presence and staying on board is maybe more important than um, the race and the life total because being able to consistently attack is more important than winning races. Whereas, like, I, I think if this card existed in, like, Freckshaw would be one. Um, now we're talking because it's just life total is the only thing that matters. But when when you care about battles, you, you know, trying to win the battles and then the war, so to speak, is really much more, I think, what it's about here. So for that reason, I think the stats just aren't enough for me for the lifelinker, although these cards have historically overperformed. So I'm going a little bit lower on it with a C minus, but you, you know, you respect this card, Circuits. You're giving it the C plus. I can respect that based on precedent. Um, uh, and so I, I also... I agree with your uh, analysis that this card is going to be weaker here than it was before because the game is not about pure racing. But I also am thinking about this card as a sort of enabler of slower decks uh, where this is the format when you sort of start on 24 life because people will try to attack battles most of the time. And the extra two life, even if it just chumps one time, is going to push you so far into the life uh, total department where you gained enough time to play your long game. And that's how I put it. But of course, I might be very wrong because people are going to play it in very aggressive decks and therefore um, it's going to be uh, not utilized as I think it probably should be. And maybe that will drop the win rate. Uh, obviously, it's very hard to guess where people are going to put those cards and which type of decks and, and how it's going to play out. It is real good with all the backup and stuff going on. So I'll give it that. That's true. But if you can pump this card, it's nasty. All right. Attentive Skywarden. Two and a white creature Phyrexian core. It's a 2-2 with flying, so a wind drake. But it has another ability. Whenever Attentive Skywarden deals combat damage to a player or battle, transform up to one target incubator token you control. You gave it a C minus, I gave it a C plus. I gave it an optimistic C plus where I'm sort of trying to think of the card as I played on turn three. On turn four, I play an incubate card and swing with it and flip and I get two mana and that's enough to put it as a C plus. And I think that there's this is going to be a scenario that is not uncommon to do uh, this kind of thing. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, if, you, if you're able to set up that line, this card is going to perform well. But anytime you don't set up that line, again, it's that Windrake. And I, I pretty much stand by like Windrakes being in the D category, probably D pluses. And so yeah, no, this has I a little that, bit better, yeah. you know, C minus. I, I I like that. Like we saw the enchantment earlier, where it's like comes in, incubate four, it costs three mana. Can you imagine like 
you play this, your opponent had a win Drake, you play the 0-1 backup, you make this a 3-3, your opponent can't block now, you flip your thing into a 4-4 and like you're off to the races. So there are going to be scenarios where like this card way overperforms. But if you ever have to play defense with it, it's horrible. And uh, if your opponent ever also could just like randomly block it or have reach creatures or flyers of their own, then it doesn't really, it doesn't work if like creature combat happens, it's only players and battles. So I feel like it's kind of like a win more. Now, when it does work, you are going to win more often. And so, you know, maybe that does mean it's more of like that C rather than C minus or C plus. Um, but we'll, we'll kind of have to see how it plays out. Yeah, I think I, I would put it at C, but I put it plus uh, based on the fact that flying is also useful for winning battles. That's that's basically it. So, I mean, Windrake is slightly better in this set for me than it was in other sets. That That is probably true. All right. Uh, we have Kitkin Belly Rider. I like this one because Lauren is is just a fun place. Um, although maybe not once it's Shadowmore. Uh, so this is two and a white for a one three Kitkin Knight at common, and it has double strike. Now the card looks pretty anemic because three mana one three is really bad, but double strike does mean it's closer to a two three. And you know I don't hate a two three, um, but it's two three and it's better than a two three because any you know combat tricks counters whatever allows this to really go up. But I do like the fact this is a knight. We have seen ways to give like knights plus one plus one. I do love it with backup because if you ever get this to be a two four double striker, like that's big game. Now like your opponent really can't deal with that very effectively. So for a common, actually, it has a lot of good synergy pieces here. If you don't do anything with this card, it's going to be like pretty bad. That's why I rated a C minus here. But I think there are enough things that um, if you can build kind of around it, which is a funny thing to say because it's a common, then it really can outperform that and be like quite a bit better. So you said C plus. I, I can totally see where you're coming from with it. Yeah, I, I gave it a C plus because I don't think you need to build around it. It just naturally fits with so many synergies that will make it a two four, because mm -hmm. there's plenty of counters things. Uh, there is the night lords. There is there is a bunch of uh, whatever tricks. Uh, so I think that this is going to be a scary card, and I think that it will have some. Uh, yeah, it's I think probably it, it play play better because because again, just just the density of but of backup is 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 high enough. Yeah, it's it going to be good. I think in any non white black white deck, right? Like yeah. the other ones. And the, yeah, you're probably right. It probably is closer to C plus than C minus. So we have Knight of the New Coalition, three and a white for a human knight, two two with vigilance, and when it enters the battlefield, create a two two white and blue knight creature token with vigilance. So. Four mana for uh, four four of stats um, with vigilance with types. Uh, I gave it a C plus. I see it as an equally good card as the the one that flips Phyrexians and they get bigger. Yeah, I gave this a C minus. I think um, you know Call of the Cavalry, which is this exact same card basically from original Dominaria, was one of the best white commons in that set. But I think we live in a different era right now where. Like, yes, you get 4-4 four, four spread across two bodies, which is great. You know, uh, the literal best common in Chimney Rabble was also 4-4 four, four across two bodies, but this one doesn't have haste. Now, I do think Vigilance is great, but Vigilance is great because it lets you attack. And how much does a 2-2 two, two really be able to attack? So it's good on, like, empty boards, uh, but I think boards are going to clog out, and I don't think it's going to be that great at pushing through to, like, attack battles, attack your opponent. Now, the one thing I'll say about it that it has going for it is that if you're able to get some of those knight synergies, this is double knight 
activations, which a lot of the knights we saw before really care about amassing a lot of knights. So I do think it's going to have a home in that deck. Um, but because of that, I think it's going to be quite a niche card. I don't think it's going to be very good outside of white-blue specifically, where you'd much rather be having, you know, back of enabling or ways to augment your creatures or battles or whatever, literally any other card, basically. And so for that reason, I'm going to stick to my C- on this one. I'm pretty confident about it, even though the card is, like, really good and would be the best common from, you know, the set five years ago. Like, you know, the best part of our set uh, set review is that we literally put our numbers on the game in hand win rate. So after the set is going to, well, conclude or at least go to its end, we're going to be able to have this chat and we can actually put our grades onto the map and see how they panned out. So we are going to come back at the end of the format and chat about what we went, what we did wrong. In my case, probably a lot of things uh, in the set review and, and discuss it. Um, next card we have... Uh, Tiller of Flesh, three and a white for a Phyrexian Knight. Uh, it's a two four. Whenever you cast a spell that targets one or more permanents, incubate two. I gave it a D. I don't know. I'm not a big believer in this card. Uh, you pay four mana for a two four, and you need other spells that you play to pimp it in a way. And I just don't think that lots of those spells that you want to be playing are are the spells that uh, you want to have in your decks. That's the thing. I mean, obviously you have some removal, but yeah, I'm, I'm, you play a removal, you get an extra incubator token. I mean, I'm not that convinced about this card. Yeah, it's definitely a build around. Now, now one thing that is kind of a knock against it, and the reason it's like not higher for me, well, there's many reasons. Two four mana two four is horrendous stats. You you have that exactly right. But if you do have enough cards, and it, it also says it targets one or more permanents, right? So we're not necessarily saying like you need to play a bunch of pump spells to start getting incubate tokens. I much more see this as like you play this, it sits there, and anytime you play a removal spell, you're gonna get an extra two to attach to it, which is kind of nice, especially if you're trying to be a lot grindier. Now it does say spell, and so it is very, very awkward with some of these battles that come in and then have the effect to target something because it's not actually gonna trigger this. So if it was like spell or ability, um, and and but obviously that'd be too good, right? Because then it would trigger off of like random Topper. equipments and things. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is just way too good. Um, all that being said, I still think like maybe it'll be like C minus or in the D plus range because when this card is going to be good, you're going to be like, this is just disgusting. But a lot of times it's going to be a four mana two four, and that's her horrible. So obviously the truth lies somewhere in the middle, game to game, and how you build around it, and the way that you draw your cards. I mean, I don't really know. And, and it's nice we're going to get to come back and look at it after the format because <laughs> I don't know how good this card's going to be. But it's C minus, I think, most of the time. Is this me? I think it is. Um, all right. Alabaster Host Intercessor. Uh, so five and a white for a three, four Frexion Samurai at common. And it says when it enters the battlefield, exile target creature and opponent controls until Alabaster Host Intercessor leaves the battlefield. And it has plain cycling two. So a six mana three four fiend hunter is pretty good, um, and has plane cycling too, which is amazing. But six mana is a lot, and so there's those games where like you're you're holding this card in your hand and you're just waiting to get your removal online, and you're you're trying to get that six mana and then you play it. It doesn't really help with like your curve outs, whatever, but it does answer literally anything, which is pretty amazing. Um, and so I think I'm probably too low on this card. I gave it a C, you gave it a B minus. I, I think it probably is at least a C plus instead. But here's my reasoning why I don't think it's like Windmill Slam, like the best common you've ever seen, which I might have said a little while ago. 
first of all, I think um, there's just a million ETB effects. So if you if your opponent has a really scary creature that you have to deal with, and then you uh, remove it, and then they kill this, they're going to get the ETB effect again. There's a pretty small knock against it because there's a ton of upside as well. If they ever have like Phyrexian tokens, they're gone, right? If you land this, they can't in answer it with the ability on the stack. It's gone. Uh, if your opponent has a bunch of counters, at least when that creature comes back, the counters are gone. So that's pretty nice. And so that's why I said it probably actually is like closer to C+. But I think it's expensive. Um, I think the plane cycling actually helps quite a bit because if you, you know, it's just rotting in your hand, it can actually help your curve outs. You were saying it's B minus, and as I put down C when I graded this card, I felt bad inside. <laughs> but I was just like, I, I don't know. Maybe I think Magic Limited has changed, and um, until I start first picking this card two weeks into the format, <laughs> I think it's closer to C plus than not. Uh, yeah. So I mean, for me, this card is sort of the Imperial Oath of the set. I mean, yeah, I know that there are different cards. I know. It's from this Kamigawa. Like, it's... <laughs> it, 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 it is from Kamigawa, indeed. Uh, this is like a combination of the so the, 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 the five mana samurai and uh, Imperial Oath when it can, you can put multiple copies of it in decks that don't have any business of being in white. And you can play them easily because one of them will basically fetch you the planes and the other ones will be able to do their job. I think it's like a pivotal card for some kind of a controlling archetype in this format where you can just basically play a controlling archetype without even being heavy on white because you have Alabaster host intercessors which will fetch you the planes uh, when the time is ripe for that. Um, ability is powerful. It deals with lots of stuff that um, won't come back ever, like the big um, incubate uh, tokens being a good example. Four toughness is actually quite a lot, so it would require a real solid uncommon level removal to get rid of that card as well. Uh, plus, slight nudge up, it, it is a Phyrexian, and there is plenty of those Phyrexian synergy cards that we saw. It's like, a, I like myself a curve topper in a deck where I can jam like four copies of it because um, they will be always castable at some stage all right yeah yeah it's definitely at least a c plus you might be right on the b minus i'm not quite there in terms of hot takes yet but i'm, I'm definitely too low on c so i'll admit that cut short is it my turn now or is it your turn my turn cut short two and a white for an instant it has convoke um destroy target planeswalker that was activated this turn or tapped creature i mean obviously 99% of the time, it will destroy a tapped creature. Uh, so for three mana, maybe with some discount, you can kill a tapped creature. Um, you can do it after declaring blocks uh, by tapping your creatures when you're even tapped out, which is a neat thing. I still, I'm, I'm, I don't like this type of effect a lot. And that's why I didn't put it. Although, having said that, uh, in the white deck with Samurais, that is a controlling deck, um, that would be actually quite a good card. I still put it on D because I think people will just atrociously overplay it in their aggressive decks. But um, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be decent in decks that are uh, defensive. It's just I think that the stats on the card are going to be ruined by people playing it too often. Oh, 100%. That makes a lot of sense. Now, I rated it sort of where I think the card actually is, and I think it only is like a mid-rangey control card. Like, you never want to put this card in your aggro deck. You can't even, you know, kill things that are blocking, right? Because it's only tapped creatures. And historically, the problem with these types of cards, like any of the Divine Verdict type effects, even the cheaper ones that cost like two mana, is that you have to hold up mana 
Uh, and then if your opponent just like doesn't make an attack that allows you to cast your card, it's just terrible. Or sometimes they're power based. So you like cast your spell and heaven forbid they pump their creature and blow you out. Like that's horrible. And you often have to be reactive with it. But I see this card as like, it, there's two different modes. One of them is just like they attack you, you, you cast it, maybe you discount it a little bit. And okay, you won for one, no big deal. But I think there's going to be some board states where you're sort of building out your board and your opponent finally has a ways they can attack. Maybe they like jump their creature in the air for the turn. Or, you know, they engineer this whole scenario to remove a blocker and now they're going to attack you to try to flip their battle, whatever. In those spots, the fact that you're tapped out, but really you have this convoke card just sitting there to blow them out, like completely changes that entire combat to go from you losing to now you winning. Or, you know, you block in a way where your opponent then goes for a combat trick, but you look like you're tapped out and now you actually get to kill their creature and their combat trick. So in some places where you actually got two for one with this type of effect, you now become the two for one E that is trying to turn the tides on your opponent. And I think that's incredibly powerful for potentially zero mana. You just have to build in a way where you're putting creatures into play, but still being a control deck. I don't think that's that hard to do, though, because I think that's the way that limited design has gone over the last few years for the more controlling decks like if we think about Imperial Oath being the curve topper, now that card was just great everywhere, but you're effectively controlling the game through power and toughness, and um, that often is going to be the case there. I, I, yeah. I So I think it's a C in that case. I think it's like pretty powerful. Yeah, I think that someone in the chat, uh, Danilius, uh, mentioned that there's also quite a large density of Vigilance in this set, which is something to keep in mind. Because Yeah, really good Vigilance for sure. Uh, well, but it's also bad if opponent has a lot of vigilance because they don't tap. Yes, that's true. Um, and there's 26 things that have some sort of vigilance. Uh, this is why you need the white common, right? You got your opponent, you're like, oh, my opponent's cut short. I better give my creature vigilance, you know? Inspired. You can read it. Yeah, yeah go, go, go on, go on, go on. Inspired charge is two white, white for the instant common. Creatures you control get plus two plus one until in turn. We've seen this effect a million times. I gave it a C minus, you gave it D minus. Um, you know, if boards build out, then it's a good way to win when you're ahead or at parity. It's really bad when you're behind. I think, you know, the mana cost on these cards tends to not matter too much because it's usually like the last card you cast. And in certain spots, it's good, and the rest of the time, it's bad. I don't know. That's kind of like a C minus for me. Yeah, I gave it a D minus because I think in this format just aligns badly. You don't have that much go white theme. True. Yeah, I can see this card not being very good, but sometimes it'll be good. Oh yeah, and you remember those, and then you play the card, and then you lower its win rate, and I'm going to be right. Yay! Yeah, go me. <laughs> um, here we have the opposite swing. Uh, Elspeth Smite. One mana for an instant deals three damage to target attacking or blocking creature. If that creature would die this turn, exile it instead. Uh, you gave it a C plus. I gave it a D. I don't like this type of effect in general. One mana, it's a good thing to happen to it, but I still think it's so situational and very often doesn't solve problems. It's, I don't think it's going to be the sort of ships missing it themselves in the night kind of format uh, where this card maybe would have been better uh there's going to be blockers all the time i i don't know i i don't think it's going to be as good i i might bump it into c minus or something but 
Well, I, I agree. I hate this kind of effect. Like generally, I like, just don't put them in my deck and my opponents always play it. And I'm like, that's great. I'm glad you're playing these cards and not me. But I think the one mana versus like two is just like night and day. We've seen that with the combat tricks, like how that completely changes the card. And three damage is usually going to be enough to like, you know, kill something that costs two or three mana. Now, later, it doesn't completely solve it. But, you know, if you have a first strike creature or something, it can combo in a way to get the creature. But I think also it's not that hard to leave up one white, especially for like those awkward situations where your opponent does have one of those wind rakes, which we think might be better in this set because you're trying to, you know, attack battles, that kind of thing. And so uh, just being able to leave up one white randomly, uh, it's not that difficult. And even if they, you know, smell the card coming, it's like, what are they really going to do about it? Not attack. All you have to do is leave up one white in certain spots. And it's just not that much of a price. And unlike the other one, this can work. It, I Admittedly, I don't like it. these cards when you're the aggressor because your opponent gets to block so you don't push damage. That being said, like, um, you know, your opponent has their like annoying 2-3 and you have a bunch of 2-2s. Two you know, you just attack with everything and they block and you didn't care what they blocked with. You lose a little damage, but you get the problem thing out of the way and keep expanding your board. Uh, so that that's why I think it's going to be better than this effect normally is. I, I just I just I don't I don't think it's good. It might be better, but I don't think it's C plus. It's it's quite a high grade for the common. I think that's like would be top three commons for in your list, I guess. Yeah, it's certainly aggressive. That's probably it's probably closer to C. You're probably right, but uh, I don't know. I, we'll I, see. I, we'll see. That's the only th that's the only thing we can say. I mean, it's good to have discussions because. Um, uh, you know, two brains evaluate things differently, and it's interesting to see what goes on uh, as the format uh, unfolds. I mean, I'd ma much rather have the plus one, plus one combat trick we talked about, which I also graded C plus. We both did. Um, so for that reason, you're right. This is probably more like a C. But I think the fact that, like, this is the type of card where it's, like, um, early in the draft, let's say, like, it's a weak pack. Maybe it's, like, picks four or five relatively and you don't know whether you're aggressive or defensive this is the type of card where like if you kind of be like i have some white cards but i don't know my direction yet you can always just play this card and it's going to be fine whereas if you have a card that's like cut short where we were looking at it and you just need to play it in a purely defensive deck because you need to tap it to kill their tap creatures this card doesn't have that problem so in a way it's like almost more of a, like a flex spot in the draft itself whereas in the final product if you knew in pack three that you wanted like a specific type of card, then you always know, do you want the cut short or do you want the plus one plus one combat trick? And then you only take one or the other. So it could be interesting from the draft perspective as well. Oh yeah, by the way, I mean, I said it's a common, but it's an actually uncommon. That's, that just shows you how I grade the card. I just like looked at it and I said, yeah, that's a common in it. Um, but in fact, it is an uncommon. Um, yeah, time will tell. I'm not excited about this type of card and that's probably reflecting my grade. This part is about blue commons and uncommons. We're going to talk about the cards uh, based on our grading. So we're going to start with the cards that we agree on. And as we progress through the color, we're going to start being more and more argumentative until at the end, we're going to curse each other out um, and uh, try to uh, start a feud. Uh, the first card we're going to talk about is Moment of Truth. One in the blue, instant. Look at the top three cards of your library, put one of those cards into your hand, one into your graveyard, and one on the bottom of your library. I gave it a D. You gave it a D. I think that this card just doesn't do enough for the cost. I would be happy with it for one mana, but probably then it would be broken and constructed. Um, and because of that, it's just not going to be. Keep in mind also that in this format, unlike in the others, uh, 
Blue and red are not strictly spells matters um, synergies. It has Convoke instead. So uh, it's not going to be as good maybe as in some formats. I could imagine that card being decent in, in, in something, but uh, I don't think it's going to be here. Yep. Next card. We have Order of the Mirror next, one and a blue for a 2-1 human knight at common. You can have a three and a friction white to transform it. Uh, and so again, that's you know two life or white mana. And on the back side, it is a 3-3 Order of the Alabaster Host. It's a Friction Knight, and whenever it becomes blocked by a creature, that creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. So 2-mana, two 2-1. Two Obviously, you need a little bit more on your Magic card these days, but it does transform into a pretty difficult card to block, effectively getting flanking for those old-timers. And um, so it's relatively cheap for the transform cost. Again, with any of these transform cards, I think you have to pick your spots, because if your creature then uh, dies then uh, you invested all this mana and potentially life for not that great of an effect. Um, but this is a knight. It it can become a friction. It has a lot of crossover utility. Um, and it once it is on the backside, it is pretty hard to block. And uh, effectively, it kind of plays almost like a 4-4, which is pretty great. All that being said, like it's never, ever amazing. So we both gave it a C. Yep. Uh, next card we have is Ephara's Dispersal. Uh, it's a two and a blue instant. This spell costs two less to cast if it targets an attacking creature. Return target creature to its owner's hand. Surveil two. I gave it a C plus. You gave it a C plus. I like that card in a particular deck. Um, the deck that plays tempo game. It's going to be great because for one mana you manage to bounce something that's attacking. Surveil two is not nothing. It also synergizes with a bunch of blue black. Personally, I really dream of drafting a Karuga in the set and having a bunch of those as my early uh, interaction, not to be too behind when I all the uh, spells have to be three or more in my deck and companion Karuga. But that's a that's a dream. Uh, but generally, I think the card is going to play out well in a deck that uh, wants that kind of effect. So yeah, I give it a C plus. Yeah, the only quick note, I agree C plus on this one. Um, I think this card will be even better than it looks that it generally plays because I think a lot of times players are going to play things pre-combat to be able to set up attacks. So we're talking backup, we're talking battles, they're trying to finagle everything. And so part of the problem with like these unsummon type effects is that then they just recast the card after combat. But if you did everything pre-combat to enable the effect, they can't then redeploy that card till the next turn. So it makes that this card even better. Yeah. And also one mana kills the incubation tokens, which is neat. Nice. Yeah. Then we have Preening Champion, two and a blue for a 2-2 Bird Knight at common. It has flying, and when it enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 blue and a red elemental creature token. Uh, I made the mistake of, again, cards like uh, Chimney Rabble underrating them, just you know having good rate. This obviously being two evasive power, plus the 1-1 means it attacks well, it blocks well. I think that matters a lot in this set as well. I talked about how I love flying and vigilance in this set. I hate Windrakes, but I hate I love Windrakes that come with a 1-1. So, I mean, this card just looks like busted, even though it's so simple. So, B minus for this one. Yeah, I mean, this is the kind of a Windrake I really want myself. I give it a B minus on this. Um, okay, we have Invasion of Kamigawa. Three and a blue. Battle Siege. It has four defense. When Invasion of Kamigawa enters the battlefield, tap target artifact or creature an opponent controls and put a stun counter on it. So, it won't untap basically the next time it untaps. Instead of untopping, it will remove the stun counter from it. Um, and it flips into a 2-3 flyer uh, that has 
uh, whenever it deals combat damage to a player or battle, draw a card. Which is a great ability. Um, I like evasive things that can draw me cards. Um, I gave it a B minus. I think it's solid because it sets itself up for flipping. This is the kind of uh, saga that you want to flip it, but the front side is doing a lot of help to let you flip it. And also four defense is not too much. So I think that it's worth giving opponent four life to get a two, three, uh, a two, three Ophidian if you're as ancient as me and you remember what Ophidian does. Um, so yeah, B minus for me. I think that I like this general uh, philosophy of the invasions. I'm pretty sure um, we're going to be talking through the format about how different invasions allow for different strategies. And this one is particularly simple. It's an invasion that is designed to help itself flip. And I think that the flip side is good enough to give it a B minus. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. You have to evaluate these ones on the backside because you tend to get to the backside more frequently with them. Okay, next we have Temporal Cleansing. Three and a blue for a sorcery at common. This has Convoke, so your creatures can help you cast it. And the owner of target non-land permanent puts it into their library either second from the top or on the bottom. Um, being a sorcery really hurts this card. But um, second from the top makes a big difference because part of the problem with these time of effects sometimes is that, yes, you get rid of it, but it comes back soon enough that it still is a problem. And yes, it's always a one for one. But uh, this, you know, maybe one of your creatures gets outclassed. So... You know, I can see tapping a not-so-useful creature with it and, you know, only spending three mana to get rid of something problematic, sets up nice attacks, and it's just going to be all around just a reasonable card with that. I do think, um, since we haven't seen many Convoke cards yet, in fact, this might be the first one, um, Convoke, I think, is really interesting in this set uh, because, it, in a way... It allows you to press your advantages, but tapping a ton of your creatures to set up attacks means you become vulnerable to your opponent's battles. And so there's a push-pull with Convoke to trying to get out ahead quickly with it, um, or like, you know, uh, interact with what your opponent's trying to do. But if you go too far down that direction, you actually, like, cr increase your vulnerability. So I think it's going to be really tricky, and, like, sometimes even though you could Convoke this card out, um, to try to like maybe double spell or do something you have to be you have to really think like what's the worst that could happen to me after doing that um that all being said we both gave this card a c seems like pretty playable card yeah i think that the only thing that i have doubts now is that this type of card is usually played by players with higher win rates so actually that can have a higher win rate because uh of who plays it not because of how powerful the card is Then we have uh, Astral Wingspan. Uh, it's a four and a blue enchantment aura with Convoke. Enchant creature, when it enters the battlefield, draw a card. And enchanted creature gets plus two, plus two, and has flying. I gave it a D plus. I think the cost is just too much. But I can be very wrong about it. I mean, yes, it it you get the card back instantly, and you can make something really big. On the other hand, blue does not have massive creatures, so maybe it will be specifically good in some kind of blue-green or something. Uh, but five mana for this, I don't want to tap creature to convoke it, so I will treat it as a basically a five mana card. It doesn't excite me for that cost. Yeah, it's like it's like take flight from that one set, which looks like a really good card, but is just really awkward. And you don't want to convoke it because you just 
make yourself even weaker. At least the last card you convoked and then their problem went away. This one, it's like, yes, you create a create a threat, but then you can't almost can't attack with it if you're convoking it out because you have no creatures back. Unless it is Vigilance. Yeah. And we have uh, next Halo Charge Scob, four and a blue for a four four zombie at common. Uh, and when it enters the battlefield, each player mills two cards. So again, playing into that theme in blue. And then you may put an instant sorcerer battle card from your graveyard on top of your library. Um, these ones where you get some card selection and like your next turn set up, uh, they always play a little worse than they read because, you know, you're not going up a card. That being said, um, the more cards you have to choose from, the more powerful that effect. And so if there indeed there's this theme, how successful it's going to be of like milling both players then you're going to have more options of the types of things you want to put at the top of your deck. So if you have, like, you could even potentially include maybe some more situational cards where it's like, I'm, you know, not always hoping to draw this card, but if I have enough of these mill things, then potentially it'll be good with my Halo Charge Scob because in some games, like, boom, it's on top of my deck for the next turn, and it's going to be wonderful. I don't know how great that is, but it's uh, a possibility with it. And not only does this help set up your draws, but if your opponent gets to, if you're combining this with the, like, your opponent has eight over cards in their graveyard. It has some synergies there as well. Five mana, four, four below rate for cards these days, but it's a blue card. So we're expecting lower rate on blue cards anyways. All that being said, yes, there is potential upsides, but the card looks bad. That's why I was talking it up. Uh, we both gave it a C minus. Yeah, I actually like the body sizing on this because blue usually struggles with uh, falling too much behind in the games because it doesn't have those four, four creatures. And four, four, I think it's pretty fine. One knock against it is that if the opponent plays the mill strategies, then you can put something on top and they just mill it again, and then you feel you feel like a buffoon. Let's move on. Artistic refusal, uh, four blue blue for an instant with convoke. Um, choose one or both counter target spell, draw two cards, then discard a card. So you can basically counter something and draw two cards and then discard a card. Would be great, I think in this archetype in maybe a slightly different format, but I think it will have a problem uh, with something that uh, uh, Neil mentioned, and that is that lots of the spells are going to be cast pre-combat. This is a perfect spell to counter something post-combat, and if you will be put in this situation, you can counter something that is played post-combat by tapping four of your creatures and playing two mana, it's going to be feeling like you are an amazing winner, and it's brilliant. But I think very frequently you will have to keep six mana open to play it. And for six mana, even that effect is not powerful enough. Yeah, I like what you said about this uh, in the sense that against blue decks, you might often more want to pre-combat spells, but against like white decks, which can, uh, you know, have ways to punish pre-combating things and then setting up attacks. For example, the uh, cut cut short, whatever it's called, the the white destroy target tap creature attacking creature um like you're going to want to play against the different colors in different ways which is going to be interesting even more so than the card itself um, yeah i think that we also should mention that we both gave it c minus because the podcast people will be wondering probably what did they give it in the end c minus we gave it so it's a playable card it's just like uh it might look slightly stronger than i think it might be All right. Next, we have Disturbing Conversion. Our first little bit of disagreement here. Um, it's one in a blue for an aura. It has flash and it enchants a creature. This is a common. 
And when it enters the battlefield, the player mills two cards. So we got that again. And then an enchanted creature gets minus X minus O, where X is the number of cards in its controller's graveyard. Um, I think this card's actually pretty powerful if you just care about making sure creatures don't attack you. So if you're very defensively oriented, you've got a bunch of the cards that are milling both players. This card's going to effectively be like, okay, you're not attacking me anymore with that card. It has flash too, so you, you slot it in whenever it's perfect. Reminds me a lot of spontaneous mutation from Sir Drafts, which have been going on. Um, but that being said, uh, I think permanent sitting in play is a little bit of a problem in a format where you care about attacking with battles. Because if you give them something where it's like, oh, now I'm the perfect blocker, they effectively just get that creature to sit around there. So if you don't care about battles or whatever, you're not playing a lot of battles, I think this card gets a lot better. And so you have to think about the cards you're putting in your own deck to really maximize this card. So that's kind of why I just gave it the C minus. It can have a lot of like anti-synergy tension with itself. But if you understand those limitations, then it's going to perform pretty decently. Yeah, I mean, worth mentioning, uh, it mills both players, not only opponent, but also you. And I think that this is a big knock against it because the cards like this, I like to play them in multiples. And if they mill on top of uh, having the synergies in my deck that I will have other cards that mill me, I, I can't play too many copies of those because at some stage I will have to think about my uh, card total. There is ways of looping the graveyard in this format, and I'm pretty sure that some players, I'm not looking at you, Ethan, are going to try them, and probably this card is going to be pretty good in those kind of decks. Uh, I put it on a C because I think that there is an inkling of some kind of a controlling deck in this format. Uh, we're probably going to figure it out late in the format, but there is something that can do it, and this card is going to be probably played in it quite heavily, and I think if it will be good, then it might be on the C level. But I'm I don't think that your evaluation is wrong in any way. I think it can be easily C minus or even maybe lower if the uh, controlling archetype doesn't pan out. Um, another card where we have a slight uh, difference, Expedition Lookout, one and a blue for a two, three. That sounds good. With Defender, sounds a bit less good. As long as an opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard, Expedition Lookout can attack as though it didn't have Defender and it can't be blocked. So it's a 2-3 wall that um, later in the game turns into a 2-3 unblockable. Um, I just don't think that the stats are right on this card in general. Uh, I understand that uh, the unblockability is a useful skill, but I probably would prefer it to be a 1-4 than a 2-3. And that's my knock against it. There's a lot of three mana three threes that make this card look rather silly. And um, there is lots of uh, counter putting, so you can boost your two twos into three threes, and this card will not do much. It is more of a speed bump than a, than a roadblock. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I did give it a C minus as opposed to the D plus grade you were thinking. Um, I mostly think it's just going to be the type of card where you're controlling and it's going to be a card that you want to double block with a lot. So it's not like um, it itself is not going to be good against all the creatures that are bigger with than it and the counters and everything else going on. But it's just a decent body that can get on board and eventually attack. So I do like that aspect where unlike some of the other cards which are defensively oriented, it, it, it is going to eventually do something. Kind of reminds me of Icker Synthesizer, which was not actually a great card and was massively overplayed in one. Um, but also blue was bad there. So this, you know, uh, assuming all the colors are equally good, I think this can have a home specifically in blue black. 
but any deck that is interested in attacking, like, don't put this card in your deck. It's going to be terrible. But I kind of like these types of effects. Like, I was a big fan of the, there was, a, like, the three threes in blue that just, for two mana, that sit around and eventually do something. This is a little worse than that because it doesn't have three power. Um, but it does have the upside of eventually being a real threat, too. So it's kind of in the middle. It's, like, an interesting in-betweener. We haven't seen too many of these types of effects before. Oh, yeah. If it was a 3-3, I would be jamming those. I think that yeah, the, 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 the two power is just like a big, big drawback of this card. Anyway. All right. Next, we have Oracle of Tragedy. One in a blue for a 1-3 human wizard at Uncommon. When it enters the battlefield or dies, choose one. Draw a card and then discard a card. Or shuffle up to four target cards with mana value 3 or greater from your graveyard into your library. So we didn't talk about how like if you end up self-milling too much, it's a little bit worrisome. This is a way that you can ensure to really start drawing some good stuff later in the game because you get low on your deck and then you just, you know, shuffle four absolutely amazing cards in your deck and win from there. Um, but also, I, this is the type of card where uh, the loot, uh, you can just kind of like play sort of a game uh, that's a little bit slower, but the one three holds the fort. You get some nice smoothing mechanic and it works from there. The problem with the card is one three is not great stat line. And um, you're not really getting card advantage. It's just looting. And uh, so I don't know. I gave it a, a D plus. You know, you gave it a D. We're both saying the card's pretty bad. But it, maybe it could have a home and more of a controlling deck. Yeah, I think so. I, I think art is pretty good. Does it count for something? I also, maybe. Artist is the same name as me. So, you know, I have to support that. Um, but yeah, I think that, again, another card that I would be more interested in if it was maybe a three mana one three or something like that. Like, like a roadblock that is a substantial roadblock, and there are so many creatures with power three in this format that would just be eaten very quickly. Uh, Saiba Cryptomancer, one and blue for a creature, Moonfork Ninja. It's a zero one with flash, with backup one, and it has hexproof. So basically, what you do with this card, two mana, you play it, flash it in. Uh, you put the counter on a creature that is targeted by some removal spell or whatnot, and then uh, it becomes bigger and gets hexproof, so the removal fizzles and it changes quite a lot, uh, I guess, in in in, um, in combat or or with a big removal. Uh, I gave it a C, you gave it a C plus. I think that we agree more or less on that the card is decent. Just you say it's a bit more decent than I do, uh, and I'm willing to be wrong on this one. Yeah, a few few extra things that I think are particularly good about against with this card. Now, blue red is kind of like the convoking color pair. So when we looked at the previous card, if you're building more of a control deck, the one three body it sits there. It can contribute to convoke if like the one three is no longer useful. This card gets to do the same thing, but it adds to the board a lot better. Um, yes, it has the tricky play of like hexproof. It'll save your creature, and now you have this creature sitting in play. That's fantastic. Um, but also simply like you attack with your two, two into their two, three and they block, you just put a plus one, plus one counter at it as, as you know, a flash creature. So it kind of acts as like a blue plus one, plus one counter trick, which is like really unusual, very powerful. And so the split card of that plus the hex proof, plus the extra body for convoking. Cause like, you don't care about the O one, but if it taps for your spells, you love it. Th those are all the reasons I gave it C plus. Yeah, no, that sounds all fair. Um, yeah, I totally agree with that. Also, the hexproof you give on something that they already wanted to target with removal, and not only you destroy the removal, but you make the thing that they already wanted to kill slightly better. So, yeah. 
Oh, I, I do like the recommendation uh, from chat. Next time we'll get, you know, the Circovitz face and I can be a trumpet for the next time we do a set review instead of TNS. Oh, yeah. I do love that. More work for us, you know that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Again, if, if what's is going to drop the full spoiler earlier than we thought, we're going to be really scrambling for that. Maybe I'll get the get the layout ready for that. Um, my card now, or yours? No, it's oh, yours. I no. think yours. 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 No, it's yours. My... I did the, okay. I did the previous one. Yep. Yes, yes. Skyclave Aerial. See, I was just trying to avoid saying another double face card. Uh, Skyclave Aerialist, uh, one and a blue for a 2 1 Merfolk Scattered Uncommon. It has flying, four and a fraction green to transform it, activate only a sorcery, of course. And the backside is a 2 4 flyer fraction Merfolk Scout. And it says whenever this creature transforms into Skyclave Invader, look at the top card of your library. If it's a land, you may put it on the battlefield. If you don't put it on the battlefield, put it in your hand. So basically, draw a card or put a land into play. So you're always getting a card off of this, and it's a two mana two one flyer. I mentioned how I don't love Windrake, but I do love two power two power uh, two drops that fly because it just puts so much pressure on the game. And this one on top of that, like turns into something that uh, attacks and blocks well too. If your opponent gets flyers and draws a card, like that's just doing so much. Now that being said, it is like a lot of mana to turn into something that doesn't actually hit any harder. So the fact that it goes from two one to two four, that's the only reason. Like I'm like. I don't think it's like incredible. So that's why I didn't quite get to, I, I gave it a B minus, you gave it a B. Um, like if it was, if it transformed into a three, four and gave you that card back, then like, whoo, we're looking at it and getting some extra power. Um, so it just was slightly under for me for that B level. But I think we're kind of saying the same thing. Like this card is pretty pushed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I gave it a slight plus for the fact that it does what the blue green archetype wants to be doing. That's, that's mm -hmm. I think the difference that we're having here. Stasis field. One and a blue, enchantment aura, enchant creature. Enchanted creature has base power and toughness. O2 has defender and loses all other abilities. So it's Kazmina's something, but instead of a 1-1, one, one, you get an O2. I gave it a D plus optimistically. You gave it a D. I optimistically because I think that it's important that it has zero power compared to the previous iteration of this card that had one power, which is bad because it still contributes to combat in a meaningful way. I think that the 0-2 is an insignificant enough body that it actually is fine. However, you still have to deal with the fact that there are plus one, plus one counters in this format. You can't play it on the uh, incubate things. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't think it's a great card. I just think it's less terrible that you do. Yeah, I think this is like closer to an F than a C. I don't know. It's just like... I. You know how you hate the like uh, puncturing light, like the white combat trick type things. Yeah, I, I hate these cards. <laughs> I'm just like I'll never play it because I think they're always just kind of bad. I don't um, think I'll play it myself either. I, all right, I, I don't know. We, I gave guess... it a D plus. I whatever. I yeah, mean, bad I, card. I, I think it's bad. Yeah, <laughs> people will play it more than they should. Yeah, that's probably where, where we're at right now. Okay. Then we have Eyes of Gitaxius, some crazy art on this one too, uh, for people listening and that can't see it. Uh, two and a blue for a sorcery at common. It says incubate three and then really simple draw card. I like that this is a nice way to get your incubate token going, um, but also just replaces itself and a good bit of value, right? And, and honestly, it's like not that far. Like it's basically blue stripe bears, right? Or whatever, not stripe bears. What's the one that's like five mana, three, three draw card? Um, anyways, that card exists a long time ago in green. Kavu Climber. God, I, it's a long time ago. 
but we're getting that card basically in blue, but also you can pay it in installments. Um, and it's unusual for blue to get something like that big. And then on turn four, you could turn it and it basically that creature has haste when it attacks right away. Um, it just does a lot of like nice little things. I don't know if it's that synergistic with what's going on in blue in general. Like, I don't really get the theme of this card because it generally like the other cards care about incubator tokens more, I think. But overall, it just seems like a pretty nice, you know, piece of value. I think NCA described it nicely as Pac-Mate at home. It's a five mana star of five mana star of Pac-Mate. Yeah. Uh, in a color that doesn't get that kind of body, so I gave it a C minus. I think it's like very much in between those two grades. Probably. Yeah, I gave it a C. Um, I guess I should have said that. <laughs> it, it 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 might have it might have some synergies with the transform because you will get the incubate to transform for the blue green. It does a bit of. Everything, okay, there it is. But... I was trying to figure out like what why does this card exist? You're right. It's a blue green gold card. That's that's the reason why because it it powers the transform uh, uh, activations. Because because I was like blue red spells is not in this format, so it just I was very very confused. Well, but you know blue red artifacts. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe that's maybe. the thing that will make that uh, vehicle okay. uh, being yeah added. that vehicle. Okay, we figured it out. I thought I had zero homes. Now it might have potentially two. So that's that's all always there. Good. We go. But I think that yeah, again the card is uh, okay, but not great. I think one mana difference from Seraph Blackmate is a big difference. Mm -hmm. uh, Furtive analyst uh, two blue. Human Wizard, 1-4. Vigilance, 2 tap, draw a card, and discard a card. <clears throat> okay. I gave it a D, you gave it a D+. Plus. Uh, I think that the card has a body. 1-4 is blocking well with the three power creatures that I talked about. But the ability of looting for 2 mana is not great. Um, and also, 1-4 Vigilance does not attack that great. It is something that you can have in your Convoke deck because it is Vigilance uh, and you might want to keep your stuff open uh, till the end of turn to do something and decide whether you want to cast a Convoke spell or maybe a loot. Um, but I just think that it it's not enough to be something that I would be interested in drafting yeah, highly. Yeah, I, I gave it a D plus. This card does suck. It's probably, I think I think you're probably closer to it with D. I, I really do love Horned Turtles, but the other day in the time has a... This, this, the spotlight has moved on, so to speak. Yeah, I'm more of a 2-5 uh, creature person, but, uh, you know. They're both bad. <laughs> <laughs> Not for the right reasons. Uh, our next one is Xerix Strobe Knight. Two and a blue for a 2-2 two, two human knight and uncommon. It has flying and vigilance, so just 10,000 Windrakes in the set. But also it has a tap, create a 2-2 two, two white and blue knight creature token with vigilance. Activate only if you cast two or more spells this turn. That is a lot, like two spells is setting up a lot. And also, um, it, it's not talking about instant sorceries, right? So it could be literally any spell. Um, the nice thing is blue does have like, it pairs with convoke things, though this you have to tap to make the 2-2. Two -two, so it's a little awkward that you can't like use it to help you cast the spells to then tap it to make the 2-2. Two -two. Um, but I think this does give you enough value because you don't need to make too many 2-2s two for this card to really pop off. And no, you can you need to make one and you're in a good zone. Exactly. Yeah. One is one is good and like two is great. So um, you know, that alone, I, I think it does a lot. I give it a C plus. You were you were thinking, hey, we're gonna be able to double spell a lot, so maybe B minus. And I think especially in the knight's deck, right? Because this is a knight where 
you know, you're going to play a lot of like two drop, two drop on turn four and then make a two, two. That is nasty. So I could see it being closer to B minus in the right home. But in your average deck where you're just kind of like playing along the curve, it's not going to be anything special. I was also thinking a bit about the um, Convoke deck and the uh, top creatures draw two cards and then allowing that this allowing you to double spill at some stage um, situations. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Um, so maybe, you know, like at the end of the turn, you can tap some creatures to convoke the draw to spell and then flash in the aura that gives minus X minus O and then, uh, and then tap and make another knight. that kind of stuff. I do find it funny. It's a vigilance creature you never want to block with, but it's just cause yeah. you want to tap it to make a two, two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that part's pretty funny. But again, we're, we're pretty close on the evaluation of this one. So yeah. Ah, talking of which, uh, meeting of minds, three and a blue for an instant. It has convoked, draw two cards, very simple design. I gave it a C, you gave it a C minus. I think that, yes, divination is not as good as it used to be. Uh, I think that this version of divination is pretty good because you can fit it on your mana curve much more efficiently because you can sometimes pay two mana for it, sometimes pay maybe even one. Um, and that is a good effect. It sort of reminds me of the uh, Ikoria version of uh, that got discounted if you had a human and a dinosaur. I mean, non-human, but there always was a dinosaur somehow. Um, uh, and then you can cast it for one mana. And that card was very good in fueling those kind of decks. Uh, it also, like, this is a Dave Humphreys set. Dave Humphreys know how, knows how to make those tempo archetypes, and I'm hoping that it's going to be decent. Yeah, this card does all the things that, like, doesn't do the things divination does which is like smooth your draw unless you already had a creature in play to be able to but you don't want to tap it really at that point but i do like that it's kind of pointing to this blue deck where you kind of like just like dump things on the board and eventually like you could have a zero mana draw to at the end of your opponent's turn which is kind of like sick right because you're just like play all these things okay you're not doing anything now i'm ahead i'm ahead of card on the meaning of mine so i do like that part i think it's very deck dependent um, I'm probably going to take this card like it's an A minus because it's just so sweet, but, uh, I gave it a C minus cause I, I think it's just not, um, incredible, but I do, I do think it's incredible design if that makes sense. And you gave it a C, we're kind of saying the same things. Yeah, exactly. I do agree that I will be taking it as an A minus though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. We have protocol night we must follow the pro protocol of, you know, I say something, you say something, uh, three and a blue for a three, four human knight at common. And when it enters the battlefield, tap target creature and opponent's controls. Put a stun counter on that creature if you control another knight. So, of course, stun counter, it doesn't untap the next turn. Um, it does not. There, there's knights or dime a dozen in blue-white. So I think a 3-4 that locks down a creature, and you're pretty much uh, almost always going to be playing it in knights and probably nowhere else because, you know, there's better other four drops. Um, so if it's always played in blue-white, you were thinking in C+, I said C overall C, but like really it's you just play it in blue white. It's gonna be like a C plus level card. Of course, some people probably are gonna play it in like their blue black zombie deck or whatever and this card's gonna suck. So uh, <laughs> maybe that's why I put C. That that's actually a good point for the uh when we go back to this uh review and check where we were wrong to see how how we were judging the balance of card being played. Because I put the C plus because I think it was going to be mainly played in the blue white. Um and because of that, the win rate is going to be higher because it looks pretty good. I really like the 3-4 body on it uh, in blue again. Uh, that's a couple of creatures already that I've seen in blue in here that uh, have bodies that I'm surprised by the size. I would expect it a year or two years ago to be a 2-4. Uh, 
and now it's mm -hmm. a three four and then that, that, that changes something absolutely yeah this is a beater oh wait i, I went to the chat and then I, ah there you go uh corruption of tawashi four in a blue enchantment when corruption of tawashi enters the battlefield incubate four um, whenever a permanent you control transforms or a permanent enters a battlefield under your control transformed, you may draw a card. Do it only once each turn. So it's seven mana for a 4-4 four, four draw a card. You don't want that? <laughs> no. I guess if you have a deck that is really hard on uh, transform and also that wants to have a 4-4, four, four, then you can play it. I don't see that deck. It would have to be like, I, I, I don't know where it would, 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 would fit, really. So that's why I gave it a D. You gave it a D plus. Yeah, I mean, there are situations where it can do a little bit more than that. They're like not great. But imagine you played like the two mana, two, one flyer on two. And then you played a battle on three that has four defense. You attack it down to two. Um, and then like, maybe you don't have an attack or something, or you're even attack your opponent. Then you play this on turn four, you attack, flip your battle. You instantly draw a card from this. The next turn you flip your thing. You have a four, four, you draw a card. So you can, you can like preemptively sometimes set things up again. I gave this a D plus. I think it does have some build around synergies. Also, you know, there are multiple creature creatures slash enchantments we'll see in green where they help ramp you. So I could see sort of like the Phyrexian enchantment. They're almost like shrines. If you kind of think of it that way, where like they each give different effects for flipping your incubation tokens across the five colors. So you might have like that style of deck where it's like a base green, like all the Phyrexian crazy banana shenanigans deck. But no, this card is still not good. D plus. I think I think you can make it better than like the bad state of it being an F, but it does take work. Yeah, I think maybe there is also the one drop that uh, gives you two mana to activate abilities and with this, it might be, you play it on turn five, you flip it instantly, and you draw oh, a yeah, card. Oh, that's nice. And you have a four, four. That's that might be enough. I, I we will come to that card when we reach it, basically. Oh, uh, is this me? I think Thunderhead yeah. Squadron. Okay, five and a blue for a three-four human knight at common. It has Convoke, so you can tap your creatures, make it cost one less, all that good stuff, and it has flying. Um, so my big big complaint about this card, I gave it a C minus. You gave it a C. Um, it's basically like the exact same card from a card printed like 15 to 20 years ago in original Ravnica almost. And I feel like power creep has come a long way. So there was a, it was a white, white and four convoke creature from Ravnica. It was a three, three flyer. Now we do get an extra toughness here, which is, you know, that is pretty nice. Um, but I just think like you kind of have to do quite a lot to be able to set your flyer up into play. Now I do think a three, four flyer, doesn't die to that much. Um, but also, you know, it can attack in the air. It can do some nice things. I think it's really going to be nice in these these uh, knight decks where, like, your two two knights get outclassed, so you spend them for some mana to put this into play. It's like, yes, it has Convoke, but I don't think it goes with the other Convoke cards. It's like an aggro Convoke card that just helps kind of finish the game. I think it's fine, um, but I feel like if you ended up with a blue-white knight deck that didn't have this, you wouldn't be like, man, I'm missing my Thunderhead Squadron. So for that reason, I, I'm giving it a C-. minus. Um, whereas I think like we were looking at some of the other nights beforehand and it's like, they all like super duper synergize or whatever. And this is just like random flying creature that is reasonable. Yeah. I think I, 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 I bumped it by a half grade compared to you because of the 
flying being slightly more powerful, but that's it. Yeah. I also see it as a night card rather than convoke. Although I'm pretty sure there's going to be some turbo convokes that play it as a sort of their version of Tal Talarian Terror or something. <laughs> <laughs> a much worse version of Talarian Terror, I might add. But yeah. Oh, talking about terrors, uh, tidal terror. Uh, four blue blue, octopus, five six. Whenever Tidal Terror attacks, you may tap two other untapped creatures you control. If you do, Tidal Terror can't be blocked this turn. Island Cycling, two. You gave it a C, I gave it a C minus. Uh, yeah, big dumb finisher for some kind of Convoke deck, probably. Uh, Island Cycling is the thing that makes it from uh, probably a D level into a C level because ability to uh, convert it into a land when you need it is, is great. And that's why I gave it a C minus. Do you see some extra upside? Why uh, my my the only half grade difference I see is that it's sort of the battle flipper. Like if you don't have clean attacks, this can always just get through to like flip any battle basically because it's five power. So, and that'll give you hopefully an extra creature or something to like make up for the fact that you're tapping two creatures to make it unblockable that turn. And it's just going to be like you know your opponent's at ten, and you have this sitting there, and you're like, all right, attack you for five, and they're like, oh crap, you know, like <laughs> they need to deal with it right now. I don't think it's amazing, but I just think it's slightly better than C minus for those reasons. Yeah, see, I, I I didn't think about the battle flipping because blue battles. By then you should be able to, right? Yeah. Like at six <laughs> mana. But that's not. I mean, sometimes you're gonna have board stalls and you you won't. Yeah, yeah you'll exactly. need this to no. get through. No, I, I see that, and also like six toughness is a couple of removals deal with it, but um, it probably would have to be something unconditional. All right, uh, we're getting further away from each other here. We've got Captive Weird next. Blue for a 1-3 Weird, and Uncommon has Defender, but you can pay three and a Fraction Red to transform it, activate only as a sorcery. Now, when this creature transforms into Completed Conjurer, the Fraction Weird on the backside, exile the top card of your library until the end of your next turn. You may play that card. Um, this card just, it's one of the few transform cards where I'm happy to do it on curve, which I think really changes the nature of the game. Like, Play this on one, and then on turn three, flip it. I don't really care what the card is, unless I literally can't cast the next turn. But flip it and attack for three right away, and like that's like already pretty nice. And then you have a whole extra turn as long as it costs four or less. To so you're just up a card, right? Like I, I feel like that's just really strong. Um, and then if you draw it later in the game, like whatever, you can just play it as you know uh, five mana effectively. You don't even have to pay the life necessarily. Um, so it comes down, and if you have other things to do, it's a cheap one-mana creature that powers out Convoke. So, I mean, I, I think this card is just an all-star. I gave it a B. It does so many different things and seems really, really good. Yeah, I'm looking at it, and yeah, I, I definitely would bump it into at least a B-. It's This is basically... This is Cyril's fuckmate. It's like expressive iteration, but you as pay a creature. Four mana, you pay four <laughs> mana and two life, and you have a Cyril's fuckmate. The only thing is also it has sort of haste. Yeah, and it does. I mean, it's Cyril's packmate where it's like you you don't really draw the card. You have to use it yeah, right yeah, away. But but it, it, it's, it's, it's not it's, far it's, off. Yeah, it's it's not far off. I think that it's yeah, it's 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 better than I thought. The only yeah, I I don't know if I would be feeling comfortable blocking with it in the early couple of turns because I would want to make sure that I accrue all the value. But yeah, that's it. oh, people are definitely gonna like uh, jump block check on this one for sure. They've got a two two. It's slamming in every time. <laughs> You're like yeah, ah. exactly. But yeah, I mean, definitely a solid card. I think C plus was maybe too low for me. Um, Omen Hawker. That's another card where we have a slightly bigger difference. Blue, 
for a cephalid advisor. That's already half a point extra for cephalid type. It's a 1-1. One, one. Uh, tap, add colorless and blue. Spend this mana only to activate abilities. I gave it a C plus. You gave it a C minus. I think that this is a very key synergy piece that you will be able to get for your decks uh, on synergy. Play it on turn one. On turn two, you can do something that incubates and instantly flip it. And you can basically, every single time you play something with an incubate, you can tap it to flip it, which is great because you can, I think my main problem I have with incubate as a, as a mechanic is that uh, the two extra mana is a real cost. And, uh, and, and when you have this one on the battlefield, uh, it stops becoming a real cost. Now, obviously, I'm talking about the uh, uh, fairy tale uh, scenario when you have it in your opening hand. It's not a great top deck, but I still think that those kind of green-blue uh, transform decks are going to be quite mana heavy, and you will always find some way of using that extra two mana. So I think that it's going to be there's many combos like there is the two drop that pumps plus two plus two for four mana. With this one, you can of course pump it much cheaper, which creates interesting combat scenarios and makes your two drop as a sort of two mana unblockable two two. Um, yeah, I think that it has enough synergy that it will be a good C plus, and I think that also people will figure out that it you need to have a lot of activated abilities to play this card in your deck, which will increase its win rate because it will be played in the right decks more often than not. Right, and I gave it a C minus, and honestly, I just <laughs> I'm like the person you're saying sleeping on it because I just didn't really get it. I was like, I, what what's going on with this card? And um, you perfectly explain it, and I think it's because also it it adds colorless blue, which sort of like. Yes, that's two mana for your incubation, but you know you think of like the two generic mana for the flipping, and so I was just like, what? What's colorless blue, and what's going on here? And it's a cheap creature that in blue you can convoke with. So I could see it in like blue, green, or blue black if you have enough of the um, Phyrexians to flip. Um, I think it's kind of like it is going to be a C plus level card, but you also like really need to be in that lane, so you want to take it later. But when you have it there. Um, and you're in that lane, it's going to be really good for you. So I'm going to come up all the way to C plus with you. I, I really like that call. Get in. Total win. Okay. Uh, next, we have Zulfurin Shapecraft, one in a blue for an instant common. It says target creature has base power and toughness, 4-3 until end of turn, and draw a card. So here's yet another in this long line of uh, combat tricks that draw a card. Um, you know, probably going back to suit up as sort of the original one. Now, Five toughness on suit up versus three toughness on this huge difference because it's not going to save a lot of the creatures that the suit up would. Um, but there's a few things going for it. Two mana versus three mana, huge world of difference. Um, and in just any random set, like turning maybe a two, two into four, three, uh, just often isn't going to do that much. And if the creature was just going to trade like that four power to be able to trade and you draw the card isn't enough for me because it ends up being very tempo negative and you can't afford to spend a bunch of mana to then just trade with your opponent's card. But the, the more I thought about this card, like we have plus one, plus one counters running around. You have knights that are like getting boosted. So if like you have like a plus one, plus one in your knights, thus making it basically like a fourth, a five, four until the turn. Like there are ways to like make the four, three better than four, three. And, and if you ever win the combat with it, drawing a card means like you're going to pull way ahead with this card because it's pretty cheap. So the, all that being said, I think you have to put in some work, but you can make it kind of be like a C-level card because of that. Yeah, that now I'm I, I, after I did my grades, I, I graded on D plus and probably it's at least a C minus. 
The car that I'm thinking about working well with it is the Furnace Gremlin, the one two that when it dies it incubates for its power. I think that that's a good combo um, uh, with this card. Um, oh yeah, and then of course, uh, Chad is making the great point that with incubate tokens it's broken because they're zero zeros. Yeah, so, it's just like there, there's, yeah. there is some of them in blue, but there's maybe not, not too as many. many. But as you're going to play another color, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That makes sense. Obviously. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think that yeah, I, th I think it's gonna be draw a card on a two mana spell that has an actual impact on the game cannot be that bad. My turn. Wicked slumber, three and a blue instant convoke. Top up to two target creatures. Put a stun counter on either of them. Then put a stun counter on either of them. Um. So you can tap two creatures, and you can either tap one of them for three turns, and maybe tap both of them for two turns. Um, instant Convoke, that's, I gave it a C plus, you gave it a C minus. I gave it a C plus because I think it allows you to utilize your mana very efficiently. And uh, I see it in maybe like a more tempo aggressive oriented version of the blue red convoke spell i see it as a prime card um and i gave it a c plus i might overrate the fact that people are going to play it in decks where it shouldn't be and they're going to play it in the decks that want to play a long game and uh, in decks that try to play the long game this card is not so great because it switches off cards for three turns and then you have to deal with them again uh, but if it's played correctly and sort of aggressive things, uh, I think it's going to be pretty, pretty useful. Again, Vigilant Knights, someone in the chat mentions, that's blue-white can play this kind of aggressive tempo play. When you can play on turn five, you can play a three-mana knight, attack with a couple of Vigilant things, and then, uh, or even with one Vigilant thing, and at the end of turn, you tap the thing that you played, you tap one of those Vigilant things, tap two mana, and, 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 and play this, and basically win the game. Yeah, I gave it a C minus. I think the best home you were talking about blue white knights, and we sure are talking a lot about blue white and knights so far. Though to be fair, we're on card cards blue, and we graded the white cards already, so this makes sense. Um, but I think also in blue green, if you get some big giant creatures, maybe you get that going. Tap their couple blockers, hit for huge amounts of damage. Might be good as long as you're planning to like trade the time you're getting for this to actually make meaningful progress, either killing your opponent or flipping battles or whatever. And so then it points to either you want this card in your blue decks or you want the uh, melding meeting of the minds, right? The draw spell with convoke. They're like opposite ends of the spectrum. So I think the important thing is just know like which end of that spectrum you're on. Um, I guess I wasn't giving enough credit to the convoke originally when I was evaluating this because I was thinking a lot of there's a very similar card in Brothers War and Voluntary Cooldown. And while that card was like fine, it was like so niche, it like really wasn't that good. Um, so this is, I think, a lot better than that because of the Convoke, and it plays similarly, but instant speed is huge, um, and, like, you can really surprise your opponents out of nowhere. So it's probably closer to C plus than C minus. I mean, I kind of go up to C there um, and just kind of make sure you're using that time wisely. Oh, uh, next we have Assimilate Essence. One and a blue for an instant at common is a counter-target creature or battle spell unless his controller pays four. If they do, you incubate two. Um, so these counter spells, these types of things are like pretty interesting. This plays an interesting design design or like, uh, building space with a bunch of instants where like, we looked at the kind of unplayable anticipate that we both said was a D earlier. 
if you happen to be playing that card and this card, like both get better, which is kind of interesting, though I don't think blue base spells like instants and sorceries are really thing in this set. Um, but I think also this is an interesting thing where like if you're trying to flip a lot of like your friction incubate tokens, you have two mana, you're planning to do that, but then your opponent goes to play like their, you know, six or seven mana giant creature. Aha, you get them with this. And I think almost all the cards you actually care about in this format are creatures or battles. And so I gave this card a C plus because I think most of the time it's going to be doing enough. Now there's some awkward tension with it. Convoke means sometimes your creatures are going to be a lot cheaper so they can actually, your opponent can actually pay for it. Um, but it's cheap enough where I think you're going to get your opponent a reasonable amount of time and paying four is a lot, right? Part of the reason make disappear was so good in streets of new Cabana was paying four extra mana, even into the late game was a lot. Now that could be any spell. And so obviously only hitting creatures and, battles is a lot worse with the simulate essence here um but i think it hits enough of the format that it's going to be pretty reasonable in those more controlling base decks and a lot of the slower cards i feel like the creatures we've seen is just not something i really want to be doing on turn two that much anyway so if i can like take back the play by being on the draw my opponent plays their three drop i counter it and then i get to play a three drop that actually does something means that I've now done something meaningful with my turn two versus maybe playing the two, three defender. We both think is like kind of junky. That's why I gave this card C plus. Yeah. I think chat has a very good point that it also can counter the creatures uh, that flip from the battle side because they have to be cast, which is a nice addition because you can sort of know that it's coming. True. Although it's free, right? So, I mean, yeah. if they ever can do like if they did it, I feel like, if they play the battle right away, you would just counter it if you could in that spot. Um, in a future turn, if they attack to flip the battle, they have all their mana open. So I don't think it's going to work as well as they think, but it could it could work out nicely. But sometimes they will have to do some shenanigans to make sure that the attack is there. Yeah, and then, absolutely. then that's, that's the moment when you, you can them. sort of surprise them. And also, yeah. also I think that instant divination in the format is helping the counter spell uh, because you can keep mana open, and if nothing happens, you just draw two cards. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I do like all that instant sort of working together kind of thing more than when I first looked through the previews for sure. Yeah. I think that the yeah, D plus that I gave it, I, I, I will definitely upgrade it to C minus C something like that. Yeah. Change the equation one and a blue instant choose one counter target spell with mana value two or less counter target red or green spell with mana value six or less. So I gave it a D plus, you gave it a C plus. Um, I think that the, you have roughly 60% chance of playing against a deck that has either green or red. So 60% of your matches, this card will be pretty decent because two mana for countering basically anything is good. But there's also going to be the, the, the matchups where um, you don't have good targets for it and you just uh, have it as a, two mana trade for something that costs two mana or even less. And I gave it a D plus because of that. I think that actually when I looked at the previous card, it looks stronger to me. So yeah, um, I think so. I think I'm too high on this one. So I'll come down on it a little bit. It, it's going to be that a reason. great sideboard card in best of three. Don't get yeah, me. that's going to be amazing. Yeah. And I think if you do, I mean, there was some looting going on, although it's usually attached to some pretty weak cards but you know if you happen to have like more looting and rummaging or something you can play this type of effect more main deck and and yeah, it won't be I stuck know. in your hand but yeah i think the other counter spell is better 
All right, speaking of more counter spells, uh, <laughs> we're both lower on this one, but negate one in blue for an instant, a common counter target non creature spell. I gave this one a C minus, you gave us a D minus. It's funny, we were always exactly one letter grade apart. Um, I think just countering battles and then, you know, key removal spells, I think does make this card possibly main deckable. If you have something where it's like, you know, you're always going to be fine in terms of the board um, and your creatures are going to be good enough, that's fine. Now, I do worry because oftentimes the thing about negate is as long as your board is stable, you kind of feel safe because your opponent can't do anything to, you know, punch through or mess with you. But because of the existence of backup, maybe if you have like a one, four, they have a three, three and you're like, ah, you know, I'm safe to anything. And they, they back up their creature, make it a four, four and you're holding the gate. You're like, whew, not good. <laughs> right. You know, some expletives in there. And uh, so I think maybe C minus is actually a little aggressive now that I think about it because of existence of backup, but I mostly gave it because I think, you know, the removal and, and being able to stop battles is nice. Um, but probably more of a sideboard card than anything. Yeah, that's why I graded it. I graded D minus with potential for sideboard. Uh, maybe D, who knows? I mean, we'll see how important the battles are because if the battles are all the jam, and, you know, there are three battles per player in the pod, so uh, maybe battles are going to be at least two copies of battle in each deck, and then maybe negate has enough targets. Yeah, so I'm going to come down on this are. one too. I think it's more like D, D plus. And the only one I'm really liking is that first one we looked at. Mm. Oculus Well, three and a blue uh, for a uh, Phyrexian Dragon uh, with flying. It's a 3-2. As long as you control transform permanent Oculus Well has when Oculus Well dies, draw a card. I gave it a C, you gave it a D. I'm not sure how to grade a 3-2 uh, flyer for four mana. Um, I think that I gave a slight nudge to all the flying things in this format in general. And I think two toughness is not such a huge, uh, drawback because, um, there is not good, that there's not like good common, uh, removal that deals two damage. There is, there is the black one, but you want to use the black one probably to deal with some bigger things. Um, so because of that, I don't see that two toughness as such a big drawback and three power is, uh, just the right amount to, uh, eat a bottle in two swings, uh, most of the time. So, uh, that's why I gave it a C. It might be a C minus, but, uh, yeah, that's right. No, that all makes sense. I think trying to set up the transform condition is, is kind of makes it obviously a very narrow home, which is like, it's probably mostly just a blue green card, but there happen to be little, you know, incubation tokens running around in various colors. As long as you don't put this card in blue white, I think you're doing okay um, because you can make it work. Although blue, red, really blue, green, <laughs> black, this card. Um, but I think I just had like a negative reaction when I look at it because literally Talus Lookout from Dominion United was this card and required literally no setup. Now that card was busted. You know, that was like a B minus level card. And we're not saying that this gets anywhere near, near that. But, you know, I think snapping Drake, like if you don't have the ability for the transform permanent, is pretty bad. I think we just need more out of our cards these days. But by the time you do maybe land this on turn five or six, let's say, you, you probably do have a transform permanent in play. So it's maybe a little better than I'm giving credit for. So maybe a D plus. Um, it's it's a playable in certain scenarios because yeah. power flying is good. I think I agree with that. I probably should downgrade it to maybe C minus or something. It's good that you can set it up and play it when you already have a transformed uh, permanent. And 
that sort of makes that permanent lightning rod for removal, which sometimes is not a bad thing for you. All right. Uh, invasion of Vryn is next. Three and a blue for a battle and uncommon. When Invasion of Vryn enters the battlefield, draw three cards and discard a card. And then the backside is overloaded, majoring. You get that if you can defeat four defense counters on this. And the backside is an artifact. You pay one and tap to sacrifice overloaded majoring to copy target spell you control. Um, this card's a lot worse because I didn't read the sacrifice part until just now. <laughs> I thought it was completely busted, um, which makes sense why I gave it a B. Now, getting to do this one time, that makes a card make way more sense. But uh, even so, it's a sift when you play it. So drawing three and discarding cards, kind of what you expect for four mana. Now, it's a little that'd be a little below rate these days because it doesn't impact the board. But the backside of being able to copy any spell for only one extra mana means that you're getting a three for one on the front. And then eventually, when you flip it, because it doesn't help you flip it, um, you can copy something and hopefully something pretty good because it's not that much extra. So if you pay, you know, if you play a five drop and you have one extra mana, then you get two copies of it if it's a creature or two removal spells, whatever it is. And so I could really see getting a ton of value off of the overloaded mage ring. And so I don't think it's a B because it's not repeatable because that'd be busted. Um, but I still think it's probably like a B minus, even though the front side doesn't help you flip it. Yeah, no, I don't question the benefit of paying one mana to copy a any spell because the fact that you can copy permanent spell is is, is quite big. I would have liked that card much more if it had flash and the battle side because I don't like the fact that you have to play a sorcery speed something that doesn't do anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, it does something, but it doesn't contribute to the yeah, board. Yeah, draw. I mean, just cards that just draw cards are you know notoriously bad these days. So that does knock it down. Maybe it's a C plus, but. I, I think uh, yeah, we'll have I, to I, see. I can see higher than C minus. I mean, maybe maybe a C or something. Uh, in my case, we, our grades are slowly converging. Yeah, <laughs> but that, that, that's the whole point of set review when we're convincing each other and and listening to arguments from both sides and and and, and getting in there. But well, okay, so that's a good question. So, what do you think about this convert compared to Meeting of the Minds? So, some people people are asking that in the chat. So, the Convoke just straight up four mana, draw two cards. Would you rather have that, or would you rather have this? I think. Depends on the deck slightly. That, but the problem I have with this card is that the decks that I see it in, that want it, are the control decks that uh, play a long game and then um, see, I don't think at a certain true. stage overtake by by value and, and, and the win. And then this card becomes a slightly win win more kind of thing. That's, that's how it works in my head. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. If you're going to put this in a control deck, but I, I think control decks don't want to spend a bunch of time to draw a bunch of cards and discard a card because you're already losing on the board. So like, I think in, in actuality, you play this in like an aggressive deck to refuel um, and then hopefully hit it right away. You get the overload of majoring and then you play something that like really messes with your opponent and copy that spell and then just like nail in the coffin at that point because you've drawn in the cards to find the card you want to copy the one time. So maybe the fact you only get it once means the game's over. So we'll see. But I think I, I would much rather play this in like a white blue knights deck almost than hmm. um, some blue black control deck, which is kind of the opposite of what it looks like. Yeah, but the, the, my problem with those kind of decks is that I would think that the things that I copy in that deck are a bit too small ball. And then I'm not getting that good value from the ring itself. Maybe. But what if you like, what if you copied the convoke tappy thing? Where you like tap two things and now you tap four things and like the okay, game just yeah. ends on the spot. Yeah, know? no, I think maybe even the three four flyer with convoke. 
yeah, might yeah. be a decent thing. Okay, yeah, but we'll, we'll, we'll see how okay. it plays out. We'll see how it plays. It's black commons and uncommons. Um, first card we're going to look at Icar Drinker, black, or if I Rex and Vampire, one one with lifelink, and it has an ability black and exile Icar Drinker from your graveyard incubate two, which means that you create an artifact with two plus one plus one counters that you can flip into a two two four two mana. Um, we both gave this card a C. I think that one mana, one one lifelinker is a decent uh, stat line. Uh, it will maybe hit once or twice, which makes a four life swing. Uh, and apart from that, this card has uh, potential for sacrifice uh, synergies in the uh, black color, which they are quite uh, abundant. You can boost it to make it a two, two, three, three um, lifelinker, which is always great. And when it dies, uh, either you sacrifice it or someone kills it. You can still turn it into a 2-2 two -two creature for uh, a whole three mana, which is not bad at all. I think uh, C is a decent uh, grade for it. It's a card that you want to keep in your deck. Maybe you don't want to overload on this thing, but uh, you're going to be happy playing one copy at least. Yeah, I love it. It might even be a C plus given all the utility you were talking about. But yeah, yeah. nice little card. Next, we have Scornblade Berserker. Costs black for an 0-1 human Berserker on common. It has backup one and one sacrifice this creature draw a card uh we both gave it a c plus and you think well how great is it to give something backup that you're going to just sacrifice right away that part's not great but what i like about this card is you know you have a two two in play and you can just play this and turn into a three three and then you can sacrifice the scorn blade berserker at some point and you get your card back right away so it's kind of like a, a plus one plus one counter that you can that cycles, which is like pretty sick. Um, so two mana to put a plus one plus one counter draw card is like crazy. And that's the floor of the card because you also can chump block with the O1. Or, you know, if you have other tiny creatures you don't care about, theoretically you back them up and then you sacrifice that one as well to draw some cards. So it does a lot of different things. Um, and so that's why we both give it a C plus. Yep. I agree. There's also the one mana white creature, the zero one, that also has backup that uh, puts a counter in that creature when it dies. Uh, it puts its counter on something else, so you can play this one first, uh, that one first, then play this one, put a plus one counter on thing that when it dies puts a counter further, sacrifice it, move the counter on something else, draw a card, and it's a very dirty strategy, but I think that black white can have this kind of dirty. Deck, it is so. good if you if you did that into this on turn two. You could hit your opponent for two, sacrifice that other creature, draw a card, and then make this into a 2-3. Not bad yeah. for turn two. Not bad at all. Next card we have is Etherblade Agent. One and a black for a human rogue. It's a 1-1 one, one with death touch. It has four and Phyrex and blue to transform it at sorcery speed. And it transforms into a 3-3 three, three death touch. Uh, and whenever the uh, other side of it uh, deals combat damage to a player or battle, draw a card. So um, I gave it a C, you gave it a C. I think that 1-1 one, one Death Toucher is a good card uh, when you have some potential to gain extra value. I wouldn't play a vanilla 1-1 one, one, uh, Death Toucher for 2 mana. I would want to pay 1 mana for that, possibly with some minor upside even. Um, but because it can flip into a 3-3 three, three Death Toucher that um, uh, draws a card on connection, uh, I'm much more interested. Um, Especially that also it counts when it deals damage to a battle. 3-3 uh, Death Toucher that draws a card will create tension for the opponent. 
where they will either have to jump it, they will trade something quite decent uh, against it because 3-3 three, three is uh, relatively big, or they will give you cards. And also this opens uh, possibilities of you playing tricks that uh, make a nightmare of a life for the opponent because um, they have this kind of weird tension that whatever they do, they let it in, you draw a card, they don't let it in, they lose the creature because you have some kind of indestructible trick. Uh, I, I find this quite an interesting tension of the card. Yeah, that's definitely interesting. And so I think the reason we both gave this a C here, not to belabor it too much, is that oftentimes you have to pay a bunch of mana up front. So then like you're not having a bunch of mana to do things beyond that. So if your opponent does have like a 3-2 just sitting there, this card's not that impressive. And so, you know, there's some board states where they have like a bunch of two power creatures and this card's insanely good. But um, there's a lot of board states where it's like you don't even want to spend the time flipping it. And I guess then you don't. So then it's fine. Next up, we have Blight Reaper Thalid. This is one of Black Fairy 2-2 Fungus at Uncommon. You can pay three and a Friction Green to transform it at sorcery speed. On the backside, you get Blight Sword Thalid, a 3-3 Friction Fungus. And it says whenever this creature transforms into the to the Blight Sword Thalid or dies, create a 1-1 Green Phyrexian Sapperling Creature Token. Ooh, now talking about cards we want to be flipping, right? I talked about how not many of them you just want to like flip immediately on curve. But this one, I think, is worth just, you know, on turn three getting it to be a 3-3 as long as the coast is clear. Probably even have a clean attack at that point. You get the 1-1 back, and if it ever does die, then you get another 1-1. And that can work for all sorts of things from, you know, convoke to sacrifice to whatever. And so, again, just based on rate, this is a nice one. You're always going to be happy with it. And we both gave it a B-. minus. Yep. I think that, you know, for one piece of cardboard, uh, getting a 5-5 five, five of stats and uh, across three bodies, even if you have to lose two life to do that, uh, that's absolutely fine. I'm, I'm really happy about B- minus on this card. A completed Huntmaster. Two and a black for a Phyrexian Elf Warrior. It's a 2-3. It has one, tap it, sacrifice another creature or artifact, incubate three. Um, so you create this incubator token with three plus one plus one counters, and you can flip it into a creature for two mana. Um, yeah, I gave it a C plus. You gave it a C plus. I think that this is an interesting grindy kind of card, possibly in one of those green, black, uh, green, uh, uh, black, black, green, or black white archetypes where you can generate a lot of creatures. You got a lot of sacrifice uh, triggers that you can uh, get extra synergy out of it. And no, the two three body on it is not very exciting. Again, this is another card where I probably would prefer it to be a one four because I'm not planning to attack with it a lot. Um, but 2-3 is serviceable, at least. It blocks the 2-2s two um, if, if need be. Um, uh, and Incubate 3 by sacrificing useless pieces of cardboard is actually not a bad thing. And I, I think this card gets a huge boost because you can do it instant speed, right? Oh, so yeah, it's really, really annoying, speed, right? You like yeah. block and chump, and then you're going to get a 3-3 out of that. Also, um, it's kind of messed up that you can get the 3-3, and then you can keep using the same 3-3 to use this ability. So if you needed to, you could just keep cycling it. And so that makes it a little stronger too. Yeah, if you have like, there are some cards that specifically triggers when you sacrifice the spell. Yeah. All right, next up we have Icker Shade. Two and a black for a 2-3 Friction Shade common. It says at the beginning of your instep, if an artifact or creature was put into a graveyard from the battlefield this turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on Icker Shade. Um, kind of like Morbid and that uh, anything that like cares about things dying, um, it's often harder to set up than it would seem at first glance. Now, 
if you can engineer a situation where the things trade and this comes down as immediately a three, four, that's quite good, but it's pretty hard to set that up reliably. Like the conditions have to be right. And when they're not right, you get a three mana two, three. And so we're, you know, circuits and I, we're both thinking more often than not, there's just a three mana two, three. That's going to be a little hard to enable. That's kind of like, you know, not a very good card. We give it a D plus with the, for the potential that sometimes it's a three, four and starts growing from there. But not a ton of synergy or anything with, the, with this other than just being a Phyrexian. Um, I do like that if you have enough ways to like sacrifice and do things, you can be the one to kind of set this up. Because once it does a 3-4, that, that's a real body. Um, but it does take some setup. Yeah, um, that's that's the thing. I mean, perfectly, you would want to play it with a bit more black uh, treasure synergies and you want to cast it for a treasure and it instantly will become a... Three, four at the end of the turn. This type of card, I always wanted to be good, but it never becomes good, and therefore I gave it a D plus. <clears throat> uh, Unsealed Necropolis. Uh, that's two and a black for an instant. Each player mills three cards. Then you return up to two creature cards from your graveyard to your hand. Uh, we both gave it a C. I think it's going to be a very serviceable card in any black archetype that wants to be slightly more grindy. Um, it also has additional bonuses to be in the blue, black, which has some cards that care if opponent has eight cards in their graveyard. Um, C is actually a decent uh, playable according to our um, rating. So yeah, that's, that's how I see the card. Yep. We have Consuming Aetherborn next. Three and a black for a 2-2 two, two Aetherborn Vampire. Ooh, Kaladesh. Um, and it's a common. It has backup one. Now, what do you get? You get lifelink. So this could be a four mana, three, three lifelink, or you can put the lifelink encounter somewhere else uh, temporarily. Now, um, that is pretty nice to be able to get a boost and lifelink the turn this comes in because it's just going to make sure that like you're winning a race. Now, the reason that it's we only rated this, I think, a C is because I'm not sure how much this format is that like just encouraging racing. And if you do make that play, you're left with like a two, two lifelink on the original creature, which is not that big. So yes, it's nice. The turn it comes down, but it's almost more of like a combat trick attached to a two, two at that point. Yeah. Um, but you know, four mana three, three lifelink is fine. And then having some upside, being able to move it around is also pretty decent. Um, but you know, I'd like this a lot more if it was like maybe in a different color pair, which was like really trying to bump up the creatures. I'm not sure exactly how it's playing with what's going on in black as much. So I'm not super into it, but it's it's definitely a fine magic card. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, we have Deadly Derision. Derision? Deadly Derision. Two black, it. black. Uh, for an instant, destroy target creature or planeswalker create a treasure token. I gave it a B minus. It's a good card. Play it. Nice. Okay. Oh man, so many more words. Dazumi Freewheeler, three and a black for a three-three rat samurai at uncommon. It has menace, and when it enters the battlefield, each player mills three cards. So maybe fueling some of the uh, opponent eight or more cards in their graveyard. Um, you can also pay five and a fraction white to transform it, only at sorcery speed, of course. On the backside, you get a four-five menace fraction rat, and it says whenever this creature transforms into this, put target permanent card with mana value two or less from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. 
So a four mana three three menace, meh. But the milling three sets up the backside, which is kind of nice. Uh, also, any permanent. So if you flip it and you milled someone's land and you need more lands after five of them, you I guess you could do that. Four or five menace is really really quite big. So curving this four mana into five mana and maybe getting like a two drop creature does allow you to make sure you're not like doing nothing on five mana to impact the board. So actually like that part's pretty nice about all this. So a lot of value going on. The front half of the card is a little bit overcosted. It's a lot of mana to flip to a four or five menace, but it's kind of worth it. And so we both give it a C plus good card, but like not gonna, nothing to write home about. Yeah. It's like instead of five mana, you can think about it as three mana because you get two mana something you know some mm -hmm. cardboard um oh I, I i was in the chat again and because of that everyone's gonna start they're gonna be like we need some arguments but not not quite yet not quite yet we're moving towards the cards where we actually disagree but first ones we do agree on um now we have faith conversion four and a black for an aura enchanted creature enchanted creature gets minus four minus four when enchanted creature dies surveil two so it's sort of like most of the time will be five mana, kill a creature, surveil two, uh, which is okay. This is the expensive removal at common level that we normally get. You are not thrilled. There's It's not the premium one. That was the derision. derision. Um, this one is weaker, but sometimes you will have to play it. Uh, sometimes it will also make the big creature so much weaker that it will be as good as dead. Uh, however, when the creature that you target with it dies, uh, you do have a potential to surveil too. Um, C, I gave it. It's probably okay to play. You're not going to be crying that you have it in your deck, but you're not going to be cheering either. Yep, and I agreed. And the only thing I'll add is that I think at that stage in the game, usually surveil two is almost worth a card because you get rid of the land you don't need or, or do something else with it. So. God, so many, so many sieges for me. It's not fair. I'm winning. I'm winning. You know, I'm I'm celebrating because um because Neil gets the cards that have so much text and I get the short ones. That's all right. Uh, at least I'm not doing the whole whole set review by myself like last time. Uh, my throat is uh, my voice is still here. It's wonderful. Invasion of Ogratha is next. Four and a black for a five defense siege at uncommon. And when Invasion of Olgratha enters the battlefield, it deals three damage to any other target, and you gain three life. If you remove all five counters, you get Grandmother Ravi Sanger, a legendary human wizard on the back. She has flying. She's a 3-3. And whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, put a plus one, plus one counter on Grandmother Ravi Sanger, and you gain one life. Now, I've talked about, you know, again and again, how I think if the siege helps, or if the battle helps, uh, you be able to flip it, then it kind of gets into the B range. That's kind of our thinking and heuristic behind it. This certainly does. You can now three damage is not going to kill anything, but you also gain the three life. It can go face, right? Which is kind of nice. Sometimes you're going to play this as the siege and be like, I target you and attack you with all my creatures. That could be a play that might be winning. And if you do flip it to a bat, the backside, the backside is really nice, right? Three, three flyer is like a real, real card. And if anything dies, it starts to grow, grow, grow. So the front side is nice. The backside is nice, and it helps you get to the, the backside. Now, nothing about it is busted, so we're not going out crazy at our way, but B- minus for all of that. Yeah, I think that paying one extra mana for normally this effect costs four mana to drain free to any target. Uh, paying one extra mana for the potential of flipping it to Grandmother Ravi Sanger is pretty good. I love the flavor text as well. I do enjoy a good apocalypse. Nice. 
nice grammar um okay now i have a texty one no not really a merciless repurposing four black black for an instant exile target creature incubate three simple efficient it is six mana to uh, deal with any kind of creature that uh, opponent can chuck at you but you get almost a 3-3 out of the deal which i think is good uh keep in mind some decks probably are too fast to play a six mana card i don't think that any of the black decks in this format are in that category so b minus from both of us okay next card <laughs> uh fraction gargantua is next oh a nice kind of short one here four black black for a four four fraction horror it's a reprint it's uncommon when it's the battlefield you draw two cards you lose two life that's nice, nice. double you know, rage. also it's nice to be a c plus and that's exactly what we graded it good card put in your deck you'll be happy Exactly. Same caveat, six mana. Uh, okay. Mirrodin Avenged is the next card. One black. This is the first one we have slight disagreement. Uh, one Black mana for an instant. Destroy target creature that was dealt damage this turn. Draw a card. You gave it a C minus. I gave it a C. This is a functional reprint of the card from Camilla uh, Neon Dynasty. Uh, you are already dead, I think was the name of the card. Um, it was not great in Kamigawa. I do think it's much better in this format because I think that there's going to be much more blocking in this format. And especially when you are attacking battles and counting that you're going to lose some stuff, uh, you are setting yourself up for this card being good because uh, opponent will block your creatures thinking that they are preventing you from flipping the battles. Um, you are going to be able to utilize this uh, better and kill big things um, and draw a card. That's why I gave it a C. Yeah, and I was a little lower on it. I think, you know, in Kamiyoni and Dynasty, blocking was also encouraged because your opponents didn't want you to flip your ninjas, and yet that card was still not amazing. And so your opponents were blocking a lot, and you're like, okay, and you lost your creature, but you got theirs. Um, and I think the creatures were a little smaller in that format, and it was really value-based on the sagas. So for that reason, that this type of card was worse than that set. I think this set does have bigger creatures, so it has that going for it. You're going to get more of a bonus if you throw a creature away and then use this to kill that creature. Um, like you take down their 5-5, five, five, you've lost your 2-2. Two, two. You're pretty happy about that. But I think um, that being said, like it still takes a lot of setup, and you can't just like cycle this card. You do need to make sure something was dealt damage first. You play it, etc. Um, it can slot in nicely, but I'm never like, I'm never thrilled to have this card in my deck, but if it does make the cut as like my 23rd playable C minus, I think it's fine. Oh, and a Drag Recycler is next. One and a black for a 2-2 two -two Fraction Beast at common. Tap, sacrifice an artifact or creature. Each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Um, so I gave this a C. I was thinking, you know, 2-2, uh, two -two, it sits there, it's annoying. You can sort of drain your opponent out. But also a 2-mana two 2-2 two -two is not where I want to be these days in Limited. And the ability is not that great. So I think maybe I was actually a little high on this card, just like thinking about it. Um, if you have enough fodder, it can be pretty annoying where like your opponent does have to deal with this if you get them really low on life total. Uh, but it's not particularly good at being aggressive. So I don't think that part's great either. However, there are a few ways to kind of continuously drain your opponent. Like it, it's kind of a theme in black, multiple cards do it. If you do have enough of those, it's a critical mass and then they're all much, much better. So kind of look for that style of deck where it doesn't matter what your opponent's doing because eventually you'll end up, you know, draining them out. And maybe it's the type of deck where you don't care about attacking battles because you just want to get your opponent dead at that point. 
maybe not deck of this is a more like a C, but I think uh, that balances out for the time. Most of the time, it's maybe more in like the D range. So I was probably a little too high on it. Yeah, I, I thought that the body is a bit too small. Ball. I would maybe prefer it on the more expensive but a bigger body when I could have the dual functionality. Mm -hmm. And like this sort of reminds me of Dusk Wielder, I think, from Kalheim, the, the elf that had boasts to drain. Mm -hmm. Um, that card I think was even better too, though, because you could just like throw it in yeah. and keep draining. Yeah, exactly. That 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 had its advantages, and I just think that there is no good way of generating multiple bodies uh, repeatedly in this format, uh, at least not on the lower rarities, which I think will make it significantly worse. Um, yeah, I think having said right. that, C minus because it's still a two mana two two yeah, if you need you two twos in your deck. Yeah. yeah. Final flourish one and a black, instant. It has a kicker, but um, uh, to, and to kick it, you need to sacrifice an artifact or creature. A target creature gets minus two, minus two until end of turn. If the spell was kicked, that creature gets minus six, minus six until end of turn instead. Um, that's like a basically much improved version of the same card from Dominaria that gave minus five, minus five, and only could sacrifice a creature. I think you gave it a C plus, I gave it a B minus. I think this is a premium removal because it's good early, uh, good late, and it also plays to some synergies of the uh, black in this format. That's why I gave it a B minus, mainly because it not only is good and six is basically unconditional removal, but also sacrificing can be actually something that you might want to be doing at some stage in this uh, in this format. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The only reason I was a little lower, I think also just on removal in general, I was a little lower, especially ones that don't give you value is that there's a lot of things that in this format that just continues to like give value. And so like if they play a backup creature and then they put a counter, it's like, do you kill the creature they put the counter on? And then they have the backup creature and then your final flourish is kind of awkward or like with battles, obviously you can clear the way for the battle. It's good really with battles, but like if they ever like battle you, you know, like uh, they got already got this value. So I'm a little lower on removal in general, but you do need to kill things. So, you know, C plus B minus. You might be right. We'll see what the data says. I mean, both C plus and B minus. B there, it's a very good card. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's very exactly. Good. Gift of completion is next. One and a black for an enchantment uh, and uncommon. Um, when it enters the battlefield, incubate three. And it says whenever a fraction you control dies, surveil one. Kind of nice with the incubate three is rather large, but you do have to end up probably paying the mana to flip it unless you have some other way to do it. So four mana for a three, three over time is not a like an amazing rate. The uh, surveil text is nice. Uh, that will get you some value over time. But I think it's just like kind of clunky and the value you get is like not incredible. It kind of reminds me of there was that one again from Dominion United, the two, two that like whenever something died, you got to, I think, surveil one or scry one, whatever. And that card was only OK. And this just sort of seems like a slightly bigger version, but more expensive. So for me, C minus like I'm not impressed. Yeah. Yeah, I gave it a C. I think that um, I'm 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 high on the Voltron Voltron your Phyrexian kind of strategy, um, and again, I was also higher on the Wind Trick that flips Incubate tokens. Uh, I think that this, this kind of card will play very well with it, but yeah, it's it's, it's in the same ballpark. Mm -hmm. My turn. Collective Nightmare. Two black instant. Convoke. Already these three lines, instant and convoke, uh, and three mana, that's great for me. Target creature gets minus three, minus three until end of turn. 
Uh, you gave it a B minus. I gave it a straight B. I think it's a great card because you can play it for free uh, very often in combat when you're on the defense, which I think black is not particularly aggressive in this format. It may be more mid-rangey when it will take over the game later. Um, and that's why I like this kind of card. You want to play small things to block, but you also have the ability of activating it for one mana or two mana and uh, changing the whole dynamics. Uh, it's a great card in my book and I think also in yours. Yeah, I think it's amazing. I just think, you know, it's not going to kill everything, but minus three, minus three is going to kill a lot of things. And the fact you can instep it, untap, and like play a battle and probably flip the battle means you're going to do some crazy things with this. So really good card. Again, we're splitting hairs. Um, Etched Familiar next. Two and a black for a three, two uh, artifact creature. It's a Frection Fox. It's a common. And when it dies, each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. So I'd kind of mentioned like, there's this drain theme. We're going to see another common later that also has the the drain to a clause. So I was just saying, if you get enough of these put together, like your opponent can't just keep taking two damage over and over and over again. And the familiar kind of fits in that category. And you don't even care that it's a three, two, because you're going to get that drain. Now, this is no vampire spawn, but it's kind of like the aggro version of it. And we have seen a lot of three threes. So I think a three, two does get a little bit better. Also, a lot of the two twos are kind of like... <laughs> whatever creatures so the worse the two twos are and the better th the three threes are the better three twos are in that set so i'm thinking okay yeah this kind of is decent that being said it doesn't super synergize with a bunch of things because you don't really want to sacrifice this but it is an artifact which can sometimes be good i said it's a c and you thought okay it's a little better maybe c plus even yeah i think that i think that it, it is aggressively static but i see it more like a three power blocker, blocker. That, that that will stabilize you quite well and trade with something so yeah, yeah that that's where i went with the c plus i again sure. it, it, the, the, these differences are so minor in terms of uh how the set plays out and they might be resulting from how the colors play in generally or how, how people play them in general yeah you might be right um next is flitting gorilla uh two and a black for a wind drake um so two to flyer when Flitting Gorilla dies, each player mills two cards, then you may exile it. When you do, put target creature or battle card from your graveyard on top of your library. So this is like sort of brother of the scab uh, in blue that put instant and sorcery. This one puts creatures or battles on top of your library. And it does fuel uh, its own ability by milling two cards when it enters the battlefield. Still, it is only a two to flyer. I gave it a C, you gave it a C minus. I think yet again I uh, have the half grade higher um, grade on flying creature than you do, and I think that this is the main difference that we have on those. Yeah, I don't love Windrakes. I've said it before. This set has like ten Windrakes in it. Um, I think you know the better if you have like more bombs uh, or you know a lot of really good battles. Obviously, this card gets a little bit better, so it's kind of deck dependent. But it's not like super synergy driven in like a specific lane. Obviously, it has like the blue black mill thing going on, but I don't think it's a great card. Yeah, now I think about it also, this can be a drawback because uh, how many of the self mill cards you can have. But maybe, maybe there is there is a way of well, milling your opponent with the with the amount of milling that you do. Yeah, I mean, if you do have a bomb or whatever, and the more self mill you have, you're pretty likely to actually find it eventually. So that part's pretty sweet. But yeah, I mean, still, that's a very replaceable common. Vanquish the weak. Two and a black for an instant at common. It says destroy target creature with power three or less. Uh, I give it a C. You gave it a C plus. The more I see the set, I think like three power is like 
the sweet spot. We saw like the three, four flying convoke. So if you killed that with this, it was like a huge game. Um, there's a bunch of other cards that have like three power and more toughness. So I think Vanquish League does get a little better than I'm thinking about. And also because of its existence, if you can back up to get out of that three power range to stop your opponent from drawing this card later, that's a play you can make for sure. Um, but I gave it a C because you can kind of overload on some of these effects where they don't answer what you really need to answer. And a lot of the other black removal is better at answering like anything. Um, but it's, again, a good card. You're happy to have these in your deck. Yeah, just to put it in context, 115 of the creatures out of 166 have power three or less, which is quite a lot. I mean, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. Uh, so that's it's probably more C plus than. Um, like I, I, that's why I, that's why I put it because I I mean I I I checked the stats. Obviously there is some caveats, you know. There's pump. There's some cards that transform into bigger power. And uh, but for example, you you destroy this alabaster host intercessor, the white samurai that is a three four and uh, keeps your yeah, creature under. Yeah, that's huge. That's that's a big gain. And we've seen a bunch of uh, a bunch of three fours uh, in the set. So yeah, that's why I, that's why I put it slightly higher. But I like that. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty close in any way. I never remember this card being good, that good beforehand, but maybe now it's it's time. Tenured oil caster, three and a black, Phyrexian wizard, two four, dice to a previous card. Importantly, unless sometimes unless it has menace and it gets plus three plus zero as long as an opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard. Whenever it attacks or blocks, each player mills a card. You gave it a C minus. I gave it a C. I think there is some upside if you have a dedicated deck, and I think you're going to put it in the dedicated deck. That's why I gave it a plus. Uh, menace is also decent. Five power menace is pretty good. I think that people are going to try to put it in decks that are going to be more likely than not to get to eight cards in the graveyard with the opponent because there's plenty of tools that will allow you to do so. That's why I gave it a C. Yeah, and I was a little lower because it kind of reminds me of the creature from one, the two four menace. And it's like, what do you do when you have the right deck? Uh, that one had, you know, uh, Toxic. This one eventually gets bigger. But both of them, it's kind of like they need the scenarios to go right. And in the meantime, it's a 2-4. So it's like understated when it does come down. And yes, this fuels itself. But the milling itself is kind of slow. So maybe in blue-black, it will have a home. I don't know if it'll quite get there. But, you know, give it C-minus potentially. Because otherwise, it, it looks even worse than that to me. But I'm... I'm trusting Mr. Humphreys, our set designer on this one, that it's playable. Yeah, I mean, uh, they design cards that are unplayable on purpose as well. So, I mean, who knows? Because there has to be some unplayables. I mean, at least less playable cards. Mm -hmm. I think that the difference between the 2-4 with Menace from the previous set was that it was always the 2-power and it was not so great on blocks. And this one, mm -hmm. when it gets big, it's also a really, really good blocker. It yeah, rem yeah. reminds me more of the Artifact Synergy guy, uh, uh, the 2-4 with Vigilance from from the same set. And that was not a great card. But again, oh, yeah, that card sucked too. But <laughs> that was a D+. Yeah, plus. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Probably it's going to be closer to C- actually when I think about it because uh, the fact that it has to jump through hoops to get a decent stat line is, is always... But it has cool stuff. art, so, you know, half a grade right but, but lots of things have cool art now. I think we live in a very good time for magic art. They move it out from this computer-generated pictures, and they put a bit more uh, individual-style uh, drawings, and that's uh, that's great. All right. Uh, next, we have Etched Host Doombringer. Four and a black for a 3-5 Phyrexian Demon common. Three power, so dies to vanquish the weak. Um, but it enters the battlefield. Choose one. 
target opponent loses two life and you gain two life or choose target battle if an opponent protects it remove three defense counters from it otherwise put three defense counters on it uh again this kind of fits in that theme of drain 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 the three five body is a little more defensively oriented so if we're thinking of the draining as more defensively oriented and that's what you want to do then this does work it is kind of cool also the if you don't have a way to get through to kill a battle this helps although it alone usually is not going to be enough so you know if you got a couple damage in then your opponent makes this so you can't attack the battle and then this comes down that that is pretty cool i don't see it protecting a battle all that often although again if your opponent got some damage in on your battle and then you know you are able to put some counters back on the one that you're protecting and then the three five you know keeps it safe this this card does a lot of little things pretty nicely and um five and a three five is surprisingly good stats a lot of times because it's hard to attack through it so all in all you know it does a bunch of small things pretty well and it's kind of a brick wall um but i i think also it's never amazing at any one thing because it's sort of defensive but also the drain might be offensive so i give it c minus just because it doesn't exactly know what it's trying to do but it's never going to be a bad card so i gave it a c um i agree with everything you said uh however i think that this body is a perfect body for all those enchantments that give Phyrexians bonuses. So if you have the four mana thing, it becomes a four six, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. There are some things that give it vigilance, and and I think that playing in the decks like that, um, big body with drain or killing a battle, I think that it's going to be just enough to be a C, uh, like a top end card for those kind of decks. Yeah, much I like better that take. Than, much better than some of the transform cards that you have to pump mana into. Yeah, good call. Again, I was doubling in the chat and no, okay, there we are. Did I skip anything? Just yeah, no, okay. Uh Gloomfang Moller, five black black, creature nightmare. It's a five-five. It's swamp cycling two, and it has backup two and menace. So um when it enters the battlefield, it either becomes a seven-seven menace or it becomes a five-five menace that gives something plus two plus two permanently and gives menace until end of turn. You gave it a C, I gave it a C plus. Um, I gave it a C plus mainly because I know it's a seven mana spell, but it's also um, a way of uh, uh, utilizing it earlier by Swamp Cycling, uh, which means that you can play a couple of copies of that as a big top end, and then you can use the other ones to uh, build into um, the Swamp Cycling. Also, Possibly worth noting, there is some ways of reanimation in this set, so you can cycle it, get a swamp, and 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 later reanimate this as a creature. Yeah, that would so be C nice. plus for me, for sure. Um, pretty much the same thing you said, but I gave it a C because it costs seven. <laughs> so if I don't always want to use the swamp cycling, uh, then it's like when you have four lands and you're like. Do I want another swamp or do I want to really try to hold off? It, it just has some tension because it's uh, you're going to get the halfway point a lot where you're like, I don't really know if I want to land here or wait to try to get to my seven drop. There's no really way to get it cheaper. Like a lot of the expensive cards in this format have like Convoke or you're able to do something with it that's a little bit easier. Now, the card itself is a giant beating, but I just think you're not going to cast it all that often. So C for me. Mm, possibly. All right, Corrupted Conviction is next. Uh, single black mana for an instant. Uh, common as an additional cost to sack the spell, sack a creature, draw two cards. Now, notably, you can't sack an artifact. 
Um, but if you have a lot of a lot of like small ball creatures, you're happy to sacrifice. This can be a nice little piece of the puzzle for your whole deck. But um, I just don't think you really want to sacrifice your board that much for such a like such little gain. Like I want to get a lot if I'm going to be sacrificing a creature, and that's why I gave it a D plus. I'm not. I don't. I don't think this is going to be a great one. I gave it a C. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> well, I do like my village rights. Um, this is basically a functional reprint of village. It's rights, the right? same card, yeah. Yeah. Why did they have to change the name? People get used to things. Um, I don't know. You say small, small upside. Draw two cards. The best ability in Magic's history, I think. Except for draw three cards, maybe. Um, I think that there is just enough of those cards that have something that do something when you sacrifice. And I think that um, black has enough of those meaningless uh, uh, bodies in the late game that you can do that. Um, C is maybe a stretch. Maybe it's a C minus. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I, I admit that both white, black and black, red are, are happy to sacrifice things here and there. I just don't know if this is the one, the piece that you want. Mm. Yeah, but maybe. it might be. You might be. You might be right. We'll see. I think that it might also be the victim of our system where people are going to play it in decks that they have no business of playing them. And, and oh, that's that definitely true. Lower the win rate than you're going uh, to. Yes, I'm already right. correct. Even if I'm not, <laughs> I'm technically correct, even if not the other way. Technically correct, best correct. I think this one's you. Oh, this one's me. Bladed Battle Fan. One and a black for an artifact equipment. It has flash. When Bladed Battlefan enters the battlefield, attach it to target creature you control. That creature gains indestructible until end of turn. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus O, oh, and it has equip of one. Uh, you gave it a C plus, I gave it a C minus. I think it's a solid trick. I Two mana is probably at the limits of what I want to pay for the indestructible trick. But the fact that it leaves behind a piece of cardboard, a piece of cardboard that has cheap equip cost, and a piece of cardboard that is offensively statted, I think it's just enough. I gave it a C minus. You gave it a C plus. I'm willing to meet you halfway and give it a C. I think the card is pretty good. Obviously, yeah, the instructability only happens on the turn you cast it. Otherwise, it would have been absolutely busted, and uh, 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 no one would want to play against that. But um, but I think it's solid. Yeah, I, I'm going to stick with my C plus only because I think it's not that hard to find a way to get a card's worth of value when it comes into play. Because if it only gave the indestructible, or you're only kind of getting like the the plus one plus zero effect, neither of those is really enough. But the combination means you're going to win the combat a lot of times. And then the fact that you get the equip one that is so cheap. Like if this was an equip two equipment, I I don't really care about it. It just doesn't matter enough. But it's enough, easy enough to like move it around to be annoying. That it's going to be fantastic. There's a lot of vigilance creatures as well, although obviously not really in black. Um, but also we've seen a few of the cards that have like kind of low power, high toughness, and this card also works pretty well there later on to kind of buff them up. So I think it's going to like work in different spots, and your opponent is just going to be like, ah, they have the stupid battle fan, and it's going to get them sometimes. And if it really does suck, it's an artifact that you can sacrifice to a lot of those uh, strategies as well. So all that C plus for me. The, what Pretty would you hyped. play rather, this or the new feat of resistance? Um, I mean, I definitely the feat of resistance. I think it's a overall better card because you don't get to move it around, but it's it's locked in place and you get it. But uh, I think this in a way kind of gives that extra cardboard as well because you're getting the equipment itself so it, they're very 
they're very similar cards, but also playing very different space. Yeah, no, that fair, fair, fair. I mean, but I also that, gave yeah. Vanquish the Week a C, and this is C plus, so that's a little insane. <laughs> uh, Vanquish the Week is definitely better. We evaluate cards; you don't expect consistency on everything. If you have to grade three hundred cards in 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 a matter of a couple of days, you can't triple check it if you exactly lined up all the cards in the same order. That's that's something that we have to live with, unfortunately. <laughs> Okay, Nazumi Informant is next. And now we really can start yelling at each other because we disagree. Now, uh, one in a black for a 1-1 one, one rat rogue at common. Um, and when it enters the battlefield, each opponent discards a card. So the, like, 10th version of this card, basically, we've seen. It's funny because it's a Kamigawa card, and they didn't make it corrupt court official. Um, but anyways, that being aside... Uh... Wait, viral... Oh, no, no, so that, yeah, that was a different beating. set anyways. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Okay. See, I'm losing it here. Uh, I, I just think this card's always, like, pretty decent. Um... It's a small creature that gives a little bit of value that you can sacrifice. Maybe if you pair it with a different color, you can convoke some things. There's some convoke rares in black. Um, and so it's just going to do a lot of... Uh, it's just going to do enough. And it's going to be annoying. So that's a C. I, I just think that it doesn't do enough. And that's why I gave it a D. I, 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 I get all the argument. I just don't see the situations in this format when this card is like do like think but when you okay so like, if you see I'm this and it. the uh corrupted conviction the village rights so you're gonna take the you're gonna take the village rights over this card because um, you have nothing to sacrifice who said i have nothing to sacrifice i mean I, I will have one less one one to sacrifice that's true i don't know i mean maybe Maybe I could bump it to D plus, but I don't think I'll go much further than that. Um, okay. It's just mainly I don't see that like big benefit of discarding um, uh, the card because either I'm going to play with the decks that are going to be empty-handed quite quickly, or I'm going to play with the decks that are going to be full-handed all the time. That's yeah, like how I, I think how that's I true. Imagine this format. Yeah, that's kind of true. I think you're right. That against the empty-handed decks, the one-one body is not very good because they're trying to kill you, and against the grindy decks they're going to just discard their worst card. But I think if you only look at the creature for those purposes, it's bad. But if you're using it for greater means beyond that, AKA sacrificing mm -hmm. it or doing something with it, that's when you get the value off of it. But uh, maybe. yeah, maybe, maybe. And we, we're going to see, we're going to see that. Okay. We got to move on. <laughs> we have to, we have to disagree on some cards. Absolutely. How about render inert two and a black, Sorcery, remove up to five counters from target permanent, draw a card. I gave it a C plus, you gave it a D plus. I gave it a C plus because I think that it's a good way of uh, dealing with several things. Like A, you have it in your deck to deal with um, incubator creatures because you remove all the counters from them. B, you have some battles of your own and you want to one shot them to zero and transform them. And I think that you will play it when you have battles because why would you put this in your deck just to deal with the plus, plus one, plus one counter creatures that you're not guaranteed to see? Um, it draws a card, which is a good ability. Flipping battles is worth something for me and it's worth three mana without sacrificing a card because you draw another card out of it. And that's why I give it a C plus. Yeah, I like that. I think if you have three battles in your deck, it is going to be basically a C plus because you don't have to attack those battles when you have this card. It's just going to flip them and it replaces itself and you get the battle value. So that's going to be really sweet. Um, I don't know how often that's going to be the case. We get that many battles, but maybe there are a lot of them. Uh, I also hadn't really considered the fact that you get to kill the incubator things and draw cards. So that's pretty strong, though. 
a lot of them are mostly like two twos so i don't really think that's that great but if you get like the three three and four four ones with this like that's worth a whole card and you you cycled it's better than a d plus so um i can go up to c minus in general but you do need to pick the battles obviously Fair. but i want to do that anyways they're sweet no you have average free per player on the pot so you know, okay so just you get got, the you, average you, amount yeah yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, and then and then you can start taking render and I'm not saying you should prioritize the card, that's why I didn't put it in the B range. But I say if you have battles already, that should go, I think, late enough that you might be able to pick it. And that's a good thing to have uh, as an option. Speaking of battles, here we got one. It's Invasion of Eldraine, three and a black for a four defense battle at uncommon. When it enters the battlefield, target opponent discards two cards. On the backside, you get the Prickle Fairies, which is a 2-2 fairy with flying, and at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, if they have two or fewer cards in hand, Prickle Fairies deals two damage to them. Um, so, Mind Drop, but for one more mana, not great. Um, and also doesn't help you flip it at all. Uh, but it does turn into a 2-2 flyer eventually. And I, I think this is like a lot worse version than some of the battles where like it is just card advantage and eventually does something. But I do think it is annoying and the backside is going to deal some extra damage because your opponent probably will have very few cards in hand by the time it flips. But again, it doesn't. You, it's very hard to flip this card because the front side has nothing to do with that at all. So I'm probably a little high on it, even at C. But we've given really good grades to battles so far. And this is about as low as I think we've been on them so far. You were thinking D. And yeah, I could see it being that bad. Like this is pretty uh -huh. bad. I mean, you're the Windrake hater, not me. <laughs> well, <laughs> this is the Windrake that comes with... Look, I don't hate my opponent discarding some cards, but... Yeah, I think Windrake... that's just like slightly too expensive on the front side uh, for mm -hmm. me. I think it's going to be solid and sealed. Mm -hmm. Oh, it'll be an actually good card and sealed. Yeah. Um, I think that the problem with the Prickle Fairies is that if the two damage becomes annoying, opponent has ways of doing that and just by keeping the cards. Mm-hmm. For some time and slowing down your clock by a lot um if that becomes a big problem i think that the fact that this is not something that will happen every turn um necessarily is again a problem yeah and it's a problem also because it's in black which i think is pretty bad at attacking battles because the creatures are pretty small and they care more about like other grindy type things so the battles are just gonna be worse anyways and then on top yeah. of it it's hard to flip so yeah, yeah how I many sets in a row how many sets in a row do we have that black has a creature problem nowadays like they have really good removals, and then this removal is not backed by anything that can actually start swinging. True, true. I mean, that's why I was maybe the high on the three five because the three five at least it looks like it has some sort of a body. Again, yeah. not a very aggressively started, but somebody. Anyway, tangent again. A traumatic revelation, one in a black sorcery. Target opponent reveals their hand. You may choose a creature or battle card from it. If you do, that player discards that card. If you don't, incubate three. Again, third spell with discard on it that you're much higher on than I am. Uh, you gave it a C, I gave it a D minus. I know that the incubate three part is supposed to be a uh, fail safe of the discard spell. I think that I don't know if in this format you want to play it on turn two because you want to have some board presence. Um, and this won't give it to you if you choose to discard something. Um, and I don't know if you want to play it on turn five uh, because maybe there won't be anything to choose from at that stage. And again, the failsafe is a hill giant. 
Yeah, the fail fail saving a hill giant is not good, but it's at least better than a lot of the fail states it, it, yeah, on these it, cards. It, 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 yeah, like a hill giant's a real card. Um, but I just think there people are gonna have a lot of creatures and battles, and I think information is particularly powerful when you have a lot of things dependent on setting up board states. I agree, you probably don't want to play this on turn two, though, if you uh didn't have a different two drop, it's still not bad because you can disrupt your opponent's curve pretty nicely. But kind of knowing like what battles maybe they're trying to set up or what combat tricks they happen to have can be pretty impactful. And like there's a lot of things that change the board state rapidly. So if you know something like that, like if they have a backup creature and you think you're safe on board, but you happen to know they have that backup creature, so you have to play differently, like it's really going to inform your decisions more than it would in some average limited set where you just keep attacking each other. And, and I think that has a lot of power compared to your average set. Um, and then I think it's just a decent rate. I think uh, two mana to take like their card. Like I was really high on Pilfer in um, Dominar United and that could take any card. But like I thought that card was like actively great um, for two mana discard. I know what your hand is. I can sculpt my game plan around it. And while yeah. this card's not as good as that, it's not really that far off. So I think I think this is going to be actually kind of like a sleeper hit. I was not like I I like Toll of Invasion because that had impact on the board instantly. I like Gix's Caress because it had impact on the board apart from uh, doing the discard. I don't know. I don't. I, just, I somehow don't see it. Maybe D minus is maybe too much. I, I think also it just depends on like what are the other options because if let's say this card everyone thinks is bad. Um, what's nice about it is if you can deprioritize having to pick like the good two drops. And you just pick up a couple of these, maybe like two of these in your deck, then it's something you can do on turn two, but then you have really, really good threes, fours, and fives or whatever, because you prioritize those. That could be also some power behind it too. Cause I think it's serviceable. Obviously, I'd rather have a busted card, but you can't you have to take draft picks for different things. If you don't have busted cards, at least you can take away busted cards from your opponent. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Unless it's an instant or sorcery. <laughs> All right. Um, Glistening Deluge is next. One black black for a uh, sorcery on common. It says all creatures get minus one, minus one until in turn. Creatures that are green and or white get an additional minus two, minus two until in the turn. So I was sort of saying it's sort of like a sideboard grade here. That's why I put the star because I was chickening out a little bit. But I do think uh, this card is main deckable as long as you don't have much things that die to it because there are some small ball things. But if your opponent's playing white or green, giving their creatures minus three, minus three, as long as you're playing blue, black, or blue, red, um, can be quite nice because uh, it can kind of be a one-sided sweeper. Minus three, minus three is just a, a lot. So I wouldn't hate playing this main deck if, as long as I wasn't playing white or green in my black deck. Um, and I think we, I'm probably going to be wrong on the B because if we're thinking about, you know, over the course of the game, people are going to play it where they shouldn't. So there's no way it's ever going to be at the B level. But I think it can perform at that level. It's kind of why I wrote it here. And you, you were thinking, you know, it's going to perform at the D level overall. Well, I mean, I I, I didn't know what to give this because it's a sideboard card. I, mm -hmm. I we, we didn't agree if we were giving sideboard grades or not. So I just decided. I didn't. I cheated one time, I think. Uh, yeah, no, just, just that once. I know. Um, uh, and I don't hold it against you because this is a very hard card to evaluate. I just thought I gave it a D just as a warning that this card, even if you're playing black, early, you shouldn't probably speculate on too hard because you might have green or white open and all of a sudden what what are you going to do with it and uh, and then you might target some of the opponent's cards but you know green creatures can be slightly bigger than the three and then uh, yeah it's awkward 
<laughs> it, it, it has issues. So yeah, I gave it a D. I, I probably will avoid it in best of one, but I will be very, very interested in best of Yeah, three. yeah. I, I think I'm probably too high on it. In this part, we're going to talk about red cards. And we're going to start with the cards that we agree about the most. We're looking at commons and uncommons in this part. Uh, we're going to talk first about cards that we agree on in terms of our grading. And as we progress, we're going to get more and more argumentative and uh, end up with a probably fight because it's red. So we're going to be very much infuriated. Uh, the first card we're going to talk about it is coming in hot. Red for an instant. Target creature gets plus one plus O and gains first strike until end of turn. Then you scry one. We both gave this card a D because we both think that this card is a D. <laughs> I think it's... Uh, Cheap, but the impact is just not enough. It will be good in some situations, but pretty often it's going to be dead as well. Uh, adding Scry to that effect uh, doesn't make it, I think, better enough to warrant uh, main decking it all the time. You will play it sometimes, but you probably want to uh, avoid it. Agreed. Next, we have Peretic Prinkster, one in red for a 2-1 Devil. Pay three in a fraction black to turn it into... Something else, of course, only as a sorcery. What is it? Something else? It's Glistening Gormonger. That's a 3 2 Phyrexian Devil. When it dies, each opponent sacrifices an artifact or a creature. So that is pretty, pretty nice because uh, basically it can be a two for one basically every time, as long as it trades for something. Um, of course, it is a lot of mana to be able to just get a 3 2. And so we thought, well, you know, this could be a two for one. It is pretty nice, but if. If the 3-2 body is not that good and the 2-1 on the front is not that good, then all in all, it just be, ends up being a C. I said it was a C. So if it's you said it was a C, because we think it's a C. Correct. Again, flawless reasoning, as the chat uh, noticed. Uh, let's move to the next card, which is Thrashing Frontliner. One in red, Phyrexian Vyashino. It's a 2-2 with Trample, and whenever it attacks a battle, it gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. Uh, we both gave it a C. Um, obviously, you want to put it in a deck that has multiple battles because it gets the bonuses when it attacks battles. But if it doesn't attack battle, it's still a 2-2 with Trample. Uh, trample is relevant if you have some kind of combat tricks or permanent boost uh, effects, uh, I guess. It's just short of being really good. It's just solid. Yeah, definitely. Good with backup. All right, uh, our next one, Invasion of Ragatha. Two and a red for a five defense siege at Uncommon. When it enters the battlefield, it deals four damage to another target battle or opponent and one damage to up to one target creature. Kind of a weird one there. Um, but if you can break through the defenses, you get Disciples of the Inferno, a 4-4 prowess human monk. And if a non-creature source you control would deal damage to a creature, battle, or opponent, it deals that much damage plus two instead. So the one thing that's really weird about this card is that dealing the one damage to one target creature on the front side means oftentimes it's going to be used to pick off a creature post-combat, but then it's a battle that's coming down post-combat. So that's a weird play pattern. But sometimes you're going to clear the way of uh, an X1 and then be able to attack and flip this. So it kind of can play both ways. And four damage to an opponent is a lot, or four damage to another battle is a lot. So this card just pulls its weight in different ways, at least interesting game. Uh, play patterns and it's only three mana and if you can flip it into the four four on the back which has this game warping effect means we think this card is a c plus for all those reasons yeah i agree again it's a red battle and uh, red has a lot of creatures that are good at attacking battles so i think that i will value battles as slightly higher if they're in either red or green that's 
part of the evaluation for me. Now we have Searing Bar, two in red for a sorcery. Searing Bar deals two damage to any target. If it's a creature, it can't block this turn. Incubate one. Um, three mana dealing two damage is not good. The Incubate token is sweetening the deal ever so slightly. Um, and the fact that you can eliminate a creature from combat this turn is also sweetening the deal ever so slightly. But and the fact that it can go face in the late game is also sweetening the deal ever so slightly. And this is what pushed this card from a D plus to a C minus for me. Those little small um, extra values. Uh, it can target a battle and kill it if you bring it down to enough, which is also useful in this format. But generally, I'm not super high on this card because I think Incubate One will be only relevant in uh, decks that want to sacrifice this before flipping it into a creature, basically. Yeah, 100%. Agree with literally everything there. Okay, good. We can move further then. Oh, I like this next one. We got a scrappy bruiser uh, right out of the MCU. It's a giant raccoon thing going on here. Um, okay, three and a red for a three, four raccoon warrior at uncommon. When it attacks, up to one target attacking creature gets plus two, plus zero, and gains trample until end of turn. Then return that creature to its owner's hand and into combat. So four mana, three, four, don't love that alone, but the ability is pretty strong when it attacks. You don't have to do that ability, but giving something plus two, plus zero, and trample means you're much better at attacking battles, for example. We talked about that as being a strength in red. And if we can do something kind of cute where you're getting something small back that has some nice enter the battlefield effects, Scrappy Bruiser can do that as well. Um, so it just does a lot of little things nicely when it attacks to apply pressure to your opponent. So we said, hey, that's pretty cool. Let's give this card a C plus. And that's what it got. The next card is Furnace Host Charger. Five and a red for a Phyrexian Giant. It is 5-5 five five with haste, and it has Mountain Cycling too. We both gave it a C because that's how it looks like, a solid card that has um, good stats. Uh, it's slightly overpriced, but uh, the price is mitigated by the fact that it can find lands. Um, C means the card is good, but not great, and that's how I uh, rated it. Agreed. Then we have Shadow the Source, five and a red for an instant at common. It has Convoke, and you can choose one to deal six damage to target creature, planeswalker, or battle, or destroy target artifact. We were thinking, you know, um, a lot of the removal, some of the bigger things, it's hard to deal with. So this card, you know, as a one or maybe two of uh, to deal with some of the bigger things is a nice insurance policy. And these instant speed Convoke creature or Convoke spells is nice, where you know you have a couple things sitting around. Your opponent passes the turn, uh, things are looking okay, and now you have the time to clear the board up a bit or mess with their big creature that they deployed or whatever. So for all those reasons, we gave this a C. Correct. Um, I think yeah, that it's one of the few uh, ways of red-green dealing with bigger things uh, because the six mana is... And instant speed on Convoke is, again, something that bumps it up. Oh, no, I can't hear you. Oh, you might just be muted. So next card is Aki's Scrap Chomper, and this is the first one when we have slight disagreements. It seems to me that in red we have a bit more disagreements than in other colors. 
uh, for some reason. Yeah, because it's very combative as a color. I think, yeah, it's very antagonistic. But also, I think that those disagreements are mainly by half a grade, which means that they're not really disagreements, are they? Right. Um, Aki Scrap Jumper, red for if I Rex and Goblin. It's a 1-1. One, one. Uh, one in red, tap, sacrifice, artifact, or land, draw a card. Uh, you give it a D plus, I give it a D. I think that it's something that you will reluctantly play, mainly because the body is not relevant enough. I think that the ability is good, but I would like that ability again on something maybe slightly bigger. Yeah, I mostly agree, but also it's basically Llanowar else because of Convoke. <laughs> uh, now that's aggressive, but uh, that's the only reason I have D plus. And then late game, you know, you can get rid of the lands you don't need anymore because you're convoking everything out anyways. Um, also, randomly, you can sacrifice those artifacts in red black if you have incubate one tokens or something sitting around. But I agree, the card's not great. Okay. Then we have Beamtown Beatstick. That's a cool one. Probably should be a B just because Beamtown Beatstick B, but it's not. Uh, it's a single red mana for an artifact equipment at common. And it's equipped to what do you get? You get equipped creature gets plus one plus one and menace. And when it deals combat damage to a player or battle, create a treasure token. So a pretty cheap way to get uh, a boost and then probably getting some treasure on the cheap. I was thinking, hey, this is a C because uh, I was thinking makes it pretty hard to block. And then those treasures are going to basically pay for itself most of the time. Um, but it is not a lot of stats for how much you're paying, like three mana investment for the first equip is a lot. Um, and so you're thinking C minus on that. I just think here uh, you're basically kind of only paying two because you're kind of not going to play this until you can get a clean hit in with it. And the menace is pretty nice for attacking players and battles. That's mostly my thinking. Yeah, no, I agree with those. I just gave it a slightly lower grade, but uh, under the same rationale, which is, you know, two people grading the card, it's always going to be a slight difference on how we understand the grades, even among ourselves. Um, I like the fact that it has manners because it does remind me a lot about the gold pick vein, mm -hmm. uh, gold vein pick uh, from Kalheim. Uh, and that one really suffered for lack of uh, any evasion on it. This one fixed it um, with the slight changes on the cost. But um, yeah, um, the equip cost is a bit too high for me. But gold, gold vein pick basically paid for itself while this one doesn't. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, next one, we have Burning Sun's Fury. Uh, it's one in a red instant with Convoke. Uh, up to two target creatures, each get plus two plus O oh, and gain haste until end of turn. You gave it a D plus, I gave it a D. I think that this is the card where Convoke matters quite little because I either want to play it before attack and I don't want to tap my creatures before attack, or I want to play it during combat and then usually my creatures are tapped. And if I didn't attack with something, it looks a bit dodgy. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think two mana for four power is actually quite useful. And maybe if you have like big creatures at the top end, you might want to play the Convoke and, and, and haste out your big thing. But in general, I just don't think that this is enough to be a reliably main deckable card. I think it's more like occasionally you want to play it. Yeah, I think that's true. But the picture has a bunch of dinosaurs on it. So I think if you put it in like a red green deck with dinosaurs, then, you know, like you're saying, you play your seven drop or whatever stupid thing. And then you tap two of your other things to give it, you know, plus to plus one haste. And maybe that's good enough. But... I don't know. I, I don't really care whether this is a D minus D or D plus. It's just you'll know if you want to play it. And most of the time it's yeah, not going to make the cut. 
I think that there might be better tricks. I don't know if in Reddit actually, but I think yeah, I don't think of it as a trick. I think of it as kind of like um, it's like a trick split card, but mostly like if I can't use the convocability to give something haste, which I, I admit is awkward tension on the card, then I don't want to play it. But I do think there are spots where you can use a couple of the creatures that aren't getting through anyways to haste one big thing out and then maybe something with a good ability and that actually makes it worth the card. But that seems unlikely, I guess. Yeah, it would be interesting to see how it plays out because I can also see scenarios when you attack a battle with a bunch of creatures, they block it so that the battle survives and then you play this one and then like you trade and then, yeah, and then yeah, make yeah. the battle die. Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. I don't know if it's mine, but uh, okay. Kenra Spell Spear, uh, one and a red for a 2 2 creature, Jekyll Warrior, uncommon as trample and prowess. Three and a fraction blue to transform it as a sorcery. And on the back, you get Gitaxian Spell Stalker, which is a 3 3 trample, war two, prowess, prowess. Uh, this one, I saw there's some cards where I'm happy to just flip them right away. I think this one I'm a little less happy because uh, you're going from basically a 2 2 to a 3 3. Uh, on turn three and that's a lot of mana to not be getting that much of a boost however once you have the creature as the three three trample war two prowess prowess on the back you can really really like you know deal a ton of damage on the following turn so that part's kind of cool and the war two means it's hard to mess with but i think also common play pattern is you just kind of keep it as a two two for a little while and it's going to get the prowess anyways and then eventually you have an opening uh, and you transform it, and along with everything else, it's just going to be a good card. I just didn't think it was quite in the B territory because I think not wanting to flip it right away is is kind of a disincentive on the card itself. Uh, but I I will admit, like you're always going to be happy with this card. So I gave it a C plus. Uh, you're thinking maybe it's a little better than B minus. Maybe I'm missing something. Yeah, I, I think that this is the I I, I want to uh, flip it as soon as I want as I can and then start jamming spells and then basically trample on it is amazing. Um in your scenario that you're talking about to keep it a bit late for later, I this is the card that I really feel that the sorcery speed transformation is uh, is it's it's hurting it the most because this is the kind of card that I would like to be able to flip on instant speed. Um but yeah, I mean, I think that this can push quite a lot of damage on turn four if you flip it uh, and you have a couple of spells that you can cast next turn. You know, maybe you can play the thing that makes two one ones and then some combat trick in combat, and all of a sudden it becomes like a seven seven uh, because you cast two spells. Yeah, on your and, it, and it is like basically impossible to interact with early because of the war two. So yeah. it does protect yeah. itself when you flip it. So as long as your opponent's tapped out, like they can't really deal with the fact that you spend a bunch of mana. So Maybe it's better than getting credit for because I could see like turn four, you play a battle and another spell, like your battle's gonna flip immediately because you have a seven seven. So I mean yeah. it does have quite a bit of upside. Maybe, maybe it is a know, minus. Even this thing that puts something on top of the library second from the top, um, that kind of spell is good because it slows them down. You get a five and you five. Hit for five, yeah. And that, you can play nice. this kind of like unstoppable tempo kind of deck. Okay, anyway. okay yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe be minus. I can I can join you there. You got one. Ryle's Reinforcements. One in a red, sorcery, create two, one, one, blue and red elemental creature tokens. I gave it a C, you gave it a C minus. I think that this card is quite pivotal for a couple of archetypes. It provides you with two creatures for the sacrifice theme decks, and provides you with two mana for the convoke decks. And yeah, you're right. That's probably a C. That's, that's enough for me for a C, yeah. Okay. It's sort of gluey kind of card. Sure. 
All right, then we have Trio Blazing Historian, one in a red for a 1-3 Human Shaman. Common, it has haste. You can tap it to give another target creature haste until end of turn. I gave this a D plus, you give a C minus. I really want my like haste givers to be meaningless creatures when I'm going to tap them. Like I like the one mana one ones that do this. For two mana, like yes, it's a 1-3, but I'm really using it to try to haste out the rest of the things and it's just I'm overpaying for the effect on this card. And I think, you know, one three body for two is fine with this, but it wants to be like aggressive. And I just don't really know what's going on with this card. I, I'd probably just rather have something else rather than hasting everything out. Yeah, I'd, I would like it for one mana more, but I still gave it a C minus because I think that some of the some of the red decks that want to have those haste effects are going to be OK with this. Yeah, possibly. I- yeah, that's definitely possibly true. I think also it's a little bit awkward with like battles being in the set because usually you'll, you'll have your creatures in play already and then you play a battle. So like, what are you even hasting to attack it? But maybe you could engineer scenarios where that's good. Maybe you can play a battle and then you can haste another creature next. Yeah, time. maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And while uh, while you're doing that, the one three keeps the fort uh, as a small break. Um, again, I don't think that the great difference here is meaningful uh, in general. I think that we sort of think similar things about the cards. Yeah, I mean, I'm still probably going to put this in some random decks that really want the haste. Yeah, maybe, maybe the, the, the the result will be I might, I might put it slightly more often in my aggro decks. Mm-hmm. Here we also have a disagreement. Your 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 card, I think. Is it, or is it mine? I think it's Vol- yours, but... Volcanic Spite. One in a red instant. Volcanic Spite deals three damage to target creature, planeswalker, or battle. You may put a card from your hand on the bottom of your library if you do draw a card. I give it a B minus, you give it a B, which means we disagree slightly about how awesome this card is. Uh, I think it's slightly less awesome, but still awesome. You think it's extremely awesome and among the best commons printed in the last two years. Yeah, and- I think this is the best common in the set. Um, so, you know, putting my stamp on it. But I think, you know, uh, two dam- two mana deal threes have just been historically good. This one's an instant, which gives it a bonus. And it smooths your hand at the same time. I mean, I don't know what more you could want. But more you can want is that also can kill battles, which it can. It's it's a great card. I mean, you're going to pick it probably from most of the packs that you will see it in. Yeah, I think it's better than the two black black kill anything treasure maker. So, yeah, maybe. And that card's maybe. busted. That's the only difference. I mean, whatever. The card's busted at B or B minus. Let's move on. <laughs> um, Ren's Resolve is one in a red for a sorcery. At common, exile the top two cards of your library. Until the end of your next turn, you may play those cards. So notably, that templating, we're seeing that more and more. You get the whole extra turn cycle, which is nice because you don't uh, lose it right away. Um, I just think there's a lot of ways to get card advantage in this set. Trying to play this card where... You get the temporary card advantage. You have to use them right away, and you have to invest up front with it. And the set doesn't really care about, um, you know, sorceries and instants outside of maybe the prowess creature we saw. Maybe it's a very, very niche home for this card. But for the most part, I would just rather put like basically any other card in my deck. Um, and so I might even be a little high on it at D plus. I think maybe it's a little lower. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really want to play this card that much. But you think maybe you do. I think I think I do want to play it in blue, uh, red. Uh, it has some synergies. I think it's going to be fine as a turn five play with if you have the 
two two vigilant knight that can tap for making another knight if you double spelled. Mm-hmm. Um, couple of those kind of cards I I, I find uh, attractive. I think that there might be like red red black versions of the decks that are quite low mana value things in them, and you want to do it to just generate more cardboard on the board for your sacrifice fodder. Okay. So I mean, a couple of small things I, that that put me to C minus on this. Also, I love getting more cards. Yeah, so cards are great. That, maybe that's maybe that's 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 my, that's my flaw there. Uh, but I yeah, just I mean, feel like they give us this effect stapled to like creatures and stuff so often that I feel like trying to it's like literally it's practically tormenting voice right. But then you have like to get true value, you need like to ca- to use both those cards. Now if a lot of time you'll hit a land and a spell and that's nice. And if you do that, it's wonderful, but it's just hard to find the spots where you really want to do that until you're in like yeah, late, you, you want late to, game. Yeah. It's your, like your last card, right? And then it's yeah, you want, you want to be lower on the, on the mana curve. And, and, mm-hmm. and uh, that's definitely the case for that card. You don't want to play it into some red green deck that has like a bunch of five drops, for example. Hanger Scrounger, two and a red dwarf pilot, two, one, but it has backup one. So, uh, uh, it can be a 3-2 if you choose so. Uh, whenever this creature becomes tapped, you may discard a card if you do draw a card. So that's basically the this set's version of the Axiom Engraver, uh, or the Mutt, I guess. Uh, you play it, you put a plus one, plus one counter on something, attack with it, discard the land that you had in your hand uh, that you don't need anymore, and draw a card, and then... Later in the game, you can attack this with this as a 2-1, and then again, you get the ramage effect uh, whenever you choose to. Possibly throwing away Hanger Scrounger, which was very much the case with uh, Scrapwork Mutt a lot of the time. So I th- I see it as a sort of like a weird version of Scrapwork Mutt. That can actually leave a plus one, plus one counter on something. Yeah, I think That's we're right. in the same area. Like, I like the backup part of the card. I think backup is just great, but I think it just leaves behind a card that is so kind of underpowered anyways or like if they have just even a one three then yes you make this a three two but they just play like a two two and it's just like this card is just not that like the stats just don't i think line up that well the effect is fine but as far as backup cards go i'm pretty low on it i think i'm just not that interested in it i mean how often did you attack with the scrap work mutt just because you had mana to um unearth it and then you wanted to yeah but it was a two drop right yeah that's true like if this card was like a one and but a red it was one, a two one. Drop that, but you needed to invest the second one uh another two mana so to get two ramage effects you needed to pay four mana and you got uh two two ones well in this one you pay three mana up front and you get the first effect by making your other creature better and hopefully opening possibilities for attacking and then you're left with that body. And, you know, you can keep that body for something. Again, people in the chat say convoke or something. And then once you get to the situation when you think, okay, I have this land. I don't want to do anything with it. I don't need that 2-1 body anymore. I'm just going to attack, throw the land away, and change it for a real card, hopefully. And uh, that's I it. do agree in blue-red if you have, like, enough convoke stuff because this doesn't have to attack and the 2-1 body's bad. Now we're, we're that that's actually good enough. Sure. Okay. I mean, I've, I've, we agree it's playable, but it's reluctantly playable. I think mm-hmm. that I will play it probably slightly more often. All right. Then we have Red Cap Heal Slasher. Three and a red for a 2-3 Goblin Rogue. A common, it has backup one and first strike. See, this one I'm more about. Uh, because at a base rate, 3-4 first strike for four is pretty good. I like that. And then 
um, if you give plus one plus one counter and temporarily first strike to something else, like your opponent really can't deal with that. Like turning, you get like your two three is now a three four first strike or whatever. Um, for the turn, you can attack. I almost gave this a C plus when I graded it, so I really would not be surprised if it ends up being a C plus. I gave it a C because at the end of the day, it's a four mana, effectively three four, which is a little understated, but the first strike really goes a long way to making this wonderful. Um, so pretty strong card somewhere in the C, C plus range. You might be right on this one. We'll kind of see. I mean, I gave it a C plus because I think that a fail state of it being a three four first striker is just good enough. Yeah, makes sense. Also, like a couple of those, and you have a wall. That's also mm-hmm. something that can be useful. Okay, Stoke the Flames. Two red, red, instant with Convoke. It deals four damage to any target. I put it as a B, you put it as a B. I wouldn't blame anyone for rating it a B. I thought that B was already high um, for an uncommon, but the card looks great. Instant with Convoke. Again, can help you making those turns when you play to the board and at the end of their turn kill something um, using your creatures as mana sources, which is an insane advantage. The more mana you spend in the game, uh, the more likely you are to win. So being able to cast this in those turns when you wouldn't have normally mana for removal is going to be just amazing. But on the other hand, it's sort of similar to um, the Kaldheim Foretold card when you could just foretell it uh, with the spare mana at some stage and then play for one red. And that was good, but I don't think it was a B-plus kind of card. This one is better, but... Um, yeah, I, but I, I mean, being be... able to go face, I think it's huge. Like, so many yes, times. I, that, Four that damage is... is, you know, 20% of someone's life totals a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think we agree that it's a very strong card. It's busted either way. Yeah. But I, I just re- recall casting this card before and feeling unstoppable. Yeah, I never played with it before. Um, okay, next we have War Torn slash War Train Slasher, even. Three and red for a 4 3 Wolverine Dinosaur. That's cool. Uh, it has Menace, and whenever it attacks a battle, double its power until end of turn. Um, 4 3 Menace, I mean, it being double blocked, it, obviously it can't be double blocked by two twos because, you know, it eats, it trades for both of those. But I also think it's kind of awkward stats because you know, most double blocks are going to, you're going to trade for one of their creatures, but not both at four, three. But if you do attack a battle, this thing really messes with battles big time. So I do love it in the red green, but I think overall the card I rated as a C, it obviously gets a lot better if the more battles you have. Yeah. And that's how I gave it C plus because I assume that people are going to play it in decks that have battles. And um, then it just becomes really solid. The three toughness is something I don't look, I, I'm, I'm not very, Happy that it has free toughness. I think weirdly it might have been slightly better in the decks that I foresee it being good as a three-four because it would still have six power when it. Oh, that would be way way better. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Anyway, um, Onaka Javelinier, four in the red, five-four secret reach, um, and it has a tap. Onaka Javelinier deals two damage to target player or battle. Um, it's a five drop. We I graded it as a C, you graded it as a C minus. It's a five drop with okay but not great stats. Uh five for reach, again, uh, slightly low on the toughness there. But the ability of tapping it to uh ping a player for two every turn or kill a battle and flip uh, flip it and, and gain advantage on board is something that is pretty useful. It's like a late drop that will be 
perfect for board stalls because in board stall situation, you're heavily favored if you have that card on board. Um, still, it's a five mana creature, uh, so I can't give it too high a grade. Uh, I gave it a C, you gave it a C minus. I think that we probably might I agree. Think, yeah, I'll come up to C. I think it's kind of hard to kill, like just in terms of having the fourth toughness. Like, I think a lot of things can't kill it. It has more than three powers, so you know, vigorously we can't kill it. So it requires like a pretty specific narrow subset. And if your opponent's just low on life, or you're they have a you have a battle, you're just trying to kill. Like this, it's it's good at attacking, and then also if you can't attack, the tap ability is pretty nice. It costs no mana. Yeah, so, that, that, yeah, that's yeah. Big, yeah. I, I think it does enough. I, I'll come up to see on that card. Cool. All right, we have Shivan Branch Burner. It's five red red for a four four dragon at a comment. It has convoke and it has flying and haste. I think this card is quite good because a four four flyer is really really nice, and I could imagine tapping two or three creatures to be able to cast it for four or five mana. Um, I just think it's kind of small for how much mana and creatures you're tapping to be able to do that. That being said, I mean it 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 does punch past and like attack battles or help close games. So I think this card is like strong. Uh, but it is a lot of mana, right? And so I gave it a C just because I think your opponent will be able to attack you back a lot of the time, and it's not that much power that you're adding to the board, but it is uh, pretty inevitable. Like, four power flying is going to end a lot of games. I think in the tradition of this review, I gave half a grade more to a flying creature. And that's, yeah. that's, but I agree <laughs> with everything you said. I think it's like a fine finisher for the red-blue deck, for example. Lithomantic Barrage. We're getting to the cards where we disagree slightly more on. Um, it's a one, it's a red mana sorcery. This spell cannot be countered, um, which is also interestingly gets over any kind of ward shenanigans. Keep that in mind. Uh, Lithomantic Barrage deals one damage to target creature or planeswalker. It deals five damage instead if that target is white and or blue. Uh, I gave it a C, you gave it a B minus. Um, I think that the fail state on it is slightly large. Uh, if you're playing with a deck that doesn't have either black or white and best of one, it's going to be problematic just dealing one. I don't, I'm not happy with that, especially at the sorcery speed. It might be used like post-combat to finish off something that was left over, but that's more or less it. It's going to be clearly absurd if you're playing against the white-blue deck. Yeah, B- minus might be a little bit um, wishful thinking, but I was thinking, well... You could main deck it because it could trigger prowess when that matters. You could rummage it away if you're playing the rummage creature, even though I don't think that card's that great. Um, and then it does basically, as long as they're playing white or blue, I'm pretty happy with the card because it's going to find a target for one mana and that's going to like change their blocking situation. So some of the cards is like it's best when they, you know, the color hoser hits both pieces and you really need them. But um, I think, you know, the fact that it's going to hit those 60% of decks means that I don't care too much what it's hitting because for one man, I'm going to kill something and I'm going to advance the game in the board state that way. Anyways, that's why I gave it the B minus. It might be closer to C plus, but yeah. I do actually think you can main deck this card. I think uh, you can main deck it. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. I just think that also white and blue creatures, not many of them, you get the full value of it. True, because but like we three... mentioned there's a lot of like three fours or whatever. So if yeah, you're killing right. like a, a three or four mana card for a single red mana, that's pretty game breaking. That is true. That is true. It's just like yeah, the, 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 I, I, 
rare case uh, when I was actually worrying about the fail of the card and, and, and you were looking at the positive. Normally, we do the opposite way. I'm looking at the upside, you're looking at the downside. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's the main it's good. We, we're we keeping have. it on a check, although you did, you know, you did say that we're disagreeing things and, you know, moron. And I don't love being called a moron, but other than that, I think, you know, we, we, it was a good discussion. All right, it's late. You didn't get the joke. But anyways, on, onward. That was a circus level joke. <laughs> that is true. You know, it, it is getting 1 a.m. here. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm getting slower in joke reception. It's my card. Oh, yeah, Fern yeah. Furnace Gremlin, one in red. Creature Phyrexian Gremlin. It's a 1-2. One, one in red. It gets plus 1, plus 0 until end of turn. And whenever it dies, incubate X, where X is the power of Furnace Gremlin. Uh, I gave it a C plus. You gave it a C minus. I think that this is a card worth slightly playing around and, and boosting its power. I told already that I, I see this card very well with the thing that changes the power toughness to 4-3. And drawing a card and discard in some combat situations, um, I think that you know if you can make a 4-4 out of it for two extra mana, it's going to be insanely good. Uh, also pretty good in late game because that thing will have to be blocked and will leave another body after it. So... Yeah, that's true. Even if you trade with like a 2-2, but if you pumped it twice, then you could make a 5-5 five five afterwards. That is pretty strong. So it's probably at least a C. It, it is kind of awkward because it's not really a very good 2-drop. It's much more Yeah, like... that's that, the biggest problem is not great in the early game. That's true. Yeah. Maybe you convoke early and then it's good late. We have Harriet Artisan next. Uh, two red for 2-3 haste. It's a human artificer. It's uncommon. You made three in a friction white to... Uh, transform it at sorcery speed and it turns into a three four flying haste in, in a traditional fashion although we switched rules i was kind of bumping it up because it's a three power flying creature so i thought hey flying's pretty good um it's a haste creature so if, you know two three on three mana a little understated for sure but it does attack reasonably well on turn three um if your opponent doesn't know it's coming and then it's pretty inexpensive to flip and uh the three four flying component of the card means it can attack battles pretty well it's hard kind of hard to stop that so i gave all of that as a reason to be a b minus yeah i i gave it a c i think i should have given a c plus honestly um i don't know why i give it a c um haste is a good ability let's put it like that <laughs> so um uh especially in the format where surprise attacks are going to maybe flip battles uh so yeah uh I maybe wouldn't go as high as B minus, but I think that uh, C plus is. <laughs> you wouldn't because you didn't. <laughs> no, but I mean, of course, the, I, I know what the, you're the, saying. The grades evolve, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Crash's Death Guard, um, two and a red for uh, Vyashina Warrior, four, three, for three mana, that's good, but it has Defender. But as long as Crash's Death Guard power is five or greater, it can attack as though it didn't have Defender. You gave it a D plus. I gave it a C. Uh, I'm definitely following on in the footsteps of uh, Drowsy Tyranodon from uh, was M21. Uh, that card also was uh, two mana three three with defender, and when it got four power, it didn't have defender. It was great there, uh, mainly because there was a lot of plus one plus one counter synergies. But hey, we have backup creatures here. Turning this one on turn four into a 5-4 um, creature that can attack is going to be good. 
And I think it's going to be very easy to make because there's a bunch of four mana backup creatures and they can uh, actually uh, give extra abilities to it, which is uh, additionally great. Uh, that's why I gave it a C. I don't think you want to play it in every deck, but I think that there's going to be decks where it's going to be very, very easy to trigger that ability and, um, you know, attacking on uh, turn four with five power is just good ability in general. Yeah, I, I guess I was seeing the other cards and they were, um, I didn't realize they were like quite a bit smaller than this thing. Like, so this thing is huge, I think. And so it's not that hard to have a backup creature after it. So I'll, I'll join you at C minus. I think it's not, if you can enable it, this card is like disgustingly good. And so it's not that hard to do so. Next, we have Marauding Dreadship. Um, two and a red for a 4-1 uh, vehicle, a common. It has haste. It's kind of sweet. Enters the battlefield, incubate two, and it has crew two. Um, I just think 4-1 haste is a lot of damage coming in hot there. And this is the type of card where if you trade it off, like because your opponent's like, ooh, I'm going to keep getting hit for four, then you you still have something left behind with the incubate token. And I think it's not that hard to crew two on turn three because you just play a two drop and then you hit for four the next turn. And so all in all, I think this card is going to do some quite nice things, plus two pieces of cardboard. So I gave it a C for that reason. Yeah, I think that two pieces of cardboard is an important thing to think about it. And maybe I didn't appreciate the fact that the incubate stays in. Um, obviously, on turn five, it can crew itself, which is also good because you can flip the incubate token. Yeah, like like no part of the card's amazing, right? Like the no, two no. getting a two two, like that's not that great. The four one, they can trade with literally anything, but I think it'll do enough. Yeah, I think yeah, the the, the heist part of it is okay. I, I can go up to C minus in it, I guess. Um, it, I'm going to play it, I'm, I'm sure, in a couple of decks. Also, great with the um, Kaladesh uh, invasion when you can put two artifacts on board. To pump oh, yeah, your, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to pump your one for that. Hey, that's we're it. getting there. <laughs> okay, now I know what is happening. Every time I click unmute, I uh, switch to a different window, and then when I try to skip a slide, uh, I mute myself instead of skipping to the next slide. Ah. Hopefully, I solved it. Uh, we have Fearless Skull, uh, four in the red, for a 3-2 Dwarf Berserker. It has backup one, but it also has double strike. And I gave it a B. Um, I think that giving something double strike, slamming with it, uh, making it bigger as well, potentially something with evasion as well, and then still leaving behind a 3-2 double striking body is a great ability. So that's why I gave it a B. You gave it a C+. Yeah, my my main thing is I I don't dispute anything you just said. I just think it's it's five mana, right? So it is the curve topper. Um, it's going to hit for a lot. The three two double strike, like honestly, a five mana three two double strike is like already like pretty good. The fact that it has upside on top of that is pretty great. So probably B minus is more accurate. I just think like how many five drops can you really have? This is really good at like continuing to attack with your aggro strategies. It's pretty hard to interact with. Um, I will say that you really, really, really want to have another creature to back up onto, which is it shouldn't be hard when you when you have a five drop, because I think the four three, like if they deal with it, like it's kind of expensive to just to have that. But even so, I mean, four three double strike is huge. It's hard to interact with in combat. So pretty cool card. I, I could go up to B minus on it, but um, no higher than that, because it kind of 
still requires two things to go in the right direction in combat and things. Yeah, no, I can see that playing slightly worse. I, I'm, I'm, I'm up on it. I like double strike. I like double strike. Yeah, I love backup. On I mean, substantial. I think it's, yeah, it's yeah. great. But backup is great. Like, imagine playing this um, on the on the wall guy and making it a five, uh, five four uh, double striker for a turn, and then still leaving. The oh board. yeah, that's that's great. Or heaven forbid, a trampler creature. Whew. What are they gonna do? Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, invasion of Arcadia. One in a red for a uh, uncommon siege for defense counters um when it enters the battlefield you can discard a card if you do draw two cards um so basically you get tormenting voice in the front and then if you can defeat it what do you get on the back you get a uh, three three chiron flame right it's a goblin spell shaper you may two and red tap it to discard a card to create two one one blue and red elemental creature tokens and creatures you control get plus one plus oh and gain haste until end of turn I gave this a C minus. You give this a B minus. A C minus is definitely too low. Um, it's at least a C because uh, the fact that it's a tormenting voice that does turn into something else later on is pretty nice. But tormenting voice itself is not like a great card. So I probably can't go higher than a C. And the 3-3 three, three on the back is good. But it gives you some 1-1s one that turn into 2-1s until end of turn. I mean, it pumps your whole team. That part's solid. I just don't think the front or the back is amazing on this card. But, I mean, it's a two-mana card. So we, we can't expect too much from it. But you think B-? minus? I, I thought B- minus mainly because uh, I do value red battles much higher because sure. of the creatures that can attack battles in that particular color are good. Um, I think that changing every land that you draw later in the game into pump your whole team and make two hasty two is ones good. is great. And that's that's the reason why I gave it a B minus. It might be a C plus, uh, but I think that this card looks really solid and will win games. True. I mean, it's two mana, right? So two mana, three three with all that upside. Yeah. 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 I'm probably underrating that one for sure. Ramosian greatsword, four and a red for uh, an equipment. It has convoke. An equipped creature gets plus three plus one and has trample. And equip is two, which is not much. And that's the reason why I gave it a C plus. Because uh, changing every stupid 1-1 one, one that you have into a 4-2 Trampler is a good thing. And even if you don't convoke it, if you play it late, um, that's fine, I think. Yeah, I only give it a D-plus compared to your C-plus because I think uh, it's just a lot of mana to get it going. Now, when it gets going, it's really good. But you like it does nothing really when you're behind. You kind of need a bunch of creatures to convoke it. And... The one thing about the Convoke is nice is if you don't have attacks, you can use those creatures to then Convoke it so you get attacks. But um, it's still just so much mana to get the ball rolling on it. Now, admittedly, once you do, your opponent has to kill you because they can't just, you know, keep taking damage turn after turn. It kind of reminds me of like Dwarven Hammer from uh, um, Kaldheim, which that card was incredible, but it came with the creature it's already attached, whereas this one doesn't and it's not it's just so i don't know there's a lot of mana to get the ball rolling i, I agree it's powerful so my, my thought about it was that uh this card should come to a deck that has lots of meaningless bodies because you have those rouse reinforcements that creates two one ones and it is you good have, there you have the signpost blue red uncommon that makes two one ones again and, and like lots of those useless creatures that unfortunately don't have the um um uh, sort of like a plus two plus one effect because they are in red blue rather than white red 
Um, and this thing turns those creatures into something quite efficient. Um, I don't think you have to convoke it uh, very hard, but if you played Ralph's um, uh, reinforcements, you can easily play for three mana. And then for two mana, I can equip it. Plus three, plus one is a hell of a boost, and Trample is yeah. also great. Plus, if it's a blue-red gold card, I agree. It's really, really good. I think it just outside of that, it's horrible. But I, I can I can come up to like C minus and and recognize it needs to go just in that lane. Plus, you know, you 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 might play it in also different decks when you can have like the Billy Goat and put this on the Billy Goat, and now all of a sudden you have like a four-four double striker, or you can put it on the double striker before, and you get like a six three double striker all of those scenarios are quite good um for a card that will be pretty solid equipment anyway all right yeah i just don't think it has that many homes that's all maybe mm, that's the main possible. difference um all right uh mirror and bane splitter uh single red mana for an artifact equipment on comet it has flash and when it enters the battlefield attach it to target creature control equip creature goes plus two plus oh and it has equip three it's pretty expensive on the equip and it doesn't pump toughness, so that part is kind of awkward. Um, I, I think I was a little too high on this card, but uh, the initial pump is kind of nice, and it can mess with combat, and then you can put it on the random things as well. This is actually probably like a worse version of the Uncommon we just looked at, where it's kind of expensive to get the ball rolling in, in the Comet Trick mode if it's not that good. I will say if you have enough um, like first striking or evasion or whatever, this card does get quite a bit better. I gave it a C. That's definitely wrong. Um, it's probably more like a D plus. Uh, um, and you said it was a D minus. I think if you have the right creatures for it, um, like if you have enough of the things where it's like the four, three and it can't attack unless it's five more power, like just slam this on it, whatever, um, you know, first striking creatures, double strikers, creatures with trample flying, you know, the list goes on. I think it can do work in the set enough vigilance creatures, honestly, where you just keep moving it over time and it gets annoying. I think it can be a card on like previous versions of it, but it, yeah, you're right. It's probably not good. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I might go up to D, but I, I, I don't like this type of effect anyway, because uh, I think that I'd rather have the two mana equip cost of the previous card. Yeah, no, no, no. The, the other card mana. is the, the three mana. I, I, gave, <laughs> I gave D plus to a better version of this card and I gave this a C. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, I probably this one's more like a D plus, and then I think maybe the previous sword was like C minus or something, mm, yeah, or C even. We'll, we'll we'll see how it will work out in, in the end. Furnace rains two and a red for a sorcery. Gain control of target creature until end of turn. Untap that creature. It gains haste, and whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player or battle, create a treasure token. Um, you give it a D. I give it a C plus. There is a very good reason why I gave it a C plus. I think that this kind of card will be played in decks that it will be very good in. And that's why I gave it a C plus. There's a lot of sacrifice outlets in this format. Um, lots of them on the stick, so they're quite repeatable. And those decks are going to drop this card and play it, and then it's going to be a sort of two for one every single time. And that's why it's going to be C plus, because again, our grades are supposed to reflect the win rate of the card. I don't think it's a C plus card. I think it's going to be in exclusively in the decks where it's going to be very good in. Yeah, I'll, I'll come all the way to C plus. I, I think I agree. I think um, there's a lot of cards where it's like you would want to pair it with it and then it's not good unless you have the Furnace Reigns, but there's enough cards that do work with Furnace Reigns that whenever you get this card, it's easy to make it work versus the other way around. Uh, so it's it's kind of the, the limiting factor on that. So yeah, C plus for that makes sense. 
Yeah, I think as chat says, it's a, a red light gold card. Yeah, it was definitely and, always that. And, and, I just and, wasn't yeah. sure that it was going to get there. But the more we think about it, definitely it does. Green commons and uncommons right now. So the first card we have is Seed of Hope. Green for an instant. Mill two cards. You may put a permanent card from among the milled cards into your hand. You gain two life. We gave it both D minus. <laughs> Should have been an F, I think. <laughs> Probably. This card is terrible. I mean, the fact that you don't have a, any guarantee of uh, getting anything, unless you build a deck exclusively made out of uh, permanence, and this is your only non-permanent spell, is a bit of a knock against it. I think, you know, it's a story spotlight. So we just had respect for the game. So we said, Seed of Hope, you can have a D minus. They, they did run really badly, if that's the story <laughs> spotlight that they selected. <laughs> yeah. All right, next we have Herbology Instructor. It's one in a green for a 1-3 Tree Folk Druid. It's uncommon. When it enters the battlefield, you gain three life. You can pay six and a fraction black. To transform it only at sorcery speed, it becomes Malady Invoker. It's a 3-3, and when this creature transforms into the Invoker, target creature and opponent controls gets minus zero, minus X until in the turn, where X is Malady Invoker's power. That's a lot of mana to transform this. But you know what? Two mana for the 1-3, you get some life, it sits around, and then eventually it comes and kills something and it's a 3-3, kind of setting up a 2-for-1 is pretty nice. Also, if you can get some counters on it or something, eventually it can kill actually bigger things too when it transforms. So it does a lot of nice little things. It's not busted. Normally, removal is going to get you kind of into the B range, but we we acknowledge this thing's kind of clunky. And so we said, hey, C+, but it does have some power here. Yeah, I think one thing in favor of it is that probably this type of green deck will want to get to six mana. So overgrown pest, two and a green, or a two-two pest. Shockingly, pest is a pest. Uh, when Overgrown Pest enters the battlefield, look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a land or a double-faced card from among them and put that card in your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library to a run in a in random order. We both gave it a C plus because it is a C plus. It's a three mana two two, which is not great as a stat line, but it draws you a card probably ninety something percent of the time. Um, also, most of the time it will draw your land. But on rare occasions, it will draw you an actual spell, which is just great, which means that the card is good both in early game and in late game. And uh, yeah. Do, do you think, think it's agree. the Do you think it's the best pest because it's OP? I think it's best because it just grew slightly more than other ones. It woke up earlier, it worked harder, and it grew more, and that therefore it's a C plus, unlike other pests that are just probably D minuses. Yeah, fantastic. Next, we have Sandstalker Moloch. It's one green green for a 4-2 Lizard at Uncommon. It has Flash, and when it enters the battlefield, if an opponent casts a blue and or black spell this turn, look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal a permanent card from among them, put it in your hand, put the rest on the bottom of your library in random order. So 4-2 Flash for three, already pretty decent. Um, again, like kind of 60% of the decks. This one, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, what cards your your opponent is playing. Um, this one you could actually main deck pretty reasonably. And some of the time you just get an extra card off your 4-2. That seems pretty fantastic. And then the rest of the time, 4-2s always, I think, underperform because you're like, wow, that's really strong, but it just trades with whatever. But sometimes your opponent doesn't have good blocks for it, especially because as Flash, you sneak in the 4 damage the first time. So we said C+, you're not always getting the card, 
Obviously, if you did, it'd be better than that. Um, but the fact that it you sometimes get a card means it's not like a C minus, which it might be otherwise. Yeah. Also, I mean, you can ambush a four toughness creature. Yeah. Which is not a terrible fail state for that card. No, not at all. Serpent Blade Asylant, uh, two and a green for a 2-1 Elf Warrior with backup one. It has Death Touch. So you can play it as a 3-2 Death Toucher. Not very attractive, but you can play it as a 2-1 Death Toucher that pumps something until end of turn, maybe makes it so that uh, it will kill a battle unless blocked, but if it gets blocked, it eats the thing that it blocks uh, efficiently. So... Uh, I gave it a C, you gave it a C. I think it's like a solid creature at common. Nothing super exciting, but something very decent altogether. Yeah, it's the one that you like literally just want to back up. Because <laughs> 3-2 Death Touch is so much worse than putting the counter somewhere and having the 2-1 Death Touch. All right, Converter Beast. Three and a green for uh, 0-1 Friction Beast. A uh, little overcosted for a 0-1. But it comes in the battlefield and incubates five. So actually, it's got the 5-5 five, five just around the corner. And uh, so we said, hey, you know, 5-5 five, five is very big. We like that. But it comes at the price of paying some mana. So uh, that's why it gets a C-. minus. you got to pay some mana. But if you can, you know, ever blink it or keep replaying it or doing all these cool things, that's pretty nice, too. And uh, yeah, that's a converter beast. <laughs> yeah, it's also like has some mild... Um counter synergies if you have some any kind of counter uh, uh, cards. I think that mainly yeah, main, mainly it's to be blinked really. Mm -hmm. It's like Malkator, a common. Sort of. Uh, invasion of Zendikar. Now I get to read the invasions and uh, waste my voice on it. Uh, three and a green for a siege with three defense, which is very little. Um, when Invasion of Zendikar enters the battlefield, search your library for up to two basic land cards, put them into the battlefield tapped, and then shuffle. So that's four mana for an effect that we normally pay four mana for, which is great. Uh, because the rest is gravy. And the gravy, in this case, is when it gets defeated, it turns into a 4-4 Vigilant Haste creature. As long as it is on the battlefield, it is a land in addition to its other types, and it taps for one mana of any color. So it's a 4-4 that can attack, then can be used for mana. Also, weirdly enough, two removal spells can be targeted because they only target non-land permanents, which is something that uh, you might keep in mind. We both gave it a B because this card looks just amazing. It's busted. It's like, are we too low on this card? <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Maybe this is a card should be a B plus. I don't know. This card is like insane. It also and allows you splashing random things. That's what it's I was just... going to say. Like, there's so many gold... Uh, gold cards in the set. So all of a sudden, like, wee! <laughs> yeah, but, but even think about it, like, you play a red-green battle deck, you want to attack battles, here is a battle that you want to attack. Also, it allows you to play off-color battles because it will uh, splash you the colors that you can, you know, you, you'll be able to cast those red and blue battles or red and green, or red and white battles, for example. Mm -hmm. It's just great. Um, it's fantastic insane. card. Yeah, really good. All right, not so good. We got Ravenous Sailback. Four and a green for a 3-4 dinosaur. Kind of small for a dinosaur. It's uncommon, and when it enters, choose one. It can gain haste until in a turn, or destroy target artifact or enchantment. So kind of like think the joke of this card is you can uh, kill the, you know, Phyrexians that are coming in, and maybe if they have like a 
you know, the five, five one, that would be pretty good. But most of the time, if they don't have that, then you're getting a four mana three, four haste, which is pretty underwhelming. But anytime it's a, anytime it actually kills a meaningful artifact or enchantment, this card is really quite good. So it kind of ranges from like, I don't know, a D plus to like a B minus based on like what it's killing or what's happening with it. And so for that reason, we landed in the middle with a C. Maybe it's a C plus, but we said, hey, C for you, Ravenous Sail Bag. Good going. Yeah, I think it's a useful thing to have in best of one. That's basically yeah. it. Tangled Skyline. Four and a green for an enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, you gain five life and incubate five. Phyrexians you control have reach. We both gave it C plus. This is the Honey Mammoth. Uh, don't be fooled by anything else. It enters the battlefield, gains you five life. It makes a five five for seven mana. So it's a seven mana Honey Mammoth. Uh, plus some additional options. Again, this card plus the four mana one that makes a five five uh, incubate creature are the cards that I want to pair with the blink uh, white common. Uh, because this one, especially if you blink it, you gain five life, you get another five five. Uh, it's a great uh, way of using that kind of card. I give it a C plus because I think that in a deck that wants to play a longer game and maybe, you know, feeling a bit uh, weary of losing life. This is just the perfect card that you want to have at that time. You can play it earlier than Honey Mammoth in terms of life gain, and slightly um, uh, later uh, you get the creature. Oh, no, you get the creature exactly on the same turn as you would get with Honey Mammoth. So I think it's just um, just really good. Yeah, just really good card. And I kind of think, like again, like the shrine angle of combining them all together. But uh, And the five life buys you time to flip it. So that's pretty important. All right, we got Wild Ward Escort next. Four and a green for a 3-3 Elf Warrior. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, return target creature or battle card from your graveyard to your hand. If Wild Ward Escort would die, exile it instead. So pretty nice common grave digger here. And it can bring back battles too. 3-3 um, three, three is meaningful, so it's incredibly easy to get a two-for-one off of this card. The only thing holding it back from an even higher grade is that it is a little bit on the expensive side, five mana. Um, but C plus for that, like just really solid card. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's great with all those land cycling cards that you can cycle them to get to the five mana, bring them back, and then you can cast them while this one buys you time. I'm only disappointed that it doesn't have fox as a creature type. You really think that this escort would be so strong if not for the fox that it's riding on? On foot, it would be a one-one. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, great card. I would play it, and again, I would try to pair it with the land cycling cards to make sure that I have something in the graveyard and I have mana to cast it. Um, oh, here we start already with the cards that we slightly disagree on. Uh, Arachnoid Adaptation. Green, for an instant, target creature gets plus two, plus two, and gains reach until end of turn and tap it. I gave it a C, you gave it a C plus. I think I will agree with you. I love this kind of spinneret effect. Um, uh, kills a flyer or kills a bigger creature because plus two, plus two is actually a lot for one mana. It's very frequently going to play, especially in the early format, as a doom lay for one mana. Mm-hmm. That's why I gave it a C plus. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think I I was maybe a, I was thinking very long about giving it a C plus, and I decided against it. But now I see that you gave it a C plus. I'm jealous that you did it, and I did. All right, we got the old placid rotten tail. It's a single green for a one one fungus rabbit. It has been infected. If you watched Last of Us, and um, it has vigilance, and uh, has two and a green. You can exile it from your graveyard. 
put two plus one plus one counters on target creature. Um, activate only as a sorcery. So a one mana, one one in a color that doesn't really care about sacrifice, but eventually you can put two counters on something. That part's nice for our green white counters deck. I just don't know how much I care about like the one one up front. I guess if you could like mill it or discard it or do something for value, but that's not really what the set's about. Anyways, this card is weird. And I can see how it could be good, but I think it's in the wrong colors. And so for that reason, I gave it a D plus. I think it's in the right colors. It's like a one drop that attacks something. You play it, it in the counter. One, one. Yeah, but it's a one drop. There's not so many one drops, so it will give two damage, I guess, or something. Yeah, that's true. Or the play. Uh, later, it will block something uh, and turn itself into beautiful counters. Um, I, mean, I probably would exclusively play it if I have counter synergies anyway. And if I have counter synergies, well, I can put counters on it as well, and it becomes like a 3-3 Vigilance, which is decent with all the backup True. things that I'm having. True. If you can pump it up, the Vigilance becomes relevant. It's kind of like uh, all the small creatures with like Trample. It's always funny. But if you can do something to make it work, then that's that's kind of the shtick of it. But that, that's why I gave it C-, minus. I think that it's going to be useful in some decks. And again, I, I like my... Well, I always underrate one drops, even, you know, so I think you might be right on it. We'll see. Iridescent Blade Master. One in the green for a 2-2 Elf Warrior. Now I'm reading it. There's so many elves. Maybe this uh, invasion that kills a non-elf creature is absolutely rubbish because it doesn't kill any elf. I don't think uh, you have to worry about this one. <laughs> no, I don't, have to, I don't have to worry about this one. It's a three and a green. It has an ability of uh, getting plus two, plus two until end of turn. It's a 2-2 two, two for two. Um, I give it a D plus. You give it a C minus. Yeah, I that's think a D plus. That, it's bad. I, I'm wrong. I, I think the only case where it's good is when you have this one drop uh, that gives you two mana to use an ability, um, and then it becomes actually quite. <laughs> yeah, then, yeah, then you're tapping your one drop and paying two mana to give this plus two plus two. Still good. Also, you have Zerda. Maybe with Zerda, it's good as the companion. Yeah, I don't know why I gave this a C minus. I think this is the exact well, okay, here I, this is the reason why. Short tangent. Um I've been playing magic for a long time. <laughs> this used to be like two mana two two with upside. I'm in. And uh no, that's just in the D range now. So we need more. All right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, next we have Streetwise Negotiator, one in green for an O2 cat citizen on common. Uh, it has backup one, and it says this creature assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power. So for two mana, you effectively get a 3-3, three, three, which is pretty sweet, or you get a two mana 2-2 two, two that gives a counter somewhere else. Maybe it gets an even bigger boost if it has big butt for a turn. Um, but a two mana 2-2 two, two that puts a counter somewhere else is pretty broken, and also a two mana 3-3 three, three is also pretty good too. Um, so I said C+, you said B-. minus. Um, one of us is right. We'll see how it plays out. But regardless, like this is just a stat monster. It's really good. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where they land up when we actually normalize the data from the set and, uh, and see. I I like the two mana three three uh, in the format where uh, early advantage can be converted into extra advantage because of the battles. But um, I think that this is one of those backup creatures that you want to back themselves up. Yeah. A cameo of the Whispered Hopes. Two and a green for a 1-1 one, one spirit. If one or more plus one plus one counters would be put on a permanent you control, that many plus one plus one plus one plus one counters are put on that permanent instead. So hardened scales effect. 
And it has a top at X mana of any one color where X is Kami of Whispered Hope's power. So you gave it a C, I gave it a C plus. I love my counter synergies, you love them less. Um, it might be some sort of a win more card, but I like it because even if it's not a win more card, it has some kind of mana fixing, mana boosting ability. You can ramp into five quite early. If you put a counter on it, it becomes a 3-3, three, three, so it gets three mana, which can open a whole can of uh, uh, interesting abilities. That's why I gave it a C plus, sort of optimistically. Okay, yeah, I could go C plus on it. I just think like those two abilities are like kind of weird together, where it's like, yes, I get the joke that you can pump itself to then get more mana, um, but most of the time it's like you're trying to pump your board and then randomly give some mana. Extra mana is nice. I mean, I'll say that, but. I don't think it's I don't think this card's like that much more insane than the uh common ramp spell in green, which we'll see in a bit, the uh enchantment. And so this card I probably should rate a little higher, but also I think the fact that both those exist means if you care about like the mana fixing this card, it, you, you gotta care much more about the counters, which I think that's where you're coming from on it. Next, if we have War Historian, two and a green for a three-three human monk, it has reach and it has indestructible as long as it attacked a battle this turn. Um I said this was a C. You said C plus. It's going to be pretty annoying to play against this card. Like they play a battle and they just keep attacking you until that battle flips. So that is pretty frustrating. And so I could, I guess I can sort of see how that's going to play out where if you have enough battles, this thing just attacks until you flip it. So your opponent's just not going to block. So you get to flip all your battles until you have a like a four toughness creature. Yeah, that's annoying. Also, it kind of has secret reach, which I guess I kind of was discounting. That's really good at protecting your battles. And I guess the whole history here is that they know about battles because they're from Kamigawa. So that's flavor, flavor win. That's uh, cool. Yeah, maybe C plus actually could be reasonable. Um, Because it yeah. just keeps going until like your opponent can't just be like, well, I'll just not block this turn. Yeah, they, they might just say, OK, I'll let you flip that battle. But that's a win for you. Yeah, so for common, that's common getting indestructible every turn potentially is just kind of weird and strange and powerful i guess i probably just underrated it okay yeah let's do c plus i like it yeah the couple of minor synergies with it is that um your bite and fight spells are much more secure if you play them post combat and it has already indestructible or during combat and it already has indestructible you know that you can play it safely and that's that's something that is reassuring mm -hmm. just big chomping kavu three and a green for a kavu it's three three it's got backup one um, this creature can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less, which is ironic that chomping cover cannot be chomped. Um, <laughs> you gave it a B minus. I gave it a C plus. I think it's a four, 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 four with huge upside. So I think that's kind of messed up. Uh, yeah, it can be. It 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 it, it also can be uh, four mana. I kill you because all your creatures are too small to block the, the thing that I needed to push through. But exactly. yeah, I think that. I think that you know the floor of four four that is hard to block uh, for a reasonable cost because it only has one green and normally those things have double green in their cost. That, that's pretty good. I gave it a C plus. You gave it a B minus. I mean, you're the counter guy, so <laughs> that's true. It's really good in green white. That's true. Um, yeah, maybe it is a B minus. I, I just well, like if you saw this and that war historian card, I'm just gonna take like this every time. That's all. Imagine putting that on the work historian. Woo. Why not both, right? 
Yeah, exactly. You can't jump the work historian. You have to put a real thing, and my work historian is indestructible for for deal chomp, with it. Jump, jump. But yeah, it's a great card. I think we both agree with it. Um, uh, I think yeah, it's I, I'm split between C plus. I, I think I'm taking it over the um vanquish the week pick one pack one. So that's maybe why. Well, clearly because it's immune to it. Well, yes, it wins with most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no. It still has a win this creature. It still goes on the stack. So, uh, oh yeah, Ooh, they have a they have an opening. All right, uh, Fertilid's favor three and a green for an instant uh, common target player searches their library for a basic land card, puts it on the battlefield, tapped and shuffles. Put two plus one plus one counters on up to one target artifact or creature. Uh, weird card. It's like instant speed, mana fixing, combat trick, ramp stuff. I I think. Um, if you're in the market for trying to splash, you could do worse than a Fertilid's Favor because you're everything every deck is going to be putting some random creatures in it, anyways, because you just got to make sure you're protecting those battles. So, you know, you have your war historian, they're like chilling out. It's like you can't attack me because I got some reach. And then they're like, aha, but I pump my creature and they go to attack you, and you're like, aha, I Fertilid's Favor. And now you have a 5 5 war historian. And you went and got to your land, and you're happy, and you're ramping, and life's good. That's pretty optimistic, so that's why I gave this a D plus. But I, I, I can see it being a reasonable combat trick. Um, normally, this type of effect, like, I don't like paying four mana for even the perpetual two counter tricks. But getting the land out of it sort of means it almost costs three, because you're sort of discounting your next play as well. And the splashes is nice. And um, you could also, you know, your opponent puts their crazy card on the top of their deck, and you're like, Okay, you go you go search your library for a land to shuffle and then I get my counters. That's a pretty bad use case, but it's it's there. Yeah, I do like that they put the target player searches uh, clause on it so that it can be blown up by removing the target you don't get the land. Uh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um but yeah, I think that I'm I'm in for that card in my deck if I'm splashing. And I don't think I will play it if I'm not splashing unless I think I'm that's fair. Yeah. Ramping into something insane, but um and it's sort of like the the fail case, right? Because we'd much rather have other more reliable ways to splash versus this random like combat tricky thing. But like you said, it's it's never going to fail, right? Because you always get the land. Yeah. So that's the important thing. That is a good part of the card. Let's see. It's gonna, this card is also going to be interesting because I can imagine that this format turns into something where this is going to be actually actively good when you can dump the counters on some kind of a 1-3 creature that now is becoming a roadblock that they cannot pass um and uh, at the same time you're building up to your late game plan that is going to overtake the game and then you might be very much interested it, in have you considered the dream curve though real fast since we're talking about these things you can put your little commie thing you like turn three mm -hmm. commie turn four play this put three plus one plus one counters on it mm -hmm. tap it for four mana i mean you can just <laughs> you have like you have what nine, yeah. ten mana wait, wait. on turn five. I four mana to play second Fertilitz favor. You could just play Ulamog turn five off of this uncommon uncommon. My God. Okay. Yeah. You you, you sold me. I'm I'm pumping it to D plus easy. Yeah. A minus for both. Uh, Notwold Hermit uh, is a three and a green four four troll five and phyrexian blue transform not world hermit uh, activate only as a sorcery and it transforms into chrome host hulk whenever chrome host hulk attacks up to one other target creature has base power and toughness five five until end of turn um i gave it a b minus you gave it a c plus 
I give it a B minus because I think that the baseline of a four 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 is decent, uh, considering the upside. The upside being you have a deck with uh, this and a bunch of smaller creatures. You can attack for ten. It's just lots of stats. Also, it can attack with a couple of those uh, uh, incubate tokens, which will become like seven seven or eight eight uh, when they attack together with it. Um, one shot, but keyword big. It will eat a whole chunk of opponent's life if they cannot take care of it and and if they can't take care of it and if they cannot then they are up for the world of pain next turn yeah i mostly agree i'm only slightly lower because um it kind of has the problem with the white and red flip card from like 10 years ago where um the backside they kind of just needed to deal with this card itself like if you attack with this and another creature sure you pump it this turn they can take a bunch of damage or they could chump that. But if they could like, you know, you, you flip this and you attack and they double block it or whatever, you've spent all your mana already to make the attack. So maybe you can't even attack that turn um, because they could just double block it. So you have to wait a whole another turn and then maybe do something. So it kind of has less openings than I think it looks like uh, in terms of just like good attacks. But I'll admit like the card is powerful. Like there's going to be games where you just, I flip it and your opponent's like, yep, you got me. And that's it. Mm. That, well, yeah, I mean, four 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 is just s- still strong enough that uh, absolutely, it, it's it's it, any upside yeah, it's a good on card. that kind of ability. Is, yeah, yeah. Uh, then we have the bonded herd beast, uh, four and a green for a four or five beast at common. You can pay four and a fraction red to transform it at sorcery speed, and then on the backside it's the plated kiln beast. Ooh, fraction beast. It's a seven five menace. It's kind of weird because it's a four or five on the front and seven five in the back, so it's not getting that toughness boost. And the only difference is that, well, they could maybe double block it to kill it before, and now they can double block it to kill it after, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Um, but the menace makes it hard for your opponent to block. So all in all, it's like a pretty decent roadblock. And then your opponent, it's more like your opponent has to respect it, right? Because a lot of times you don't even need to flip this, but they need to hold multiple things back because they know that a 7-5 menace is a big problem. So because of the that threat of activation, I was giving this a C. I think I think also just five mana four five is like pretty good stats, anyways. Um, and I don't think the backside is special or anything, but it it is an option to have. Yeah, I get slightly less. I think mainly because I don't question the strength of the card. I just question the fact that other five drops in green are slightly stronger. Yeah, that might be true. It might be a part of that. Because I would problem. rather probably play the three three that um, Brave digs me. I think they're different cards. That's a value card, and this is a I kill you card. So, like, yeah, probably if you're trying to attack your opponent, and this is like a quote unquote red green card, even though you can play it anywhere, uh, any green deck. I think in your red green, like, beatdown decks, you're going to much rather just have these to, like, you know, kill your opponent. Cause it's like, this is the furnace strider of the set. And then, you know, I don't know a good comparison to one actually for a value card. They didn't exist, <laughs> but you get the idea. Okay, here we have Timberland Ancient, four green green for a six five tree folk. It has reach, it has trample, it has forest cycling too. I give it a C plus, you give it a C. I think, you know, it's keyword big. Five toughness is a house in this format. Uh, reach and trample means that uh, A, it stabilizes you, B, it is going to be hard to chump. Um, also, again, small combo with the three three that brings creature from the grave because you can cycle it, get the forest, play the 
Grave Digger, return it, replay it, and uh, you're happy times. Yeah, our Colossal Dreadmaw has reached now, which is kind of nice. The Force Cycling is nice. All that seems good. It might be closer to C+, definitely. Like, I do I do like this card more than the 4-5 we just looked at. So there is that. Like, if I'm calling both a C, I usually would prefer this. Um, But again, it's nothing fancy. I think we do, by the way, I think we just have a ton of reach because the whole idea is protecting your battles. So the the most obvious way to attack battles is putting Windrakes in your deck. And then, so they're like, what if we put 12 Windrakes in the set, but then give everything reach? <laughs> so that's kind of funny. Yeah, it's going to be definitely an interesting one to navigate in terms of drafting and uh, building your deck. Then we have Atrax's Fall next. One in green for a sorcery. It's common, and it says destroy target artifact, battle, enchantment, or creature with flying. So kind of more reach. Um, I give this a C minus, and you gave this a D. Uh, I just think there are so many creatures with flying that you want to deal with that maybe it's still playable some of the time. There's enough of the enchantment and like not artifact build arounds, but enough enchantment build arounds or like maybe some big corrections that it's worth having this in your card. I think in best of one, I think you can main deck one of these and it'll be okay most of the time. You don't really want to use it to destroy a battle to flip it because again, it's using a card to flip a battle usually not what you want to do but if nothing else is going on and the flipping the battle would give you a huge advantage then it, it won't flip it, it if you destroy it you can destroy oh. opponents battles if you destroy it oh it goes to the graveyard so uh that's oh. one thing i wanted to say you can't destroy your own battle and flip it you can destroy opponents battle to prevent them from flipping it. oh okay well i'm glad we had this talk it has it has to it has to get damage uh, uh reduction to zero encounters to flip it, and this one destroys it without removing the counters. So that's okay, it. well, I don't think that really changes my card evaluation that much, because I was yeah. thinking that's like the backup, backup, backup to it. But you could destroy opposing battles, right, before, um, like, if if you can't really protect it, um, and it's getting low on counters, but not quite dead, that could be good, too. But yeah. mostly just, I mean, it, it hits enough things that I think... Yeah. Incubate tokens are a quite good target as a yeah. failsafe for that. Yeah, but... Still, I mean, I'm always worried about those cards because the fact that I have a target for it doesn't mean that it's a good target uh, on many occasions. So um, I'm maybe can pump it to D plus, but I wouldn't go higher than that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's not anything to go crazy over. Okay, Cosmic Hunger. One and a green instant. A target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to another target creature, planeswalker, or battle. Uh, you give it a C, I give it a B minus. So quite a substantial difference in evaluation. I think that this is a really strong removal in the set where removal is going to be quite important, uh, especially in green that does not have that much of the removal. Um, fact that it can also deal with the battle is pretty useful for me because I can imagine situations when I'm Having the Zendikar battle, which is already good for me, and I'm killing it with my 3-3, flipping it. I have a hasty 4-4 now with Vigilance and extra mana. I, I I would probably do that kind of a play. Yeah, and the fact that you could try to flip the battle instant speed to like then ambush End something yeah, yeah. could let you do like multiple things. It does open you up to a reasonable amount of risk to do that kind of play, but sometimes it's worth it. Um, I just I just put like fights and bite spells in general a little bit lower because I think there is some inherent risk to them. And also you need to get on board first, but looking at this, the set, even with just all the green creatures, they're all just like chonkier than the rest of the set. So I think for the most part, this is just going to kill whatever you want. 
because we've seen a lot of like four power creatures. So that's pretty good. So that probably does get me to at least C plus range. I don't think I can quite go B minus on it with you. Um, Maybe I'm optimistic there, but also but, like good. But things it is with, a necessary. Yeah. You want one in every green deck, so that's oh yeah, true. definitely. I think that yeah. Uh, one extra thing is that uh, if we agree that the backup is such a good mechanic, this hoses it pretty well because you can do it in response to uh, targeting with the backup. Oh yeah, for sure. And then if the creature is small, so probably you will be able to kill it. And it yeah, instant speed interaction is so so good in this format. I mean, also that's why we were mentioning that blue bounce spell. Like it's so so good for that. Like against all these different things. Okay, I think that we yeah. we we, yeah. we probably can agree that this is it's a good card. Good card. C plus yeah. or B minus, yeah. Yeah. Um Vengeant Earth. One in a green for an instant at common. Target creature or land you control becomes a four-four elemental creature with haste in addition to its other types until end of turn. It must be blocked this turn if able. Um I did miss the target creature part when I first read this. So that does change my evaluation, I think, a little bit about it because um ideally on turn three you could play this to hit your land and make it so your opponent has to block but now all of a sudden it doesn't it's not really a three mana play anymore and it gives you a lot more control uh, especially if you can pump like a phyrexian uh incubator thing because it has all the counters too so making your opponent block that maybe you can set up some things as well i don't think it's much better than i gave it credit for but the word creature is pretty important on this so probably more like c minus um yeah, I'm going to yeah. be quite quite interested in how this card plays out because um, stats are good on it. I mean, the stats in terms of like four four um, changing land to four four when you need it to get extra attacker and uh, engage one blocker if you want to either go lethal or or uh, flip a battle, and that's important for you. Instant speed is also pretty useful, and I think that yeah, the fact that it has some synergies with incubators is neat. C. I don't know. I, I I put optimistically C. I I I'm not going to be surprised if it plays more like a C minus or even lower than that. But we'll see. I don't think it's going to be much higher than C. That's for sure. I put it at absolute uh, max that I thought it could get. Uh, Portent tracker one and a green creature setter scout one one uh, tap and tap target land tap. Choose target battle. If an opponent protects it, remove a defense counter from it. Otherwise, put a defense counter on it. Activate only as a sorcery. I put it as a D. You put it as a C plus. So quite a big difference. Um, I think that one one is insignificant enough as a body that I'm not happy about it. Yes, it ramps you, and yes, it uh, in long games it will kill battles or protect yours, but. I still don't think this is the thing that I want to be playing in my deck. Yeah, I don't really care about the battle part. I mean, that is nice. And it does something when you no longer need the mana ramp. But I just think mana ramping in 2023 is so much better than it used to be because the cards scale so much more faster. It's part of the reason why I gave that red-green uh, battle such a high grade way back when. But I think also you just playing a four drop on turn three is going to be great because it means you're basically on the plane no matter what. And, you know, it, it It also depends kind of how good curving like two drop, three drop, four drop is in the set. If you can play a two drop and skip, like if you can play this as your two drop because your two drop wasn't going to be that great anyways, then suddenly this is great because the fours and fives look pretty good to me. Plus you want extra mana to flip your cards and do all these other things. 
So I could see it sort of securing that spot for the decks. And then eventually, yeah, you have kind of the like, ah, pick away at a battle mode with the card. Um, so that's why I'm like super high on the card itself. Um, maybe C plus is ambitious. But I think there's a huge difference between ramping your mana for like as a two drop versus like a three drop. Um, that That's definitely true. That's all. Also, I mean, I, I'm, I'm judging it through the prism of the, what was the Kaltheim Elves that was a 2-2 that had similar ability, but only for Snowlands. And that card I liked because the 2-2 was a body and the 1-1 is not, and that's why I dropped it. I think D maybe is excessive. Maybe it's a D plus to minus or something. Yeah, it's probably the truth, as most things, is like in the middle somewhere for us. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I do think this is a good card. Is it me? Uh, Wary Thespian, one and a green for a cat druid at common. It is a 3-1, and when it enters the battlefield or dies, surveil one. Um, if we think about two mana three ones, that's kind of like a D-plus card, and that's what you gave it. I gave it a C. Um, I think uh, being able to surveil once over the course of the game twice is quite a bit better. Maybe it's only like a C-minus because of that, but it kind of smooths your draws early, helps you find a land or, or a hopefully like a three drop when you need it, you just get that one extra immediate boost and it's very aggressive. Now it doesn't really play with the themes of the set, which is kind of a little bit worrisome about it. And three, one just literally trades with everything, but I could sort of see like either you want the two mana one, one creature to help ramp, or you want the three, one cause you're beating down super hard and you probably don't want both those cards in the same deck. Um, yeah. So wary thespian. I don't know. I said C. Maybe it's a C minus. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I maybe I just I just don't see like much of a synergy with the surveil and and green. That's that's the main reason why I give it a D. Yeah, plus. it doesn't have synergy. It's definitely true. So uh, that that was one knock against it. But if you want to fix your draws to be more aggressive, maybe that's that's the way to do it. Um, tandem takedown. One green green for an instant. Uh. Up to two target creatures you control, each get plus one plus oh until end of turn. They each deal damage equal to their power to another target creature, planeswalker, or battle. Um, you gave it a C plus, I gave it a B. Possibly I should have given a B minus, but if I gave a B minus to the two mana version of it that only involves one creature and doesn't pump it, I think paying one extra green um, to have two creatures team up and killing something potentially really big, also making combat better, I think is worth it. Yeah, I just didn't get to the B range because I think it's hard to make this ever be a two for one. Sometimes it'll happen where like you attack with your, you know, uh, three, four and your opponent blocks with their three, four. And you're like, aha, now my three, four is a four, four. And we're also killing your other thing that attacked me. That's going to happen some games. And so that's going to be really great. But I don't think this card is like anywhere near clear shot, which we're seeing right now in Sir being like a super good card that basically always two for ones. and so it's kind of a hard to cast fight spell. So honestly, like for me, this card is about as good as the cheaper one, right? Because yes, you're not like teaming up with it. This will basically always kill what you want, but it is more expensive. And it's it does have some upside, but I, I feel like it's just not going to happen that often. Okay, fair. Uh, Crystal Carapace is next. Three and a green for a enchantment or it enchants a creature uh gives the creature plus three plus three and has ward two 
and has cycling two. So for four mana, plus three, plus three, and ward two, kind of protects itself, has cycling two. I gave it a D plus. That's probably ambitious. I probably won't play this card very often. Um, it is kind of nice that it cycles, and then sometimes, you know, if it is worth having the plus three, plus three on a creature, that's pretty fantastic. Um, but it's probably closer to a D. You gave it a D minus. Yeah, I gave it a D minus. I'm not going to play this card, and uh, um, or maybe maybe once just to see how it's going. But uh, I I think it's risky to play Auras in this format because you can get pretty big blow ups out of that. Cycling is a nice fail save, but do I want to play a card just because it has color cycling? I don't think so. Yeah, the card the card is probably mana too expensive to really actually be playable. Yeah, maybe. Right, we have Storm the Seed Core, uh, best art of the set, I guess. Two green green, uh, sorcery. Distribute four plus one plus one counters among up to four target creatures you control. Creatures you control gain vigilance and trample until end of turn. You gave it a C plus. I gave it a B. I think it's an overrun. You think it's not as good as overrun? I'm I mean, tell, I mean, I four counters is a lot, right? Like, if the you fact have that you can distribute them. The fact that yeah. you can distribute them as you want is going to do a lot to the combat math. The fact that they gain Vigilance on top of the Trample is going to change quite a lot as well. I think that this card, like if you are playing a Curve Out deck, is going to end games very efficiently. I mean, it's basically travel preparations with upside, right? Where you could stack it however you want, and then sometimes you just pump them all, and that's great too. Like give four different things, plus one, plus one, and attack with everything. So the fact that it's like, Travel preparations slash plus four plus four aura slash mini overrun. The fact that it's all three of those cards does mean that it, this card has to be in the B range. I don't know if it's quite at the B level because when you do eggs and you all all in one basket, even if you split it like two and two, if they ever do bounce one of those or kill one of them, you do lose a lot of the card strength. And then later in the game, how good is giving plus one plus one counters? Like it's not really overrun at that point. It's much closer to a flexible aura, if that makes sense. Mm, potentially. Then not. I'm also or... keeping in the back of my mind, I'm keeping the plus one plus one counter. Well, let's let's think about this. I mean, we talked about the green white siege card way back when, which just puts plus one plus one counter on each of your creatures. And then it gives you a, a really good creature on the backside. I mean, this card can't be better than that, right? I think it can be because if you have two creatures, this one is much better. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's true. I just, I don't know. How far ahead are you getting? Like, a lot of times you're just, like, you're putting a couple counters somewhere. I guess you're always going to put the counters in a way so that your opponent can't have profitable blocks that turn. So I guess that's kind of true. Okay, it's probably a B-. minus. Okay, well, that, that, yeah. I think I, I still keep it on the B because I do love my counter synergies as well. So, yeah. Okay, we have Invasion of Morgana next. Four and a green for a battle at Uncommon. When it enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature control. Then that creature fights up to one target creature you don't control. It has six defense, which is a lot. Um, the backside is Primordial Plasm. It's an ooze. It's a 4-4. Four, four. So it's at the beginning of combat on your turn. Another target creature gets plus two, plus two, and loses all abilities until end of turn. Um, again, I mean, I kind of stuck to my heuristic here. It might be not white on that level where it's a it's a siege that helps itself flip getting the counter and killing something is nice because you're getting that tangible ongoing benefit hopefully killing the blocker it is expensive enough where you're getting to the game state of the game where your opponent might have some mana up 
And so they could maybe interact with this in some way. And so it's not really a reliable removal spell. So I gave it a B minus. That might be a little ambitious because maybe too much can go wrong with it. Or you you also need a creature in play that's big enough for it to do anything. And six defense is a lot. Yeah, I, I can bump this down to C plus. You were going all the way down to C. I think I do like it better than that. But uh, yeah, it's an I, interesting one. I, I mainly put it on C because of the six defense when I think that attacking put uh, drowning six damage. That is a lot of life. Is, yeah. Is, is probably your better attacking face. And then the ooze is interesting in a way because uh but it gives it can, back that damage pretty fast right the ooze. yeah it can make something slightly bigger or it can actually remove just a, a blocker six, that six, is right like, you know you have a couple yeah. of flyers you can remove a flyer by giving their creature plus two plus two yeah no no reach, reach for you right everything has exactly. reach um but uh yeah maybe it is a c plus i think that you know it's like one mana more expensive um the usual fight spell then you want to pay one plus yeah. One counter, yeah. So uh, may maybe it's slightly better. Yeah, it's somewhere in there. Can it remove the pacifism effects? I'm not going into layers because I have no idea how that works, but probably not. Because you remove it, but then the enchantment at the next possible situation will give it back to the creature. So uh, uh, that's a question from the chat. Yeah, let's not go into layers. <laughs> so also, also like uh, Bold the Burp, you say that hunt the weak that makes a body, but it doesn't necessarily make the body because you have to deal six damage to it to make the body. And that's the problem that I see for that card. Um, okay, we have Copper Host Crusher, six green green, Phyrexian Bear Rhino, eight eight, Trample, Hexproof. Simple, efficient, I give it a D because I think <laughs> eight mana is a lot. It is a lot, yeah. But it's also an eight eight trample hexproof, which is huge. That's true. I gave it a C minus. Uh, now the biggest enemy of this card is there's some little death touch creatures in the set, so that's pretty sad. You're like I've done it, eight eight trample hexproof. You know, like I have a one one death touch. Still goes through seven, but um, yeah. I mean, yeah, if you can land it, you're probably in a good situation in that particular game. Oh, <laughs> I thought this card had Convoke. <laughs> no, that would change not. the card. Oh, this card sucks. Man, I'm not doing well with the... Uh... There's too many words on Magic cards, man. Okay, there's yeah, actually two words on this card. Yeah, but there's all the flavor text and everything else, and there's all the other cards fatigue me. Yeah, this card's a D. You're right. You're right. <clears throat> okay. I, doesn't it make sense to have Convoke? <clears throat> it costs eight mana. It does. It does make sense. It's not red or uh, blue. That's probably why. Okay, I don't understand. It, I guess the trampler hexproof I thought was a different keyword. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Your okay, card. Blight and Burgeoning. Two and a green. It's an enchantment aura, a chance of land. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, incubate two. And whenever the enchanted land is tapped for mana, its controller adds an additional one mana of any color. Uh, this was kind of what I was referencing with the Kami earlier that adds mana. I think this card is worse than the Kami because it doesn't have the counter synergies, but you get to incubate two, so you get a 2-2 two -two later on. I thought the Kami was a C or C+. I thought this card is almost the same card, honestly. It doesn't have, you know, a ton of synergies, but if you're looking to fix ma your mana, this card's kind of what you're looking for. So I gave it a C in the Splishy Splash decks. You can ramp out some crazy five drop that's two or three colors or three three colors, you know. After that, you thought, you hey, can, it's a you D. can also play it on turn four and just uh, activate the incubate thing instantly. 
Yeah, it's a lot like Weirding Wood in, in Sarah where you, you get the clue and crack it right away. They have kind of similar play patterns. Instead of clue, you get a 2-2. Two, two. But I gave it a D. I don't see myself playing it a lot. That, that's mainly why. It's I probably that yeah, my, my type of card. <laughs> I, I usually like those in a way. I like the one Kaltheim. I played it probably too much um, to the cost of my gems. I just think that this format is going to be all about creatures on board and this one doesn't do just enough with the 2-2. Two, two. Sure. I, I agree. The 2-2 two, two part of this card is pretty weak. Like, think about it like I know it's not the same, but the four mana instant one, uh, it gives plus two, plus two stats on the board for you uh, oh, as come well. come on, this is better than that. Mm, depends on the situation. If you have, like, good blocking creature to make a better blocking creature, uh, I might be in for the uh, combat trick uh, rather than something that they can see from miles and it's just a 2-2 two -two that uh, can become quickly insignificant. I think well, also it's going to depend how good are the how good are the rares that are all the colors because there's a lot of them, and how good mm. are the the gain lands going to be. I guess we'll uh, have to wait lands. for the rare set review because the better all that stuff is, you know, the better this is. That's true. There, there's good. a there's a bunch of free colored cards that are probably worth uh, doing stuff to make sure that you can play them, especially in sealed, I would guess, but also in draft. Okay. Cards green, and we have Urn of Godfire. <laughs> Clear, clearly something went wrong in the slide design. That's not green, if uh, you are there, listeners. Uh, I think that we can do green together with the artifacts, because there's yeah. only a few of those. Um, so the first one of the artifacts, not green, uh, is called Urn of Godfire. It's one mana. It has two mana to add one mana of any color, so mana filtering. Or six and a tap, sacrifice, urn of Godfire, destroy target creature or enchantment. I gave it a D, you gave it a D. Um, you might be playing this in a deck where you didn't get any removal and you want something to deal with um, threats. Or you can use it as maybe a sideboard card against cer certain type of decks. Um, yep. Next, we have Kite Sail. Two, two generic mana, artifact equipment. It's uh, common. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one has flying, and you can equip two. I gave a D plus. You gave a D plus. Boy, there's a lot of reach creatures, so <laughs> I'm a little worried about the kite sail, anyways. And uh, it's pretty clunky and expensive, but sometimes it helps you attack a battle. I don't think this is what you should be doing, though. Yeah, maybe when you've got like some kind of really dopey uh, green red deck that doesn't have yeah. ways of overcoming board stalls, that's the way you want to overcome your. Board they all just overcome them on their own, though. But they're all huge. Yeah, that's true. Um. Then we have Flywheel Racer. It's a two mana vehicle. It's a three two with vigilance. It has an ability tap, add one mana of any color, activate it only if Flywheel Racer is a creature and it has crew cost of one. You gave it a C, I gave it a C minus. I think we both agree it's the Jaspera Sentinel of this format. Um, good part of it is that once you crew it, you might as well swing for three if there is no blocks. So that's an option you can have and then still you can tap it. Uh, after attacks to get some mana. Mm -hmm. Yeah, two um, mana, Jaspira Sentinel instead of one. That's definitely worse. But... Yeah, that's definitely worse. Uh, and also, sometimes you will have those zero one creatures that you can't use to crew it, which is a shame. But in general, yeah, I think that if you want it, you want it and you know it because you are playing a splishy, splashy deck with some top end and uh, 
uh, maybe U-shaped curve when you have a bunch of one ones and a bunch of six sixes, and you want to use the flywheel racer to connect those two ends of the spectrum quicker. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's deck specific. It's a two mana three two, but <laughs> slow decks want it. It's pretty funny. Okay, um, Halo Hoppers next. It's a little origami frog, kind of cute. Uh, three colorless mana or three generic mana for a three two artifact creature frog. It's a common, and this one has Convoke. Okay, so no Trample or Hexproof on this one. Um, three mana, three, two. I, I don't, like, why do I need to Convoke out a three, two? It doesn't make any sense. Um, three mana, three, two is just bad, so I gave it a D. <laughs> you gave it a yeah, D minus. I gave it a D minus. Also, Origami Frog, Halo, what is it? Kapena or Kamigawa? Because I, I, I'm i getting lost there. Uh... Halo Hopper must be Kapena, no? Yeah, it must be Kapena. But origami must be Kamigawa. So I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not impressed by this maybe, card. Well, maybe the, one of the prime <laughs> bosses were into it. You know, they when they're not, you know, making deals, they're folding paper on the side. I see, like, I see maybe some very niche uses of this card in, in decks that want to double spell. And I don't see that very frequently. Wait, hold on. We have an answer. Sorry to get sidetracked here. But it says the, the flavor text folded by an imaginative child, animated by a mischievous Kami and blessed by an otherworldly angel. So is it ah. the angels from Katana, but we're on Kamigawa? That's my okay. final answer. I, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess that, that is, that's true. Definitely relevant <laughs> to the stream. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess that you will find fringe uses for it, and you mm -hmm. will know it when you need it. Skittering so. Surveyor. Three colorless. One, two... Artifact creature construct. When Skitterick Surveyors enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, put it into your hand, and shuffle. I gave it a C plus, I give it a C. I think that there's a memory of this card from uh, Dominaria. I don't think it's Dominaria anymore, and I think that the one-two body is just not good enough. Uh, that's why I gave it a C. I see a utility of that card when you're playing um, multicolor decks. Yeah, I think the big difference on this card is I think it was just <coughs> it was Sorry. just a generally good card back on Dominaria, and now I think you really need to be playing like at least three colors for this card to be worth picking. And yeah, but, my, my bet was that people are going to play it incorrectly a lot. That's what will dump the win rate. Yeah, so I'll probably never be able to play the card because people are going to pick it for their two-color deck like remembering how good it was. But I do think that if you want to be splashing, it's a pretty good way to do that because even if the body's not that relevant, it still in a way buys you time to set it up. But it's not really, I think, that much better at doing that than the green enchantment we were looking at with the ramping on the land. So, yeah, it's fine. yeah. I, I have the same. It's like maybe my my pet hatred, but I have the same thing with Skittering Surveyor as I do have with Prophetic Prism. And I think that this is the card that is sort of a victim of uh, success in the first printing, and often will not be as good in other formats and. People tend to forget it. That, that's why I gave it a lower grade. Still, C is not a bad grade at all. I mean, mm -hmm. it's a solid playable, but uh, I just don't think it will go much higher than that. Yeah, it should probably be like a fifth or sixth pick card, and people are going to take it like third. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then we have Phyrexian Archivist. Six mana, two are for a four five Phyrexian Construct common. It has reach. It's an of artifact. Course. Everything has. Everything has reach. Our poor Cogwark. Cogwark? archivist whatever the one from strixhaven now uh now they're you know silencing the libraries even harder 
Um, and you pay two and tap it to put target card from a graveyard on the bottom of its owner's library. So it's still kind of the same card. Uh, this might be a blue-black gold card, kind of, because that color pair would really like the reach because the game goes longer, and then you don't self-mill yourself to death. I really like a six mana four or five reach. I think that's great. I do think there's a lot of like ways to randomly hose expensive artifacts now that I think about the set. So I gave it a C minus. I think this might be a little too vulnerable to just random cards people are playing. Um, you give it a D minus. It's probably closer to that than my C minus grade. If people can't kill this, it's quite good, but it, I think it's quite killable. It will get random Phyrexian uh, benefits maybe as well in, in some yeah. decks. Yeah. But yeah, I, I put D minus. Maybe it's a D. I'm I'm not interested in playing this card. I think that there is some self-mill, but I don't think that the self-mill is that kind of powerful that you will need to prevent yourself from decking. So that's 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 yeah, my probably, rationale for the D minus. But uh, yeah. Okay. We have a bunch of lands now. They are all gain lands. And I think that you graded some of them differently. I put C on every single one of them. And yeah, maybe we... we can go through which ones you grade higher and why. Blossoming Sands, you clearly graded the same as I do. I think yeah, they're there solid. And you, you C's or C pluses. Yeah. And I gave the red-white one a C minus one. That was the only difference. So I gave C plus to white-black, uh, blue-black, and I think blue-green maybe. Basically, any of the color pairs that I thought were like slower and splashier, I gave a C plus because you might want it more there. And then I downgraded the red-white one because I think you want to be red-white beatdown, so you don't really want to tap land in that deck. And the rest I gave Cs. I mean, they're all kind of in the same categories. I think you're you just... still slamming one copy in every deck, no? If you have it on color. Uh, maybe. There's not so many, like, super impactful Yeah, you're not playing drops. as many one-drops. That's probably true. But I think you're going to value... Um... Well, I just don't think you... Like, yes, you'll, you'll pick it up and play it in that red-white deck, but I think it's just not a priority, whereas, like, most decks do want one actively, and then like the splishy splash decks like actively want them. Uh, Lucius, there is uh, this is the only cycle of uh, lands. There is no untapped dual lands in this set, unfortunately. And they're all really good though. Originally, now I don't think they're going to be as good as they were in uh, Tarkir from their printing, but there is a lot of multicolored cards. So this is a kind of a free way to get extra colors into your deck, which is pretty great. You have to keep in mind that they are not commons. They are much rarer than commons. They are half the frequency that commons you will see. Because you only have 50% of it per pack. So you get one every two packs. And there is 10 of them. So you will open 12 dual lands per draft pod normally. Okay, so and not super reliable. So 1.2 of each one. Uh, and that's more closer to uncommon than common. Yeah, so if you want... If you really want a splishy splash, you can't just rely on the. You can't just take common gain lands usually. No, yeah, you have to prioritize them quite high as well. Nice. All right, well, that's the end of commons and uncommons, and yeah, what do we do? I think it's up to that, you. Yeah, I mean, it's two twenty a.m. in here. I'm fine I to. Might, I might give delay. it a pass because. Because we're going to take at least two hours to do the absolutely uh, yeah. probably two to three yeah yeah it's fewer so cards but a lot of words maybe we can uh, I I I'm tomorrow I'm driving for six hours and then coming back and my mom so, is coming home yeah that doesn't so, work uh, that might be tricky maybe we can do it on on 
Tuesday, I'm doing the skeletons. So maybe we can move it to Wednesday due to the rares. If... Yeah, that's fine. But I can't do it until... 4.30, I know. Yeah, 4.30. But we can try it. Like, at least that's not 2.30 your time. <laughs> it's more like no. midnight. It's midnight. Yeah, it's still still painful, but we can we can we can we can we can work it out. Okay. All right. All brilliant. Right. Well, hopefully you enjoyed our first take on the set review. Um, I'm going to put all those videos on YouTube at some stage, maybe in the morning. But um, let's see how much strength I will have after the marathon today. Um, and uh, yeah, you can find Trumpetman at Trumpetman underscore on Twitter. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. And obviously. If you don't still listen to 40 Card College podcast, uh, I would highly recommend it. Uh, that's Neil's uh, brainchild. It's one of the best limited podcasts right now that there are. I really listen to every episode. There's always interesting insights, so I highly recommend you doing that. And um, I'm and doing stuff here. technically magic numbers, uh, but if you're listening it through 40 Card College and you're not listening to the magic numbers already, definitely be listening to the magic numbers because... Obviously, beyond set reviews, circuits, you always putting on amazing seminars uh, in this style, talking the nitty gritty of limited, which I think everyone listening to, them, to my show would obviously appreciate too. Yeah, I think that our uh, audiences overlap. It's, quite it's almost a Venn diagram. <laughs> it's almost a circle if you look at a Venn diagram. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, and yeah, um, um, in a couple of days, we'll try to come back to rares and mythics and um, talk about more powerful cards. Fewer C's, more B's and A's, and probably some F's on top of everything. Yeah, so look forward we'll to see it. See you then.